Hey guys, welcome back to the Anime Collector, and welcome back to the OCA Podcast. That's the Open Chest Anime Podcast with myself, the Anime Collector, and my co-host, Don Jobo Agi. Who I've, had the hello. Camera on. I've had the camera hello. on you the whole time. Okay. Oh, it's on me. Yeah. yeah, the whole time it has. Um, okay, so real quick, uh, FDDNM is coming in. Um, his laptop, quote-unquote, is being AIDS. So uh, we'll see him in just a minute. Um did we have now I've already lost like everything I was going to say at the beginning of the podcast. Um, did we have an opening discussion? You know, some stuff like that we should a, talk about. You know, you're kind of like a poker game. Either you have all your cards or everything's just a fold. Well, so we had this problem with the last podcast, so we're probably going to have to um, stop doing this, but uh, the, the Twitter moment thing is just, it's, it's terrible. And, and because we have this stuff separated by episodes, whereas the last one was just like Gunbuster, the movie, and then, you know, here's Gunbuster 2 kind of thing. Uh, it's just, it's it's all over the place, you know? So I'm just trying my best to, uh, to reorganize that right in the last second here because it, one of my tweets was in here over 10 times. <laughs> I, their, their thing is just terrible. I was telling Augie that the, the way that you reorganize on the phone is great, but it's too small for you to read what the tweets say. And the way you do it on, on the desktop is terrible, but at least you can read what the tweets say. Because yeah. when you go on the phone, they shrink into like a, a grid. And it's like, if you know, if, if there's a picture, you can kind of make out what the, which tweet it is. But yeah, so reorganizing on the computer, you have to click it up. You have to up arrow it like once... Uh, for every moment, every space you have to move it on. And, and it's like, it jumps. <laughs> it's just so annoying. There's so many better ways they could have handled this. Um, anyway, so we're just kind of stalling right now. Uh, do you have anything else you need to bring up? Bring who, what, up, where? Anything else you wanted to bring up before the actual podcast gets underway? Well, there's a tweet that I did make. Yeah, do you want to go to the Twitter moment and just... Uh... Yeah, if you can share that. I'm going to put it in the uh, chat here. Okay. Oh, FTD, FTDNM is here. Oh, he's been here. Okay. I'm sending, I sent you the tweet. Yeah, go ahead and, go ahead and do that. Oh, yeah. The, the connection has been wonderful. Uh, so that's something that's worth bringing up, actually. So last podcast, uh, we had an issue with the internet uh, cutting out and us splitting the podcast into two parts, which I then stitched together and re-uploaded because apparently YouTube has removed the uh, the ability to edit your existing uploads um, using their YouTube video editor. So that didn't happen um, like I had planned it to. And uh, both parts are in the description of that, of the longer version. That's why if you're wondering why the episode underperformed view-wise, it's because half the views are spread out into the other parts. Um and uh, let's see. So because of that, I called my internet provider, and the first question they asked me was, is there any construction going on? And to which I replied, yes, because <laughs> uh, they're building new homes uh, near where I live right now. But I don't know why that would cause the internet outages to happen in the middle of the night. So I'm, I'm still not quite sure, but I got, I got a lot of other stuff that was plaguing the podcast fixed. So... And I think I am now done organizing that. I'm not even going to try to look at the rest of this stuff and just just pretend like everything. Yeah, that's these are. I don't even know. We're just gonna we're gonna wing it. Anyway, 
All right, guys. So some other stuff I want to bring up. Um, YouTube uh, news. So we kind of talked about this a little bit, but it hasn't really gotten, um, you know, full force. I'll just say that uh, when YouTube was making their policy change to make it so that you had to have a thousand uh, subscribers and 4,000 hours worth of watch time, I hypothesized that at least 50%, probably closer to 90% of channels that were monetized on YouTube were about to lose monetization. Um, and what that was, the incentive on YouTube's part for doing that was that you could take the pool of ads, which for instance, when you're at the lowest you know, end of the spectrum, let's say, if you're a new channel that has one subscriber or even zero subscribers, um, then the uh, the ads, the pool of ads have to be distributed between everybody who's monetizing when they, when somebody is watching one of their videos. So if you're on the lowest end of the spectrum, you might get an actual ad to play before your video once every thousand views. Whereas if you're on the other end of the spectrum, like PewDiePie or somebody, you probably get a, an ad almost every single view, right? Um, and well, so the, the idea was that if you, if you get rid of 90% of the channels that are sucking up the views or the ads, then there'd be more to go around to everybody else. That's kind of, that's kind of like the unwritten uh, sort of method behind the madness that they were sort of purporting. And uh, logic would dictate that you'd be able to see a little spike and in your, in your analytics going after the 22nd or the, the 20th or February 20th, where that happened. And I'm just here to say has not happened. <laughs> now, uh, there is a possibility that um, I'm actually in a worse off position. And this is just like, it, it really doesn't affect the uh, the channel or anything. I just thought I wanted to bring this up so that it's sort of out there. You know, you're probably going to hear other YouTubers eventually start talking about this just so that it's known. But um, we went from being you know, let's say 800 subscriber range where we were much higher than the lowest tier of having zero or one subscriber. But now we're at the bare minimum of the new tier of, of the minimum of a thousand. So perhaps, perhaps it'll, it'll be scalable uh, going forward, but I just, we'll just have to see where that goes. Uh, the bottom line is that um, YouTube, uh, Literally anything they tell you, the, probably the opposite's true. Like, for instance, something that they say is that uh, your rating system, the thumbs up, thumbs down, has no bearing whatsoever on the algorithm. That can't possibly be true because the video that gets recommended uh, in my end cards and stuff, like literally anytime I'm putting in end cards and everything, it's always the budgeting tip. And that video has the most likes of any of the videos I've made. So with that said, I'm going to ask you guys to remember to like uh, this video and share it with your friends and all that because it'll it'll be the ba the way that we end up growing the podcast and everything going forward. So, um, yeah, you're probably going to want to uh, you're probably going to want to switch off your camera and just turn it on for the pickups at DDM because uh, we do have the whole bars thing going on. 
Oh, do you mean the cameras? Yeah. Yeah, I forget about that because when it's only you and me, Augie, um, I don't have to turn that off. It, it does it automatically. It only it only pops up once the third person joins in. Um, anyway. Uh, so, hello, everybody. Glad to see you here in the chat. Um, and this will be a friendly reminder that the chat gets archived um, from now on. So it was actually archived in the last broadcast, but because there were uh, two different parts and I stitched them together and made the other videos unlisted, um, the chat is stuck on the enlisted videos, not on the one that got finally up, like the finalized one that got up uploaded. So I just want to make sure that everybody's aware of that. And let's uh, let's go ahead and get started, Augie. All righty. How about you begin the pickups? Um, I think I'm going to go last uh, for reasons that will become apparent when I get there. Okay. Okay, I'll go first then because I should probably get out of the way because of my. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let's go can you, first. Can I can I explain real quick what's going on with the internet? Or, or you can. So, okay, um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I don't have unlimited internet because I live in the country and all that stuff. And apparently, any Steam games. So let's make the video portion a bit shorter than usual. Yeah. Okay, so. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna translate that because nobody heard what you said. <laughs> um, his internet. He doesn't have unlimited internet. Uh, in Canada because he lives in a country area. Um, so, okay. So he's, nobody can understand a word you're saying. So he's, he's, he's already sort of over his limit. So his bandwidth is way lower. It's been throttled. Um, so we're just going to let you get through this and we might have to put you off the stream because this is just, your, your audio is so bad. So let's go ahead and get through your pickups real quick. If you can. Yeah, this isn't gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, Augie, take it away. <laughs> FDD, uh, switch uh, to, switch off your camera. <laughs> no, no, it's my computer. Like you just start when I start the podcast, so it's just being slow. Right, FDD, only fishies can hear you. Oh, well, Augie, yeah, Augie's gonna go. Augie's gonna go first then, and let your computer warm up or whatever. And if if it's we'll see we'll see where you're at. Maybe you can maybe you can restart your computer and uh and try to come back in if it okay. back up, probably. So I'm in Augie. the ocean. my head is on. Yeah, you sound terrible. Augie, go ahead. All right. So since you two got your two your twelve kingdoms, I got my copy of Twelve Kingdoms as well. Ooh. Season one and season two. You got the the little art box you want. Is it, are those thin packs or what are those? Uh, too thick to be thin packed. I mean, huh. are they digi packs? Yeah, sadly they're digi packs. I'll crack open one. Those are. Hmm. Oh, they're kind of similar to uh, uh, El Hazard. El Hazard. So yeah, they are digi packed. Huh. So one one of the nice things about digi packs is the ability to put some neat artwork on them. Oh yeah. I love how this is textured. It kind of feels almost like an old Bible. Bibble, however you want to pronounce it. I don't think I've heard anyone call that a bibble. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that. That, that is a perfect that is the perfect thing to say with that autotone fitting out. And I'm, up next, ironically, I finally got me a little suitcase of Zyborg 009 one 
I've been meaning to get that, but I also kind of don't want to get it because it's a suitcase. Yeah, it is a suitcase. I'm kind of surprised that you have a label and stuff like right here, and it informs you that it comes with disc two. But for this one, even though it has has some bad rust, but I'm not sure if the wet taking some damp uh, baking soda and kind of scrubbing it will to get it off or what. But I believe this can be easily refurbished. If you try that, let me know if it works because my Evangelion tin has just a tiny bit of that. I will. I will. I will say this much. This feels more sturdier, sturdier than the other one. Yeah, there we go. So what you have is your lunch. Oh yes, my lunch. Yum yum. Gotta eat me some uh, cyborg. Those are not uh, numerical order. It doesn't look like. They're not. Looks like it was one, one, three, two. Is that what it? One, three, and two. And sadly, they're not. They're not that creative with the back. Something else I'll bring up uh, before I forget is later on in the podcast we'll be discussing bubblegum crisis. At request of Cutie Honey Thirty uh, was the one who uh, suggested that show. So good on you. It was a great. It was a great watch. I, I I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I can check that off my bucket list, but we still have more of it to go. I just but, realized I haven't. I haven't marked it off on uh, Anime Planet. I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> However, yeah. since we're talking about the least show, I also have one as well called You're Under Arrest, the specials. Ooh. DDNM, nobody wants to hear. It's You sound like a robot who's getting raped right now. So maybe <laughs> maybe we could uh, maybe we could have you moderate the chat or something because this is not going to work. Thank God. Well, I, I swear that comment, I swear that. You... <laughs> just go on. You just go ignore. All right. <laughs> so after that, I, I can say that you are under arrest. Woo. Yeah. These are the specials, so the mini episodes, I do believe. And because you said it was animation, oh, I see. I finally got me the steel case of. Uh, Batman Gotham Knight. All the stickers still on it. I didn't know there was a steel case for that. I kind of don't I. care because I kind of don't care because for the same reason that I didn't buy that 0091. Uh, uh, well, actually, the reason I never buy the 0091 case you showed is because I don't want to have the stupid handle as the end label in my collection. Um, but number two is because those things rust and I, I, I'm not super keen on steel. Uh, yeah, they do rust. They do rust. However, I have two that you've been talking about throughout the podcast. Yeah. Them both being being classics as Big Man Japan and Wild Zero. Have I talked about Wild Zero? Yes, you have. Juan Merlin. I don't even know what that is. Well, you just talked about it. It's um, the back of the box. The one sentence says it all. Japan's rock and roll zombie horror classic. Okay. Hey, Danny. And that is it for me. By the way, I'm Wait. just going to say, 
something else I forgot to bring up because I totally lost my train of thought at the beginning of this. I want to congratulate Lishonsky on the birth of his little boy. So congratulations, Lishonsky. I'm, I'm sure you're not watching right now because you're probably caring to the uh, the child. But when you do see this, uh, on behalf of the Open Chess Anime Podcast community, we'd like to congratulate you uh, on the birth of your son. Let's see. Seven pounds, ten ounces, I believe. <laughs> so what do you that's, got? That's pretty small, actually. <laughs> what do I have? Well, I'll oh, go next. I was the exact same weight. Oh, really? Um, yeah. My son was 8'6". I think I was 8'6", too. Anyway, so um, let's see. Let me grab... I got I got a couple things I need to actually pull out of here real quick because I put run, them away. Run, run. So let's see. Kimi ni Tudoke. I talked about this last podcast because they hadn't arrived yet. Um, Kimi ni Tosloke. Yep. Um, I got those on recommendation from Samurai Jeff. And then along with that, I finally picked up Love Live. So there's the movie and then there's the parts of the show. And I've got this over here because this is the one I'm going to send back to Amazon. Actually, this one, maybe I'll have to look at them again to make sure. There's something about this one I decided was not a-okay with me. Um, Amazon has just been, they've been, let me, let me illustrate the point on how badly things have been going for me. I just pulled this out of my mailbox tonight. So that's nice, right? No, mm -hmm. well, Ben might also, be needing to get some off days there. So, well, uh, who knows? It, it's, it's where I live. It's just the, there's something not, not super great about the, uh, about the the mail service and it's not necessarily the mailman himself it could be the post office or the delivery to the post i don't know what it is but i just i have terrible luck and i can't wait to move uh, i also picked up on my buddha because i awesome. wanted something to to throw off the uh i'm gonna put this on me i wanted something to throw off the collection a little bit like shove it down um and like every once in a while because when you add stuff a lot of times you add it in this sort of area and everything moves down and then the stuff at the top doesn't move that much so every once in a while i like to try to get something that's going to move the top over so i got oh my god or on my buddha uh and i've also picked up because we're going to be watching it in may mayo cheeky finally it's actually pronounced uh, mayo i've confirmed that yes 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 manny's chicken uh, I also got something else here um, that nobody's going to care about but me. I actually don't care about it either, but uh, it's one of those weird uh, documentary things that's going to go in my collection. It's called Tokyo Tokyology, <laughs> right? And it's one of these kind of cases. I've <laughs> so never seen that. that before, that kind of case. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's called... Tokyology Volume 1 Pop Culture hosted by Carrie Ann Inaba. So it's like a I, I don't even know what it is. It, a it's like a documentary. Yeah, it's like a documentary type thing. So I'll, I'll be checking that out. Um, I think I talked about this in the last podcast. I picked up Last Exile but I still have yet to get one that's not destroyed. You know? Oh! Holy crap! I just noticed that a bunch of the, the On My Buddha cases are saw cut. Uh oh. Oh, 
how did I miss that before? <laughs> There's saw cut. Some of them are saw cut over the uh, shrink wrap, and others are shrink wrapped over the saw cut. Anyway, no. I also picked up uh, Hello Kitty's uh, Fun Times with Friends, which I'm, I was disappointed to find out was actually the thin pack because I was trying to get. I have the Hello Kitty Paradise in the actual art box. Um, What's the so, spine that looks like? Spine, yeah. Okay, that's the one I showed or last year. Okay, and then uh, I think it was Old Man who um, tipped me off during the podcast. I also picked up Shura no Toki from eBay, or you know, on eBay uh, at the end of the last podcast. Is that a um, sleeve then, or a chipboard? Chipboard. Um, you have to direct a, me to that Amazon listing because there's eBay. they all look so ambiguous. Is an eBay uh, seller. Anyway, um, I actually bought on my Buddha from the same person, so I'm glad that Hello Kitty's uh, Fun Times with Friends and Shiro no Togi didn't have the saw cuts. You know, yeah, it's, I'll uh, see what I can do about that. That's really obnoxious. I should. I need to go look and back and look at the listing because if they didn't mention that, I'm gonna really raise a fuss. So I also picked up. Um, finally, picked up Shadow Skill. Uh, meaning to pick this up for a long time. Then I've got some other stuff that I've been that I picked up that I've been meaning to pick up for a long time. Actually, this too, and, and actually this too. So by the way, I didn't go to the post office today like I had planned to. Just so you guys know, because I, I came across it, and I'll go into it in a second. But uh, somebody um, on a seller's group on Facebook was selling Gundam Unicorn, uh, the DVDs, and I know there's a Blu-ray out there, but I kind of don't care. Um, so I knew that they had released the complete collection. A first edition, and then they then they re-release it. Your your audio sounds way better, by the way. Have to do now. Yeah, um, I rejoined. Great. Uh, so he's he sent me these, and I only actually needed volumes three and four, but I'm glad I didn't tell him to only send me three and four because it turns out that the ones I had for one and two originally were the Bandai release, and these are the uh, right stuff. Uh, let's see, did it right? Yeah, right stuff and Sunrise together. So anyway, so there's that, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and open these guys. Um, I already, I, I'm pretty sure this one's Ichi the Killer, the, the Blu-ray. The one that's in this just destroyed box. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely getting them to send me this back. Um, yeah, so it is Ichi the Killer. Uh, and you can kind of, kind of see that that's mangled. Yeah, I'm definitely not gonna, yeah, no, yeah, the whole, the, the whole spine, the whole spine is just destroyed, so... They're definitely gonna need to uh, refund me on that one. Um, I don't think there's anything else in here, so I'll pop that down there for now. And then I know what this one is. Well, first of all, let me just explain the reason I didn't go to uh, the post office today. So in the last podcast, I mentioned that I bought a uh, bundle pack, and it came with Full Metal Alchemist uh, Conqueror Shambhala. Um, and way back a couple of podcasts ago, I had talked about Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans and how I bought the the special edition one, but I was going to sell the, uh, the figure and the box and stuff. Yeah. I split it with Lishansky and he asked me to also send him uh conqueror Shambhala since I had a duplicate if I, if, if I didn't mind and I was planning on it, but then I checked because I wanted to make sure that like I had one that I would keep the one that had all the inserts and stuff. And it turns out that the one I got from them from the, the bundle is two discs. Oh, that's that's kind of interesting. Been from the special edition. 
Um, no, this no, one special is special edition's different. Yeah, it has a different cover on the special edition, and this is the the barcode number that is uh, normally associated with this product. Mine has a different barcode number. Uh, I forget exactly where I bought this, but I, I'm pretty sure it was at like a Barnes and Noble. So I've had this from a legitimate place for a long time. I've they look identical, except that you can look at the 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 UPC number, the Universal Product Code number, the barcode number is different, and then down here. The uh, there's they're off by one digit seven one seven two. So I'm keeping both. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, now the last thing I need to open is this one, which I am a little bit irked at the seller for uh, for shipping it in in this non protected sort of uh, case. I already know what this is too. I mean, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess what it is. It's Gal Force, I assume. Yeah, using them fingers, you should be using a knife. Not, not, not on Gal Force. Anyway, so I, I've been I've been slacking on picking this up for a long time because I've been looking for a version of it that was in pretty good condition, and this one was in good condition until they shipped it to me in that stupid paper thing. Um, so Gal Force, and then Augie has been nice enough to let me know that there's two extra Gal Force DVDs that don't come in this. Like, what the heck is up with that? So anyway, uh, that is it for me. I think I don't know. There might be more. Also, about Scramble Wars, which he, which AC was able to tell me more about. Um, real quick, uh, you were talking about something while I was uh, out of the room and I could hear you in the AirPods. Yep. You were saying you weren't sure what something was behind me. Okay, so you see Tenchi. Looks like Tenchi Universe. Goes into a little bit more Tenchi. Black box. Then there's the white box. This one? Yep, that's it. That's Tenjo Tenge. Oh, okay. What's the black box since you're there? Tenjo Tenge, the Genion thin, thinner one. Okay. So are we back to sharing screens, or is it all on you? It's on. It's on both of us. Do you want me to switch it back to you or to yeah, Either way, I don't care. Wait, you said uh, Shakira no Toki. I also Shura. have that. As, what? Shura. Shura no Toki. Shura no Toki. Not, not Shakira. It's not Shakira's time. Oh, <laughs> I Mine looks a little bit different. I have that one too, actually. Yeah, that's what I was saying before. I was hoping for some differentiation because I'm not that researched on sure no Tokyo releases. They all look like the same standard volume one, but they have slightly different art and yeah. they're not matching the A and N listings. Yeah. So um Shakira no Toki, uh, according to how they translate <laughs> Shakira no Toki, is gonna be the age of Shakira. <laughs> Because Toki Toki means time in Japanese. It's like um, it's like a it delineates time, like like not necessarily minutes, but like at that time kind of thing, you know. So like there's Toki Doki, which is like anyway, that doesn't matter. Go ahead and go ahead and move on to um, FDM. Before you go, I'll just show what I what I haven't sent to the mailbox yet. Yeah, I was gonna say. Might as well, right? You can lead into mine. Yeah. Yeah, it's not mine. I was going to, to... Well, everybody's already seen yours. I was going to... Um, 
I was going to pick up right after you and like segue into me, but it, it we'll just do it the other way, like you said. So Okami-san and her seven companions. That's a fun one. Heaven's Lost Property. That's also a fun one. And Tenchi GXP. Which should which be renamed Shana. Act- but... Which actually came with all the volumes in it. So lucky you, FDGM. Because that was a it was a volume one plus art box purchase. I know. I I keep getting those, and you're going no, you're to not, see some. You're not the only one who gets those, but I know. Uh, it it's feels just, like I have a good I have a good record track record. Yeah, a good track record. Anybody who's been collecting for more than five years has probably, probably got one. A, a couple of those. <laughs> anyway, all right. So all right. let's so let's try this out. Let's try this out. All right. Let's see if we can get. Your, there we go. Okay. Am I still in the ocean? Let me know. No, you sound great. All right. So I got Phantom Requiem for the Phantom Limit Edition. And you can, I don't know, like the corners are crunched in. And then we got some like really torn up corners here. And the thing that really breaks it up is there's a massive crack along this line. It was seven bucks, but still, I'm going to, I requested a refund. I'm still negotiating with them because they they're the sellers that give like they copy and paste the same response to everything you say so i'm like okay i don't want to have to contact amazon support to get this resolved so yeah i'm just at that state now unbreakable machine doll and it's got some tiny little pieces of damage but i mean it's pretty negligible since this one's kind of out of print and all that stuff and then the other bigger disappointment of the bunch is Nobunagun. <laughs> I just remember your picture on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't I can't believe you didn't think that was gonna happen. <laughs> no, I knew it was gonna happen. <laughs> I knew. Whose picture but, was it on the whole time? It's on him. The thing is him. the thing is Either I'd have that stupid thing on the whole time, or I could make a move and make it less worse. So, I haven't explained it yet, but there was that security sticker that in Brad's video he describes as awful. No, no, no. The security sticker that I described as awful are the are the end label stickers that wrap around. That yeah, what but you was said on your those ones are really bad as well. Oh, the they're, they're they're difficult to get off, but they're not usually on the cover. So they put the they put the little metal security strip sticker right underneath. Yeah, the little right metal hand. security strip, as he's saying. And uh, here's my results. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can see how well that went. Yeah. But like I said, it was that. Or it was going to be on there for eternity, but I'm going to get, right. get like really anyway because it has a slash on the top. But on top of that, I'm getting a call. You're getting a call. I, hold on. Who's calling you? Yeah, I'll swap it to you part- now. Business partners are calling me, and my my headphones are trying to <laughs> trying to switch over. Okay, so I need to say something real quick. Um, yeah, sure. All right. If you work at a Best Buy or Fries. Or any place that sells DVDs, uh, if you have an online store, uh, any of that stuff. Well, I guess it, online store is not as important because you're not going to put the metal security thing in there. Yeah. If you're putting those on there because you think it will help your bottom line because people won't be able to steal the product. 
you're actually hurting yourself because no person in their right mind is going to buy that product knowing that it's yeah. going to destroy the, the packaging. So stop it. Okay. Just stop it. <laughs> it's never a good idea. Never. Don't stick those on there. All right. So I'm Thank not, you. I'm not finished with this one yet though, because, uh, so Funimation limited editions, they have back cards that you're aware of, obviously. Now this one, I thought, oh, like the other ones, oh, they didn't have the back card, whatever, not the end of the world, though this was. Um, but I noticed that the DVDs they weren't they weren't going in quite well. So I pull it out and I see this folded back card inside of it. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, great, perfect. Okay, I know who so wants chicken dinner. All right, so to the next one, we got Machiko and Hachin. I don't really like the look of this anime. That's why I haven't picked it up till now. But now that it's, I don't know. I saw it was slightly more out of print, though Amazon started listing it again. But I'm glad I got this one because they gave me part two with it. So I don't have to bother with getting the save or anything like that. And then I'll continue with the used trend. Here's the final worst one. I got Hetalia Season 5. And it has no bandanas. Like, this is a limited edition. No bandanas. And crinkled to hell. It's got, like, that mass, massive nasty crease. And it's got this... Uh, blah. I told the people that I'll keep it. But just, you know, you lied about the condition. Give me some money back. Because I honestly didn't expect this to come in good condition. So I'm just going to say, whatever. I technically have the limited edition now. And I'm not paying a hundred bucks or something with a crappy paper sleeve anyway. Then we got Neptunia. That one, where I'm from, the parts that I'm from, it's more expensive, but in Amazon.com, it's pretty reasonable. And... Ain't no battle damage? No battle no scarring? I mean, it's got a bit, but I mean, we gotta get this podcast finished at some point. No gamer's thumb? No gamer's thumb? What? Come on, guys. And then we got Eureka 7AO, which I got from the same seller that has sold me most of this crap. But this is the best condition one. It was 13 bucks, And it also came with part two. So yeah. I'm really happy about that. Because, like, at the time, it was, like, $54 for each part. And now I got, like, the entire thing for 13 bucks. Then we got Noragami... Season 2. Uh, I got this from Funimation because at the time we had that Funimation sale, uh, they they had no stock on Amazon and the cheapest ones were like $90. So I'm like, oh crap. I gotta find a reasonable price one before whatever. And Funimation had this and the next two things that I got. got Grimgar, which is... Uh, yes, music videos, the fantasy series. It's a bit thicker than... Than the other LEs, which I like. I don't know. It's got a nice aesthetic to it. And the other one I got from Funimation, which also went out of stock pretty, I don't know, close to the sale. But Butler Season 3. Oh, nice. So now I have all three of the limited editions of it. And yeah, Digipack, whatever. I'll live. Have you, have you watched it? Nope. At all? I think Not season all. three, that's the Book of Circus one, right? Everyone, yeah. Everyone had praise for that one because it was more true to the manga and stuff like that. It wasn't going off into the season two, whatever. 
Yeah, so I'll just say that season one is it's good enough that it'll that it it's a fun watch. Season three is actually like is it's interesting. Like it gets really interesting by season three. So mm-hmm. anyway, I'll just say that. Season two it goes off into the weeds, but there's still some fun to be had. It's just mm-hmm. anyway. Go ahead. Then we got Dimension W. I kind of like the look of it. The green and black pop. Yes. Seraph of the End called. And uh, yeah, Digipack as well. And then I have uh, one final item. I think you guys remember this. Uh, the Speed Race, the <laughs> Cancer Edition. That's all I it's really about- have to say about it. It's about as big as the uh, the special edition manga they released not too long. Well, I guess it was kind of long ago, actually. 2010? It's as big as my disappointment. No. But, uh, yeah, it was way bigger than I thought. <laughs> I thought, oh, you know, it has a box. I can put it in my shelf then. Oh, God, no. <laughs> so now I successfully have the limited edition DVD release that they had, like, ages ago, The Lionsgate. That won't fit into my shelf because it's a car shape. And now I have the head shape. I'm so you know, satisfied. Okay. So let me just say something as a collector. I made a video. Uh, the first tip I did on shopping online, I brought up the fact that it's that there is a... Uh, it can be beneficial to actually go out and shop for the stuff that you're looking for even if you can get them cheaper online. Um, and something I didn't really talk about in that video that is sort of an added bonus. Now, granted, I even brought this up in the video. This is sort of an outdated tip because you just can't get stuff in the stores anymore. Like, it's yeah. just, it's not, it's not doable anymore. But I'm just saying as a collector and when all this stuff was coming out originally, I went to Best Buy all the time and I actually visually saw it and I was like sort of about the sets by visually seeing them picking them up handling them so i didn't have the problem that you have with that special edition uh speed racer set because i saw it and said nope (laughs) not getting that you know back in the day uh because i knew that it wasn't going to fit in the bookcase like for like the bootleg series has added a lot of stuff to my collection that I otherwise wouldn't have bought uh, in terms of different versions of things and whatnot. Um, But before I started working on that, I was very particular about what version of something was going to get purchased and put into my collection because I wanted to make sure that above all else, release. Yeah, that it was, well, it was, uh, yeah, I was very uh, particular about it. Now, something else I want to mention is that we saw with FDDNM's pickups how many of those limited editions were damaged? Um, and I just want to say, going back to my tip on rare DVDs, that one of the reason things become rare is because they're manufactured in such a way where, the, quite frankly, they fall apart over time. Because uh, most most people well, aren't... the only damages terrible. are from second party. I mean, third party. Right. But what I'm saying is that that not everybody takes care of their products. You know, um, when I was growing up, I was, you know, let me put it this way. When I was in high school and I was already a collector at that time, um, a kid in my art class lent me, I think it was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. 
he he was talking about the movie, and I'm like, I've never seen it. And he he led you. No, you know, it might have been. It was either that or it was Boondock Saints. I don't know what it was, but he he's like, here, I'll lend it to you. He brings it to me the next day, and it's just on his finger, the disc, no case, <laughs> nothing. And he's like, here it is, and I'm like, you're kidding me, right? And I'm like, where's the case? And they're like, oh, I don't know, you know. And, and and I I brought that up to my I when I was c- getting picked up from school and I'm walking around with the DVD on my finger the whole day. <laughs> my mom's like uh, like what do you got there? It's like somebody lent me a movie and I'm like I don't know how there's no case to it. And my mom said something to the effect of you know not everybody your age actually takes care of the stuff that they own. You know and it was just kind of like I never really thought about it. You know but a lot of people. You know, for instance, this is uh, if you ever had a sibling who doesn't care about your stuff as much as you do, you like, for instance, this is me growing up. All right. Done with my homework. Going to go play some PlayStation. Go to the PlayStation. Open up the PlayStation lid. Oh, it's not the game I want to play. Go to the game I want to play. Open it up. That's not the game in the in the correct disc. You know, find out, you know, and like it's been like a half hour yeah. just reorganizing the stuff because my brother didn't wasn't as anal about it as I was. You know what I mean? Um, so that's Wait the kind of thing going on here. Go ahead. AC has a brother. I do have a brother. Confirmed. Yeah. Is he clean shaven? Does that make you the evil one? <laughs> my brother is not only clean shaven, but he has a shaved head because he lost all of his hair when he was in high school. <laughs> so um anyway, back to my explanation here. Dr. Evil. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is <laughs> Chat, please. It's not me. I know I'm a little bit long-winded, but this this all this crap is the reason the podcast gets so long. It's not me. Anyway, so because DVD cases, um, I mean, the the average, I mean, obviously this one's got a saw cut in it, but this kind of stuff mm-hmm. lasts a bit longer. But the stuff that FDDNM is showing, that stuff gets damaged pretty easily. It, in It's not just, you know, getting damaged uh, because somebody you bought it used and the per- previous person didn't take very good care of it. It also gets damaged from shipping and all that stuff because it's just they don't last. And in fact, some of the older Genion um, art boxes are much better quality in terms of the printing. And I can think of a couple more, like some of the Bandai ones, I think are the best. The uh, Whatever the material that they put onto it is a, just a much hardier paper that's being glued onto the box compared to the stuff that for instance, Funimation uses and the stuff that's being used today is garbage compared to the stuff they used back in the day. And I'm just saying that Bandai was probably the best back in the back at that time. I was about to say question. So suggesting that they just use uh, regular DVD cases for limited editions or something. No, what I'm saying is I'm just explaining that, that even if a lot of copies of something get made, the thing is that over time, you know, 10 years from now, especially something that comes out today, the reason that there's so many fewer of them, like there, there's a lot less of them left is because they get destroyed over time and they aren't, they aren't even worth selling anymore. People look at them and they're like, well, I sat on this and destroyed it, throw it away. You know what I mean? Or they sell it on eBay. It's just the disc for a penny. You know what I mean? So I'm just bringing that up is, is just keep in mind that, even if they even if they print like you know a hundred thousand copies of something, by the time you get there to collect it, 
They might only have half of that left in the world. And you also have to take into consideration how many people, especially if it's a popular show or, or especially if it's a cult classic, you have to consider how many people already own it and aren't willing to give it up because it's in their collection. You know, so these are all the things that need to be taken into consideration. Anyway, I'm not I'm not advocating for limited editions being put into regular standard DVD cases, although I will say that these are the best box sets back in the day because they were sturdy, they looked clean, they looked nice, and they especially looked nice next to each other. So these were my favorite back in the day. I tried to collect as many of the Bandai Anime Legends um, complete collection style sets as I could because I thought that they were they had longevity to them. Anyway. All right, that's enough for that. You guys ready to go on to the uh, article? Well, one correction I must make for uh, FDNM's pickup that starts with an N. That's pronounced Norigami. Norigami, yeah. What did yeah. I say? Norigami. Norigami or something? Yeah. Yeah, so Gami, Gami is Japanese for paper, I think, right? Noragami? As soon as I said, what, Noragami, I cut off. I'm going to just move on. So uh, Cutie Honey 30 says, Rosen Maiden art box is a good art box. I totally agree, and I am shocked that it is still held up to this day. Uh, that's the one that's felt uh, with, like, the gold trim on it. Um, so there's a couple other ones from Genion. I, I, I'm a little bit irritated that during the bubble, um, companies started to get they started to get real creative with their box sets, uh, and they started to do things that didn't seem like a great idea. Like, for instance... <sighs> Well, obviously the Peach Girl purse is kind of an annoying one, uh, but also the the School Rumble locker, yeah. Um, yeah, just all that crap. So, anyway, let's move on to the articles. By the way, uh, let me let me pull out of uh, full screen real quick so I can screen share. I just want to well, let me let me get the articles up real quick so I can do this without. Oh no, they're already up. Perfect. Um, application window so i just want to mention right now crunchyroll has uh you can pre-order at 50 percent off uh re-zero the limited edition but for some reason i can't create an account on crunchyroll uh when you go to the the login take seven minutes yeah so when you log in over here Right, this is your actual login if you have an account. It since I don't have an account, it's going to give me an error that says something like login information incorrect or something like that, right? But when I try to actually create an account, it gives me the same error message, and I can't get past it, so I can't create an account to buy the thing. And I think today's the last day that that thing's for sale. So, if does you Augie already, have an account? If Augie wants to buy it for me in exchange for me shipping him his things, that'd be cool. But uh, but I'm just saying, if you guys um, want this, I think this was the last day. I remember reading that this was going to be the last day of the uh, of the there, sale. Question for the audience: If you buy from Crunchyroll and it's a pre-order, do they charge your card at the moment or at the day of the pre-order? Probably the day they ship it out. Because otherwise they might they might run out of stock uh, anyway. So I'm going to move on to the articles. Kickstarter crowdfunding news. You guys can see, right? Uh, yeah, I have it on me. Okay. Um, so Anime Ego's website 
has a little counter here. And in one day, 16 hours, 11 minutes, and 57 seconds, the Gunsmith Cats uh, Kickstarter will be launching. Now, this is pretty amazing. Uh, you can go ahead and check out the, uh, the campaign preview. So this is going to be where it's going to go live and everything. Uh, I'm really thrilled at this, that they're actually doing Gunsmith Cats, because ADV held this title for a long time. Um, and I'm shocked that... Uh, the Animago was able to to get it. Um, so this is uh, obviously related to in the same universe of Writing Bean. So that's fantastic. This is it also a sequel? It's a it's, parallel I, story, but not a sequel. It's oh. I guess you you could call it a spinoff, but it's not a spinoff in the normal sense because a spinoff kind of implies that it's like a like it took characters from the show and gave them their own story which isn't entirely not Kinda true like, but sort of like beavis and butthead and daria if daria never met beavis and butthead well okay so here's the thing rally's character design is rally vincent here is in writing bean but it uses a unfinished character design sort of like how puni puni poemi um, that character is in Excel Saga, but it's the previous earlier design of that character, not the one that ended up in the Puni Puni Poemi show. Okay, so it's a little bit different. But the thing is that Riding Bean, Gunsmith Cats may have come out after, but it sort of eclipses Riding Bean in that it, it's a much more flushed out show and and manga rather like the actual source material is much more fleshed out and being bandit is in the manga like so it's it's let me put it this way there should be an overarching title that both fall under you know like that's that's kind of how it should be but there, there's no real easy way to say it other than that they're in the same universe um and they're both by uh kenichi sonoda who, by the way, is also the character designer for Bubblegum Crisis. Um, I had a I had a weird epiphany when I was watching Bubblegum Crisis that every waifu in my waifu harem is actually designed by Kenichi Sonoda. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. And yeah. Augie had me share this one, yeah? Oh, I was just going to say something like, oh, yeah, oh. I think that's great that they got it because now you can watch like both of them from uh, Animago's Kickstarters. And they also said that they're going to include the 5.1 track on this one. So that's nice. Yeah. yeah, So, and here's something else. Here's something else that's worth bringing up here. Um, So, the titles that they've done so far were Otaku no Video, Bubblegum Crisis, and Writing Bean. Now, it's worth noting that Robert J. Woodhead, the CEO of Animego, has a pretty good personal relationship with Kenichi Sonoda. Uh, So, that's actually probably largely why these particular titles are getting picked. I don't, I'm not sure about this one. I don't know exactly why they ended up going this route. It was kind of a, out of the, the license. Sort of thing probably held a license from before and finally did something. With yes. it. They also had yes. bubblegum crisis from before. Right. And writing beat. I know that, but I'm just saying that the reason, Oh, by the way, this is rally's uh, earlier character design right here. Uh, I'm just saying that the reason that they got, um, the reason that they got where they, where they went with, with the, uh, 
the stuff is that they have a good relationship. So when they went to doing the Kickstarter, they were able to offer up exclusive things like a new exclusive artwork from the creator or the artist of, well, yeah, technically creator and artist uh, in this case, not in this case, but they were actually able to add custom new artwork because they were in on good terms with the uh, creator. So anyway, that's all I want to say there. Now, Augie, you brought this one up to my attention. Um, do you have anything you actually want to say about this? It is very that? nice to dream. I like the guy's ambition and effort, and I do agree with him. There should We shouldn't have, like, Japan has one thing. We try to pick what we can over here. And s- instead, it should all be the same. But uh, I think I'm going to let you rant about this one because I think we're going to say okay. pretty much the same. Well, no, I'm going to say completely different things. I'll say that I don't think that that is how it should be um, because. I have no faith this would pass. Well, well, obviously not. (laughs) He's made no money. Seven days ago, you know, he could have a chance. No, no, no. Created seven days ago. Oh, created. Never mind. Yeah. So, um, so he created this campaign a week ago. Um, Go fund me. Do you keep any money that comes in or no. does it have to go? Oh, I mean, yes, you keep apparently like all of it, regardless if you meet your goal, which is why yeah. people do so, it. So what I'm, what I'm saying here is that this guy is more of a con cash artist, grab. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, this is a cash grab, uh, promising, you know, things. And it's like, he doesn't even see, he has, he seems like he has no idea what he's actually saying. And it just, it just seems like a, it just seems like and it, he threw out a huge number to try to get, any amount of it just it doesn't it's a it's a con okay so what i'm gonna say though is i don't think that it's a good idea for everything that gets released in japan to come over here because in that um only like 10 percent of all the anime that airs in japan actually comes over here um i think it's a lot uh, higher now a lot higher well Mm. it's it's I would you you have to understand that that anime is more than just the super popular stuff that gets on crunchyroll you know, they well, have a lot if you of look at any chart. You'll see that a lot of it gets licensed for Crunchyroll and stuff. Okay, Let me let me clarify my, my statement by saying that uh, that there's a lot of anime that airs in Japan that doesn't even go to DVD there because they're like kids shows and little little like one minute cartoons, you know, like just stuff like that. That's not necessarily what what you think of when you think of the term anime. Okay. Just like how for a long time there was a lot of Western cartoons that never came to DVD until maybe just recently. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but even even those are a little bit more, you could say, I guess, mainstream than what I'm describing. But I'm just saying that um there's a lot of titles that don't come over here and it would tank the industry if they tried to bring all those titles over here. So what I'm suggesting is that if there's a title, first of all, if you're a uh, a hardcore enough fan that that the industry is letting you down learn japanese it's not yeah. really that hard of a language okay especially reading uh hiragana katakana it's actually super easy you know it seems like a really daunting task at first but a little bit of practice goes a really long way and if you get that knowledge uh and able to and be able to read it and you actually you know reserve yourself to actually trying to read um, the Japanese uh, prints of these things because there's no English release. You can do it, okay? It's not it's not impossible, um, and it's really worth um, 
doing if if there is like i mean if it becomes like where you're literally just depressed every day because all the shows and things you want to read or see are not ever going to come over here to the states then just import them you know okay. so i know that part of what he here one uh, yes i totally agree this guy's a scam artist i've known people on facebook to say fund my college through gofundme and they the campaign ends and they go to a country country concert country music concert the reason why i the reason why i want the bridge gap to be gone away is the main number one reason for me is to archive and well maintain the animation that was made yes okay in that regard i will say that at least on japan's end i think it's important that every product that gets made yes, should archived. be archived in a high resolution likely Master. digital format yeah it needs to be maintained just for the sake of posterity um, long term, I totally agree with that sentiment. I, I'm not saying that that's add a wrong. sub bullet to that as well. And I hate to say this if you're going to archive something, it should be in a safer location since it's on Japan. Line. Yes, so um, wave can wipe out a huge population. I would argue put it in Hokkaido, but I'm well, not sure of the whole. I, I, uh, think that, uh, I think that you could. You just need servers that are like you, you could up, you could store it in. Well, okay. So, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, there should be a, a safer location. Stuff should be backed up in multiple areas. Totally agree. I totally agree. Um, it should be, it should, but you know, the, the problem with that mentality, though, unfortunately, is that we're at a point where that's going to. Let me put it this way. Films have not been out for that long, let's right. say. And already there are so flipping many of them that, I mean, limited strictly to anime, I can't hold all this stuff very easily. You know, right. I don't even have every anime that's come out. Not even close. You know, maybe half. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but, uh, but going forward, Every single year. It's kind of like how on YouTube, for example, it's something like a hundred days worth of footage is added every hour or something like that. I forget the actual number. Maybe it's 10 days or something like that. But every hour they add, you know, days upon days upon days worth of footage. Um, it's impossible to archive all that stuff, you know? Um, so going forward, it's like we sort of what's, what's unfortunate right now is that uh, here, here's what you could say. There's a bunch of stuff that came out pre-internet right. that desperately needs to be salvaged, cleaned up, and archived forever. That's where the attention should be. The stuff that's come out post-internet is already sort of archived in that way. You know what I mean? Yes. The whole reason that I began to stress this is I don't want another situation like with, sadly, this is an anime, but old universal picture films used to with the 1920s film reels they use a coating like kerosene to preserve the films mm -hmm. which i know that's a totally different topic but it's that well, here's, fear of that happening, here's another here's another example again. well first of all 
NASA recorded over the moon landing footage. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> Second of all, um, Violence Jack, for example, um, there is on Discotech's release, everything looks nice until one scene. And all of a sudden you're like, why am I looking at mosaic censorship? Yeah. And the reason why is because the uncut footage was lost. Why don't they just draw new that scene? Hold on. They have footage of that scene in the special features where it's not mosaic that they got from like the Chinese release or something, but the quality is like worse than a VHS rip. Okay. So, so to your point, I, I, I get where you're saying, you know, I, I, and I agree. And I, I definitely think that stuff that was originally animated and shot on film reel desperately needs to be archived. And if I, if I could, so let's put it this way. If we were going to do this, what we would want to do is form a nonprofit and have our sole purpose be to take in old classics uh, and transfer them to a, like a high resolution, you know, like 8K, because um, with film grain, you can do that. Just get them at a really high resolution so that they're pretty far into the future, future proof, and, and get all that stuff and archive it. Um, and all we, you know, it's nonprofit. So the only, the only income we're taking is what it takes to actually run the, uh, um, the processes and uh, obtain the supplies and all that stuff. That would be what you're describing, not what this, this kid is. Oh like no, no, this, this is scam. Yeah. Scamzilla. But at least it was a jumping off point to an interesting conversation. Are we, well, uh, we could uh, continue this, but I think we need to, well, what does yeah. FD things to say? Well, I, I don't even know what we're talking about for clarity. I don't know if you're talking about, do we want, is his plan to allegedly fund enough money so that we can license every single anime ever? Or is it to that's like good, unite both nations in unite our nations in some sort of like uh, entertainment video? Well, thing? Ironic, me, ironically so, good and bad. This was kind of going to an art guild, but there's pros and cons uh, to guilds. Well, let's, let's explain real quick. Um, so this is a good point because Augie, you and I are talking about this cause we both read it. Nobody else has read it. So maybe we should have explained, <laughs> maybe we should have explained real quick. Yeah, what, so uh, should we stop going into academia and talk about the, Muckies. The actual, the actual content. It's, it's only, it's very short. It says, hi, I'm Aiden and I'm an upstart entrepreneur. I'm trying to bridge the gap between East and West manga. I want to start an online store acquiring a lot of the Japanese titles that are sought after in some cult classics, the harder to find manga that everyone wants without paying the ridiculous shipping costs from having to ship from Japan. I will also have English manga for sale on the site. So there is a little for everyone. My plans are to obtain a foothold in this industry so I can slowly expand into a major brick and mortar store and be able to supply all over the United States. Once I gain that, that foothold, I will not only sell manga, but also anime figures, original licensing material, artwork, everything that is desperately wanted in your collection, I will deliver. If you just donate $1, together we can make a bridge that can last a lifetime. Thank you. So, so what that's he's saying what, is, I have a few anime I want to license personally. Give me money. Um, not even that. He, his, he's saying, I want to bulk order um, 
the Japanese releases of, of some cult classics, which by the way, are probably out of print. This guy doesn't really know what he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be obtainable in the way that he thinks. And uh, it's like, it's funny because he's saying, I want to do this. So it's cheaper for you. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You're going to order them and you're going to have to sell them for more than you bought them for. So, <laughs> so it's going to cost even more. I mean, some of them, yes, you'll be able to get a wholesale fee or a wholesale rate rather, but for a lot of the cult classics and stuff, it's just like they're not in print anymore. And you're not going to be able to get them for a price that'll be more competitive than if somebody else just went and got them, you know? So I anyway, find it that's, sucks that's, when stuff's even out of print in Japan. It's like, oh, there's no hope. Yeah. Anyway, so should we? Uh, can we move on, guys? So yes. Ready? Before that, though, uh, important uh, super chat from Mister Nice guy, who oh, has yeah. uh, an excited like arms up emoji. Thank you, hey, Mister. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Satan six 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 is here too. He's he's a. Uh... Woo! Big baller, lol. Sorry. Yeah, I'm reading. Hold on. Yeah, so Reese Reese is making a good a good point. He says 100k, meaning the 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 GoFundMe goal, won't even be enough for one series, right? For a license, uh, depends no. on, yeah, yeah, depends on the Generally. series. Um, for a, for the license, yeah. But uh, I think if I recall correctly, Crow Phantom Memory. I, I, there's it's an, nine there's eight, an, nine thousand eight hundred nine. Jesus, why can't it I say was, it? It was just under a million. Yeah. I think ADV spent a million dollars on that license. So, and that's a 26 episode show that isn't even a heavy hitter. Like if you're going to buy Dragon Ball Z or Naruto, you're going to be spending a lot of money, you know? So. Uh, it's funny because I read that article yesterday that you're talking oh, yeah. about. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm going to move on. Two Anime Expo upgrades to RFID badges for 2018. What does that mean? Okay, so before I jump into this, um, do I have any? I might, I might have it right here, actually. As you're away, I'm kind of surprised you didn't mention uh, Project Deco two through four about being digitally remastered because I think those masters were lost if I remember a podcast ago. They might have been. Um, hold on, let me... Okay. So this is the AX badge. This is the Premier Fan badge from uh, 2017. And I'm looking for an example of these RFID badges if I still have one. I think, I think this one... I'm pretty sure WonderCon used... Uh, the RFID badges. So these have, I don't remember. So basically I'm pretty sure at WonderCon they had uh, not metal detectors, but these little things you had to walk through when you go through and you just put your badge up against it and it beeps and then you go through, right? And that logs that you entered. And then when you leave, you have to put your badge up against it again and that logs when you left. So you have to make sure that you always go through that thing when you're coming to and fro uh, so that you don't have a problem where you can't get back in because it logged you um, entering, but not leaving. And then it's going to log you entering again. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to, they're trying to crack down on counterfeits. So the actual RFID badge is probably not going to look that much different from this. It probably is going to have a chip in it. Um, 
that's just going to be sort of in the plastic. So they might be, they might be, yeah, they're going to be probably 50% thicker uh, than they currently are. But I want to go over why this isn't a good idea. So sure. The, par partially the reason they're doing this is because they're, um, they're mailing them out. Uh, and if they mail them out ahead of time, it gives people the opportunity to counterfeit them. Okay. So that's why they're doing this. But, uh, and by the way, I think WonderCon, I know Comic-Con mails theirs out, and I think they had the RFID thing too. Um, but uh, here's the issue here. This is, well, this is where it's an issue for me. Let me just go ahead and screenshot this again. So here's a map of the LA Convention Center, and these are the general entrance and the priority entrances, right? So this is uh, Figueroa. Pico is on, I think... Oh, no. Here's here's Figueroa. So this is where the lineup is. Um, the the lineup for the uh, badge pickup goes um, around here. Uh, this is the exhibit hall, and underneath the exhibit hall is the parking garage. Now the reason that I have an issue with this, and I, I've I've talked about this on the channel before, is that I've gone to AX every single year that it's been at uh, the convention center. So the last 10 years it's been at, at the LA convention center. I went the year it was at Long Beach and I went a year before that. Um, I know the LA convention center super well and I know all the entrances, the entrances and exits and, and I'm able to get around very easily. And you know, now this is a disaster. I know this is a disaster for two reasons. Number one is because let me go ahead and share the map again. Um, Number one is because part of the reason they do this, and by the way, just to clarify, Anime Expo staff will literally bend over backwards to make sure that you're having a great time. They're fantastic. I've never had any trouble with Anime Expo staff, but the convention center staff can go eat a dick, okay? They're the worst <laughs> people. <laughs> They're the worst people uh, on the face of the earth, um, most of them. Not all of them. Some of them are actually pretty nice, but most of them are just terrible. And here's the thing. Last year, let me get let me just put this into perspective here. So here's the entrance, right? This is the entrance, the main entrance. Well, this is the main entrance that has the anime expo sign on it. This is the entrance to get in for the badge pickup. Um, so this one right here is where everybody is trying to get in. Uh, even people who had their badge, there was a line that went like wrapped around and came all the way past the staple center this line okay i was walking out of the convention center i walked past here and um a bunch of other anti-tubers saw me and like hey come here like let's talk for a second have you been in there yet and, you know they were waiting in line for hours to get in and the thing is there's a hundred different ways in here that shouldn't have been an issue and back then last year i just want all you literally all you got to do walk walk into the parking garage just walk in then walk through the parking garage and there's an entrance in, into the convention area. Okay. And you can bypass all the lines in it. And what's great about this is that if you know where you're going, you can cut down significantly on how crowded it is. Now what, what they're doing here, and I've, I've harped on this many times on the channel is that they're forcing everybody into choke points. And I absolutely hate this because the stinking convention staff, claims that they're doing this in order to uh you know make you safer 
You know, and, and as I've mentioned many times before, this is all security theater because what they're actually doing is forcing you into a choke point where if there were, let's say, a bomb or a shooting threat, they're going to get a lot more people because everybody's stuck in these choke points. So this is a terrible idea. I mean, if you're going to put general entrances, like if you're just going to put one of the, the little things so I can scan my badge coming in through the parking garage, then I'll probably be okay with it. Okay, I, I'm glad to see that this is considered an entrance because this two years ago had a there's a, a woman here standing there claiming that quote unquote you know the state the world's in I can't let you use this door and I'm just <laughs> like what what are you going to do are you carrying a gun no nothing is going to happen if somebody decides that they want to do harm here just because you're standing here that's total bullshit. Okay, so I'm very sick of the convention center staff pretending that they're protecting me and in actuality making it less safe because they funnel everybody down this hallway. Um, and this hallway is already super crowded. If somebody trips and falls, you get trampled. All right, it's not a good idea to do what they're doing. It's a lot safer. You know, this is one of the reasons why um, if you exit the convention center, you can go down the street, walk this way, and this entrance is really crowded. But guess what? If you go around here, there's other entrances in here that aren't crowded. So, there's so, so many Brad, ways to get in and out. So uh, what is in relation to the article? So the change with the badge, what makes it so awful? connecting okay. it to this let me let me be perfectly clear about this it's fine to add the rfid chip so that you can cut down on people who are sort of stealing their way into the convention center okay that's fine back in the day you didn't even need a badge to get into anime expo you only actually needed the badge to get into the exhibit hall personally i think that's how it should stay because if you and the exhibit hall is the main draw of the convention. They make the majority of their money at the convention center from the exhibitors paying to have a booth there. And the, the people having the booth there is why a lot of people go to the convention in the first place. So for instance, I wouldn't go to anime expo if the exhibit hall wasn't there. So anime expo would not have made any money off of me the past 13 years now going there. If it weren't for the exhibit hall. You know, so me and a lot of other people like me, the reason that we go is because of the exhibit hall. So I, I'm just suggesting that the 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 if you're going to put the RFID stuff, put it there, put it there. It's, it'd be a much better way to do it. Um, but I I will say, look, I, I get it. They don't want to overcrowd the place. It's already way over capacity. Um, they could probably get serious fines from how many people are in that convention center compared to how many people are, are legally allowed to be in there. But if you're going to do this, totally okay with it because it's going to cut down on people um, who are able to counterfeit the tags and everything. All you have to do is just be smart about where you put them. And please, for the love of God, open up the doors. Let people go freely so we don't get huddled into these checkpoints. That's all, all I'm right. saying. Just pay no, a little AC, bit more. When you put it like this, similar people like me. Are you saying you have a brother or you're clones? Augie, please. <laughs> I'm saying for people who go to a convention for the exhibit hall, people who go there to buy products, because for I know a lot of people who go to the convention center and they go to the cosplay meetups. They go to the gaming hall and they play D&D. &D. They go to all these. I know people who do that. 
But I, I know that for a lot of people, they would not go if there wasn't an exhibit hall. That yeah. is oh, yeah. a, a major draw for for probably at least 50% of the people who go to the convention. I was just so, trying to help us get back to the yeah. article because you were just almost going well, into recreating the video you made. Yeah, but this is the this is the the issue here is that um, and I and as I said, I'm happy to see that they added that other entrance as as marked out on the map. We'll see if it actually has uh, a uh, when when I'm actually there. We'll see if they have somebody guarding it or not because that's so obnoxious that they wouldn't let me through that other year. But um, but we'll just have to see uh, how that goes. So th that's my main point. I think it's I think it's great that they're doing this and and. All they have to do, and again, this isn't even Anime Expo's fault. It's the convention center staff. All they have to do is make sure that everybody's on the same page and put those um, little marker things, put put them right at the entrances in the parking garage. Because the thing about me is, as I said before, I go in, I buy a bunch of stuff, take it down to the car, stick it in the car, lock up the car, come right back in, buy a bunch of stuff, and repeat all day, every day for the four days that I'm there, right? Um, so... All they need to do is just be smart about where they put the uh, uh, the little RFID readers, and and all, if they can do them, like somebody with a little scanner gun can do it right at the entrance, then that's fine too. You know, uh, that would probably be easier. Uh, last year, they there was a lot of issue people had with the fact that they made people walk through metal detectors that weren't plugged in. But in actuality, I, I will say that that's not really a valid argument on their part. Because the metal detectors were only at one door, and they okay, didn't have you back into your your yeah. video. All right, I'm, but I didn't I didn't <laughs> clarify this last year. I didn't clarify this in that video um, regarding the metal detectors because what was different, um, what what wasn't really cognitively thought cognitively thought of about that is that the metal detectors were there. They probably should have just wheeled them away, um, but they weren't actually like stop. Okay, come through. Oh, hold on, you beeped. You know, they weren't doing any of that. Okay, so so they were. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily a valid uh, criticism, but anyway, no, moving on to the last talked about this and let yeah. this be the segue onto the other. You, you said that they walked through them, but they were unplugged. Yes. The metal detectors were unplugged, but they were at the entrance. So in order to get into like, they were right at the doorway. So you had to open the, the, the doors would stay open and they had people checking your bags. So you would put your stuff down and they would check your bags but you, you'd have to walk through the metal detector, which wasn't plugged in, okay? And and the thing is that the metal detector might as well have not been there. And, and, and the thing is that they weren't treating it as if it was plugged in and just trying to fake your way. Like the security theater argument there isn't really valid because they weren't actually trying to, um, to, to like, you know, they weren't treating you like the TSA at the airport re regarding that, you know? Um, so anyway, moving on. Uh, Augie, you had yeah. me share this. So go ahead and, uh, there you go. The classic shoujo manga Paratotoro. That's not how you pronounce it, but it's getting a live action film. This has been on. I don't know that much about the series aside from it's a comedy and the guy looks very similar to Porky from earthbound, but it came first before earthbound. Kind of looks so, like blonde Hitler. I'm not going to lie. That's what I was oh, thinking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with this being released, hopefully you'll either A, get a release over here through some niche releaser, or B, someone subtitles it and gets me into this series. 
because I've been curious about this for a long time. And he kind of looks like Chris Farley from the picture. Or Hitler. Yeah. Are they Hitler? All right. Be careful. Be careful with our uh, with our Hitler jokes because Count Dankula is going to jail over that Hitler pug video he made years ago. Wasn't he um, British though? No, he was Scottish, I believe. Oh. We're not anywhere near that level though. Anyway, well, we also we also don't live in uh, in the UK. <laughs> um, right. So anyway, uh, moving on. He's grabbing his crotch here. I'm just gonna put that out. Anyway, moving on. Um, so I'm. I saw this thing. Uh, Chinese That's Dynasty Warriors movie. movies aims to bring aims to brings <laughs> Muso action to life. Okay, so when I first Dynasty saw Warriors this, crazy whatever action into movie. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, when I first started watching this video, it opens with China 3D, right? And I and at first I'm like. I'm like, oh, this is a, a full CG movie. And I'm like, it looks pretty good. And I'm watching it. I'm like, I'm like, wow, this actually looks really good. And then I see the actress. I'm like, this isn't full CG. <laughs> it's a live. I read the article. I read the article, and it is it is live action. But the funny thing is that this particular scene that they show here, um, all these years later, premiering in 2019, uh, this still looks just as bad as it did in uh, the second Matrix movie. <laughs> Um, so there's a scene he he does basically the same thing with the uh, where when Neo is fighting all the Agent Smiths with the with the pole that he rips out of the ground and he like twirls it around and throws them uh, aside. It looks exactly like that, and the CGI looks just as bad. <laughs> so is it going to be like uh, Kung Fu Hustle? I'm not sure. I mean, it, it, okay. it, I'll I'll watch it. It looks it looks like it would be a fun watch. Um, so production IG confirms Mamoru Oshi working on new school fantasy live action film. And the reason I bring this up is because first of all, Mamoru Oshi is working on something. And second, if you're interested, you can send your resume <laughs> to extra underscore IG at yahoo.co.jp. Uh, and they will need your name, age, sex, cell phone number, email address, uh, your available day and your wanting role and the size of your cloth only for the female student roles. So anyway, <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny that, uh, that they're because they I guess they're going to need a lot of extras. So now it does um, not want your gender. Please keep that in mind. Let's gender. I'm, I'm going to pass over that. You're in you're in Canada. I don't I don't want to make you say anything that's going to get you arrested. Uh, Canadian cinemas to screen Sailor Moon musical. Cinemas. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they probably have like a recording, like you know how they record plays and yeah. they sell the performance at the end? They probably have a recording and they're gonna play it in the uh so we can't the, get all the fathom thing. events over here, but we can get this. Whatever. We can get that <laughs> and for some reason we can't get the live action Sailor Moon TV series, but you got a musical. <laughs> so there so there you go. Anyway, moving on to the next uh Tab suspended, my favorite article. I'm gonna just crank these open. By the way, I, I didn't I didn't check any of the articles that you had already put in there, Augie, so I might have some duplicates in here. Well, that's fine. By the way, I thought the title of the podcast was Eat Apis or something dumb like that. <laughs> that would be even better. <laughs> Has anybody in the comments asked about the title yet? <laughs> I don't think so. None that I can remember. Okay. Uh, somebody, somebody watching it... Uh, not live is, is going to be like, what the heck? Yeah. Um, anyway, 
Uh, all right, Boogie Pop and others uh, light novel gets a 2018 TV anime by Madhouse. So this one is called Boogie Pop's Not Real. Is that what it is? Boogie I can Pop? tell you guys are excited by the title of that one podcast that happened. Boring Pop Phantom. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, I enjoyed Boogie Pop Phantom. I'm, I'm yeah. very excited for this. Kind of strange that the creator died over. and they're continuing on, but. I hope they do that with High School of the Dead, despite it being, I don't know, not well-received by some. So do you have anything to say, Augie, about it in particular? No, I'm excited for it, and if you continue on... To the next article? Next or, article. Strike the Blood gets third original video anime season. Yeah, so we got... So for this, I picked up Strike the Blood earlier last year. So apparently there's more episodes I'm missing given the complete series that they've released. So maybe there's going to be more news of them releasing it soon. I'm, I'm not sure. All right. See what discotech slash country roll has to do for that. And then the returning cast article was also added. Do you have anything to say about it? No. Well, they maintain the same cast pretty much. Okay. High school DXD. Hero, yeah, yeah. Hero unveils April 10th premiere, designs new visuals, see so have something. Kind of strange that they swapped art designs. This looks very uh, dog days. Is that why it's titled that? Yeah, that's why I gave it that title. Yeah, it looks a lot softer and more, uh, how do I say it, targeted towards a younger demographic than it already is. Okay. I can see yeah. that. Yeah, I have. I've never watched High School DxD, so I have no idea. It's surprisingly good. Like the first season that I watched, from what I remember, that's well, very enjoyable. Well, All the heroines just, on just the front, the... I don't recognize though, except the blonde girl. The new characters, except for two of them. This character looks like the what is it called? Kimono friends or Kimono yeah. friends? Kimono. Kimono friends. Uh, anyway, Kimono um, friends. Anyways, so. Uh, just just so it's clear, if I ever say I haven't watched a show and you guys give me the aw, I was like, don't think that it's, I specifically avoided watching it. Um, I just have a lot to get through, <laughs> so I haven't I haven't gotten around to it yet. Like for instance, Bubblegum Crisis is a show that I have really I've been saving it. Like I've been I've felt like I was going to really enjoy it, so I've been saving it for a time when I would actually give it the time it deserved. Um, well see if that actually happened by the time we get there. So I also put this in here. High School DxD Hero Anime Story covers novels 9th and 10th volumes. Um, so I guess it's based on a light novel. Yep. Alright, so I'm going to just move on from there. Prison Life is Precarious in Baki TV Anime Teaser Trailer. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, actually, I didn't, I didn't watch the trailer, but I do want to say it's kind of funny that um, the artwork... Let me it's just the say, best it's ever been. Uh, no. <laughs> I was gonna say that uh, first poster. it's it's like the artwork from the original U.S. manga entertainment released, uh, or is it Central Anybody Park Media, perhaps? Studios. Yeah, the artwork from that release and the artwork from the one that Funimation released over here later. It's like they did the fusion dance. That's what the artwork here looks like. It still looks derpy as all heck from the, but it's. Still like proportion wise it's like i don't i'm not sure how to describe it there's scenes in okay so you know how um we talk a little bit about how how they rush out products in japan and then when the blu-ray release comes out they clean yeah they them up? fix it 
so are you expecting this to be another berserk um hold on stop these are i'm streaming the 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 screen share um anyway uh so what was i saying so the uh, the thing about it is that in baki there are a lot of scenes where the only way i can describe it is that it looks like back in the day when tom and jerry uh, would hit each other in the face with a frying pan and their face would just be flat. There's a lot of scenes where Baki's face looks like that in the Funimation, um, the one that Funimation released over here, I guess. I, I'm assuming it was Gonzo who animated it. Just going to help yes, crap it, it is, looks, but I'm not. It is Gonzo, right? Yeah, so so the Gonzo animated one, just so that it, we, I can stop referring to Funimation who really only localized it, just so it's clear. Um, so the Gonzo animation one, a lot of the times when you see Baki, he's got this really flat-looking face. Like the, the proportion and this the perspective on the drawings are just so bad and it, i'm just saying like the the anatomy seems to have improved greatly but the the something about face. it just still looks it, it still looks like he's been hit in the face with the frying pan <laughs> anyway his face uh, is the frying pan good uh me first i guess yeah, okay um i was just gonna say that I love how Baki has single-handedly become the most talked-about anime on the podcast, despite <laughs> us all kind of consensually agreeing that it's disturbing. I have not agreed to that. Oh, well, so you like the art? If, if you've ever watched it, I, hey, 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 hey. having terrible I artwork, either. having terrible artwork is not necessarily an indicator that the show isn't worth watching. And I also want to bring up the. I know I'm saying it's disturbing from. Visual, I don't know, style. And I'll repeat this again. Like I said before, it does art. It yes, it does matter because it'll appeal to more people. But at the same time, if you stay consistent with your art and story, it kind of doesn't matter if you look at Shin Chan. I know. I'm not saying the art matters. I'm just saying we're all kind of saying this is a spectacle of really disturbing artwork. Because One Piece, I don't think I liked the art when I first saw it, but it grew on me. Now let's move on to another anatomy of topics. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to read this message my wife sent me. She said, my son pretended to be one of the night sabers all day and made Lego models of them. Nice. (laughs) He watched the final final episode of it uh, with me. Um, Anyway, all right, so moving on from Lucky. Uh, Yoshitoshi Abe's uh, Despera anime project isn't dead. So this is oh, the yeah, one this. that's okay. So so Yoshitoshi Abe is the creator of um. Oh, wait 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 wait. Character well, designer from Serial. Character designer, the creator of Lane and also Boogie Pop. He's dead. Right. Yeah, so we got the I was, character I was about, I was about to say stuff. that. So so the project isn't dead is what they're they're getting at is that perhaps you would assume due to the death of the creator that the uh the project would also be dead but it's not is the is the point i'm assuming yeah the show must go on so yeah all right moving on so you had me read of an article to continue soul hunter Do do you want me to go back to it Oh, yeah, this is a very interesting read. I mean, granted, we are a few podcasts ago. We've highlighted 
a sort of teaser topic of this, but here we get more details as to what's going on with it. So if you mm -hmm. get a chance, please read it. I can't really give this article any justice, but it's... Well, I'll say right now that I'm not going to read it because I don't give a crap about uh, about Serial Experiments Lane or or any of the other things that are listed oh, here except for Bigo. <clears throat> well, I just don't have time. <laughs> uh, anyway, so you had me share this. Yes. And I know that it's just because it's Soul Hunter. Um, uh -oh. Is there anything specific you want to say about it? Uh, uh, do you have anything to say about the band here, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? I know nothing about American bands, but what I will say is I'll the first opening American for band. this. This, this isn't. This is not an American band. Yeah, I think okay. it's a Japanese opening band, whatever. Well, it shows you how much I know about me about music. <laughs> uh, the first opening for this series was pretty much the old opening, just remixed. Oh. So this. Oh, so now they're changing it up. Which I found it to be interesting, but there's not much I can really say. I guess that's kind of like Digimon Try, how it's a bit of a revamp of the original. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So I thought this was pretty interesting. Seventy-two-year-old comedian Tamori provides voices and sounds for Hayao Miyazaki's *Born of the Caterpillar*. <laughs> it is confirmed today that seventy-two-year-old Japanese comedian slash TV host Tamori provided all of the voices and sounds for Hayao Miyazaki's new short film, Kimushi no Boro slash Boro the Caterpillar, except the ending piano tune composed by Miyazaki's long-term collaborator, Joe Hisaishi. So that's going to be interesting. <laughs> um, so he like made it all with his mouth or is he a Foley artist with a bunch of crap in his <clears throat> Well, I, I like to think he's the Michael Winslow of Japan. Um, who's the the guy from Police Academy and Spaceballs who does the uh, oh. all the sounds? I, I like that's that's how I like to picture it. So hopefully we'll see how it goes. And really the piano fun. is also done that. with the guy's voice. The other guys. I can't remember that actor's name, but he couldn't remember Short Circuit. I I have never. I don't watch Short Circuit. I've never seen it. I don't oh, give man. a crap about. It's not a movie I care about. Uh. Kengan Ashura TV anime teaser promises martial arts mayhem. Um, so I, I'm bringing this up because uh, the this this pre the presence of this is quite. I feel like this is going to be something to behold. Um, now I will say that the actual it has the Titan in it. Well, I see geese in the corner there. <laughs> well, the uh, the actual um, trailer doesn't look all that good. I think this show is full CGI. Um, which is crazy because because like this is clearly hand drawn, this is clearly hand drawn. It, it kind of looks like Udon Crew style, but if I show you just like a, a portion of it, the way that the That's actual a manga two point five no, yeah, that'd be hilarious. Um, trying to not get a copyright strike. Where's a good clip to show? Anyway. You have to watch it yourself to actually get what I'm talking about, but um, I'm just I'm just bringing it up. I want to keep an eye on where it goes because uh, this looks this very much reminds me of like an Udon Crew style drawing. But at the same time, some of these characters, like for instance, this character, the Titan. Uh, well, like a couple of the characters really look like um, they're drawn by the same artist, and then there's a couple other ones in here. Like this guy stands out. 
like crazy. Obviously this guy too, this guy to a degree, this guy, they, they don't, it feels like a collage. This guy right here, it feels like a collage of a bunch of different artists. Well, that's why I originally thought here. when I saw the image of this article, I thought it was like some collab for a game or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly that what it SMK. looks like. Like this character um, looks like he could be in a street fighter uh, type game. You know, he kind of looks like Dan Hibiki a little bit. Um, and yeah, so there's just, uh, it, uh, that's, that's, that's all I'm going to move on. Uh, this one looks pretty cool too. What? Go okay, continue. Do you want me to check something out? Yeah. If you look at the guy from the corner, then the guy with the big hand, that kind of looks like Bellamy from one piece. This guy right here with the big hand. Yeah. I don't know. I don't watch one piece. Oh, um, not again, again, again with the I don't watch it. Oh, not that I, I just haven't gotten a chance to watch it anyway. Um, so this looks pretty cool. Um, it's quite crazy to see where things are going animation wise with telling some stories that I feel like maybe not the exact story, but it just it feels like we've seen this kind of stuff before. Um, this guy really needs to pull this out of here. He's going to stab himself by accident. Uh, but, uh, oh gosh, this one too. Um, it's, it's kind of crazy to see where, where the animation has gone. Um, and sort of the, the dynamic aspect of the camera movements and stuff in these new, um, it just looks, it's interesting to see modern technology handle an old story. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty surreal. Uh, it's kind of like when you watch like a, uh, Akira Kurosawa period piece, you know, sort of thing. And then you watch, um, a m much more modern movie. Like, well, let me put it this way. It's like watching any of the old black and white going into the color versions of, um, is it 47 running? Yeah. Uh, and then watching the Keanu Reeves one, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, uh, I'm, I'm very so interested to see old it. Manga that's being adapted. I don't know that there's necessarily an old manga. I'm talking about the old story. Like the setting is, oh. is done, but you know, a lot of, let me put it this way. A lot of times when you make a movie now that's set in an older time, you use, new. you use technology that creates that sort of aesthetic look like sometimes. Okay. So there's a video game for PlayStation two called um, shadow of destiny. It's one of the, one of my all time favorite video games, and it has a time. There's a time travel aspect to it, and every time you go to the past, like for instance, there's like a time in let's say the 20s, it has like a, a sepia tint to it, and then if you go even further than that, it's black and white, and anything that's from present day is in color. Back in back in the past, so you walk around. You're from present time. Your character's in color, but everything else is in black and white. Adds you know, game to cart. It's got an interesting, uh, it got a real interesting um, quality to it. So anyway, I'm just, I'm just bringing this up. I want to sort of um, keep an eye on where this goes in the future. I really dig the the art style in here is super detailed. It's it's kind That's of interesting, cover, uh, as, right? But this is the manga cover. Um, it's kind of interesting to see because this is this is super detailed, and then you see the character's face is pretty. Uh, <laughs> um, it's kind of funny when you see people who's who have this real incredible attention to detail um like all all this stuff is just insane how much detail there is in it and then you know they they simplify <laughs> what, what your eyes are supposed to track to you know what i mean uh, anyway oh, yeah, moving yeah. on i'm looking forward to it this one too uh Mamoru oshi uh directs an anime adaptation of chimera novel series so, so the artwork here, 
Yes, one of them is live action. One of them looks to be an anime coming out. Um, so this looks like it's going to be interesting, uh, to say the least. Kind of, kind of gives off a Devil May, uh, Devil May Cry, no, uh, Devil Man vibe to it. You know, oh, Devil yeah. May City. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Um, Osamu Tezuka's Dororo manga gets TV, uh, gets new TV anime by Studio Mappa. I'm actually uh, pretty so, excited for this too. Yeah, mm. and it, it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I think that it, I we joke that the that the podcast is magic, and that anytime we talk about something, something it comes up again. Um, but uh, in reality, I think what it is is that Disco Tech is probably just really into the trends they're they're like they're they're seeing into the future so to speak by being able to predict what's becoming popular and they're licensing the old show uh knowing that like they might have some insider knowledge that this kind of stuff is is in the works and so because uh and i bring this up because discotech released the original dororo on uh, dvd recently i'll agree with you for soul hunter but if you scroll down discotech got it because anime souls was about to mess up so they snagged it from them Okay, so it says Anime Souls held crowdfunding campaigns for two DVD sets for the 1969 television and anime series, but the service shut down. Um, so they never actually released. They had the crowdfunding, but they never actually released them because uh, we've talked about this in the past. Anime Souls only actually released Blackjack, uh, Creamy Mommy, and what was the other one? Dear Brother. Um, yes, and I think Dear, Dear Brother. Brother is the only is Dear Brother the only one that got the full release out. Dear Brother so Black and Cream Mommy got the full release okay, so, out. There's so Blackjack is... They said Blu-ray disc, but it's only on DVD. For Dororo. Yeah. You're right. For Dororo. Um, all right. Anyway. Sunrise animates a new City Hunter film for spring 2009. Now, you you had mentioned that Anaplex... Anaplex is going to be the producer. Yeah, it's producing yeah. a new anime film but it says sunrise is animating it yeah we talked about it talked yeah. about now it i just week. i just want to say this face this doesn't feel like rio to me it's well it's rio for the manga covers at least yeah i'm, I'm doing it looks foreign the way that i'm used probably to because it's modernized it. maybe I mean, you should look or, at perhaps and see if you see if that face looks better now Say what? You cut out. Maybe a you should ago. look up Moonbeam City and see if that Moonbeam face looks City. better now. Okay. Oh, I love that show. He he, okay. he saves the day by killing someone using CPR. <laughs> so Goku pushes the limits even further in the Dragon Ball Super film teaser. So I just want to say, if you guys haven't watched this, I'll play a small clip of it. The animation style has been simplified. It looks. I, I didn't. I'm really shocked. I thought that. I thought that this would be way too much of a of a change, from the uh, from the style, the iconic. It just. And I go straight here. The way that they shade the muscles in Dragon Ball Z is very sharp. Yeah. They yeah. give off. They give off a. More. I don't want to say polygonal, but they the muscles. Um, it, I actually think it's more authentic to to the actual shape that most of the muscles they do this on look like when you when it comes to actual anatomy drawing. Um, yeah. The style here is different, and I'm shocked at how well it works. Because it kind of reminds me of the Budokai games, with how simple it is. 
Well, I get what you're saying, like uh, the original style, how it draws the different contours and so so much detail. It's more angular. Yeah. Another thing that I like about about that trailer is it shows Goku with his rod again. Yeah, well, it doesn't show it in the trailer. It doesn't show it in the trailer, but it shows it yeah. in the promotional artwork. Um, yeah, so so we're, uh, you're, what you're getting at is that Goku is going to be um, using his uh, his staff again. Yep. Yeah, it's a real shame that as soon as he grew up, we no longer saw his rod. <laughs> um, okay, so let me uh, let me pull this up real quick. So we were talking about just a second ago, the angular way that they shade the muscles. And this is actually worth bringing up that um, we, we sort of talk about on the podcast uh, quite a bit, uh, how the animation style was real derpy in, in Dragon Ball Super. But again, it gets sort of fixed for the Blu-ray. Um, and I've heard people say like, people are always complaining about Dragon Ball Super. Have you watched Dragon Ball Z? And they show like uh, a particular screenshot where Vegeta looks crazy. It's like, yeah, the thing is, watch Dragon Ball Z to the end and then go back and watch the first episode again. Okay? The art style improves dramatically. Show. The artist who been in I guess that's on his end that he's cutting it right off. Yeah, he keeps bouncing. Might be because he was against net neutrality and it's backstabbing him, but really it's construction <laughs> going on in the neighborhood. Ooh. So I got a wooden box here. In background. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so here back to the point is that the artwork gets better. And something that's, that's funny is that back in the day, the sort of quality files uh, of uh, animation were able to tell that there were sort of three different key artists uh, on on Dragon Ball Z, and the way you could tell was based on how many layers of shading was drawn in. If it was completely flat, they would use that artist for uh, uh, for like the less important scenes or the less important episodes. If they had one layer of shading, then it was for a much more important scene. And then if they had two layers of shading, it was the best artist. All the characters looked really solid. Um, so I want to show you real quick. Two whole layers. <clears throat> no, I'll show you what I'm talking about. So. So here's an image of Goku from, I think this is from World's Strongest, uh, the movie. Um, and you can see this style of shading is a little bit close to the looking at in terms of the, the new Dragon Ball Super movie. Um, but the way they actually muscular in the same way. Now, the, the, here's what I'm talking about here with the two uh, or even three at times layers of shading. Yeah, that's just fantastic. Got the highlights, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? Is that is that yeah. for the much more? And you can see also this is what I'm talking about, where the lines are a lot sharper and straighter, and the the muscles are defined in a way that is more. Um, they're not as rounded compared to uh, what we're looking at. Dang it, what we're looking at over here is what I'm getting at. All right, so I'm interested to see it though because the animation is so fluid and interesting, and they're able to do so much more with it because they're simplifying the character design. Like for instance, if you take check out his pants right here, compared to how much detail is in it, and this is again, this is an early movie, or or even this might have been from this the freezes. This is there. from when he was about to get onto Planet Namek, more right, right wing lands. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so this is still early enough on in the, the series that the that the characters have don't have that much more solid look the way they do 
later in the series. See what I'm talking about? Where they get a lot more detailed and, and just much more solidified. Um, so anyway, next news. Gunsmith Cat's reboot anime short to premiere at Anime Central. So this is really interesting. I'm really happy to see this because Gunsmith Cats is one of my all-time favorite shows, which is very short. Uh, and so really, that good for the two episodes? It's it was, great. It's oh it's yeah, great. It's, it's great. Uh, it was three episodes. Oh, if you three. read the manga, your one of your big complaints for it is there's a character in episode two slash three that just shows up and she's not really expanded upon. So, uh, AC, there's an important lesson to well, be learned. Let me you... say this. A lesson to be learned. If you recall a few months back on an other episode, Mr. Woodhead um, went went and met to the met the creator of uh, Gunsmith Cat's Writing Bean and offered him a diecast car of the Chevy Malibu. This is how you get reboots. Offer the creator's presence to remind them of the show. <laughs> I think he froze again. Did I just disappear and come back? <laughs> yep. Well, then I'm going to just block out my... Did you hear anything that I just said, though? Yeah, they said that Kenichi Sonoda was offered a uh, a diecast of the... Uh, the Is it a Sh- Shelby GT? Should be a Chevy Malibu or a Chevy, Chevy Chevelle. I think it's called Chevelle Malibu. Is what it, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's the. It's. I think it's actually. Um, oh crap! I know. I know what this car is called. I know what it's called. Come on, come on, brain. Don't fail me. It is called a Shelby Cobra. There you go. It's a Shel- Shelby Cobra. Is what it is. Um. Anyway, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just open this real quick because I, I I'm gonna talk about this later on. <laughs> I, I got my uh, riding bean car from Bean. Do, do you back that here? Uh, well, I, I actually backed here that had uh, the check disc. So it just came with all this stuff. Yeah. Hey, see, I'm not I, I wanted to see. Opening that present, it's kind of like going into Tom meets the mayor mode on you. Tom goes to the mayor. I have no idea what you're talking about. So here's the uh, here's the car, and I'm not sure. It seemed as though the lighting on that was really bad. I don't think you could see all that detail. It seemed as though Robert J. Woodhead was sculpting it himself, uh, learning how to do 3D modeling. It was. I thought he I, got someone to help with it or something. Yeah, but it was really bizarre because it seemed like he was the way he made it sound. It sounded like he was doing it himself uh, in in some of the early updates. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm supposed to snip these off, but the uh, the wheels all have these. I think that they probably. But I. You don't have to repeat what you just said about the wheels. <laughs> And whatever you're saying right now. And whatever you're saying right now. That's kind of funny. He's like holding the... Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay, do it again. Let's move on. Okay, yeah. Second take. Moving on. If it comes back, I'll, uh, I'll see if I can talk about that when we get to the, the reason I'm actually bringing this up. Okay. I will say for this article that we were talking about, 
something I've been drafting is slowly getting more outdated the more time I'm not working on it. So I need to hurry up and get it done. Two of the titles have been, uh, well, I need to hurry up and finish it. But Boogie Pop Light Novel Gets series. Uh, so yeah, so the Boogie Pop Light Novel. So this is, it's getting a manga series, uh, whereas the thing we were talking about earlier was it getting turned into an anime. Yes. Um, uh, for the right of the light novels or whatever. So anything you want to say about this? or I'm just more curious to find out how it continues. Because the anime kind of ends at that certain point because the event ended. Did you share this with me? Yes, I did share have. this. So now here's another book. Book that is forcing the Japanese to read English. What? It's funny they say that because there's no English in... Oh, here we go. <laughs> yes, there is. Okay. Uh, well, only... let's hope that let's hope that they're doing a good job of actually uh, putting in the the English because I, I always I always think it's funny. Like for instance, in Bubblegum Crisis, Celia's last name is Stingray, but on her on the gravestone of her dad, it says Stingley. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah. So uh, at least in Japan, we... English is actually their second language, whereas in North Americaville, it isn't. I mean, Japan Jap Japanese. Is not our second language, and English well, isn't it's, my first, it's, apparently. It's not the most. Learned it. Um. Anyway, so do you have anything Does specific the feed you want to say about only this? Cut out when you have something to about? say. I'm assuming this is the Tower of Babel here. Yeah, Tower of Babel, which, um, which is no. actually really hilariously appropriate that they start switching up the language right after the shot with the tower of Babel. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, just on. to follow, just to follow up from the maid, the maid manga that has English as well. What's the maid manga? Uh, we talked about it two podcasts ago. One that's going to be released in Japanese and English at the same time, I believe. Simon anyway, the same. Hmm. Move on. Um, Soul Hunter. We really need to. We really need to decide to sit down and watch the show so that everybody else who keeps seeing all these articles pop up that you're sharing with me will actually uh, sort of have a frame of reference for the show, and they might might be excited about the stuff. We'll see. Sound good? Oh yeah. Anything you want to say about this? Hey, we're getting more to read, even though I'm not sure what storyline they're going to continue with with this one. Yeah, like, so just again, new series so they can start wherever they wanted. Created a petition about figure what the uh, storyline they were going to go with was or something. Anyway, uh, I shared this one. I thought I just thought the artwork for this was unique and interesting. Is that kind of like how uh, Knights of Sidonia authors' artwork is? I haven't actually read any of that, but it kind of reminds me of Trigon. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see where this goes. I'd like to see it get turned into an anime, and hopefully, one with. Oh, it enough... is him! It is him! Knights of Sidonia author. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'm going to assume that this will get a anime CG anime by Polygon right. Pictures. 
Which I'm okay with because Wait, didn't he amount... open a studio like collabing yeah. with Polygon yes. Pictures? Yeah, we, we yeah. talked about that in the last podcast. So I'm I'm okay with this being a Polygon Pictures release because the amount of detail in the backgrounds can be achieved very well by their style. Um, yeah. And I think that every new show they release, the character animation is getting better and better. So I'm I'm excited to see where they go. You know, and that's that's kind of the thing about CG anime, is that somebody has to bite. The- Anonymous with good anime, just as good as anything else. Moving on to games, Sega teases new Sonic Racing game, Sonic Mania Adventures animated shorts. Um, so, who the heck is this character? They're all custom, oh, I think, Ray because Squirrel that's Mighty what... Armadillo. Oh, I know. You should know. You also game. read the comics. No, I own the comics. I didn't read the comics. My Aww. brother, I have, I have them because my brother bought them. Aw, again. <laughs> And and they're like they're probably destroyed too because they're like Western comic style, you know, with the saddle stitch spine and everything. They're not, you know, Japanese comic style. So, anyway, do you have anything you want to say about this? I mean, I love Sonic the game. I, I really enjoyed the Sega Genesis. Um, hey, version. I just can't wait for it to be Juice Jelly and Jam time to get on this speedster. You know, something I'll say about about Sonic is that. There have been a lot of bad Sonic games, but going from the Sega Genesis to the Dreamcast slash GameCube with Sonic Adventure Battle is one of the best ports from going from a side-scrolling, fast-paced kind of... Like, they did a really good job translating oh, yeah. it into that other one. But then they fell apart after that, so I'm not, I'm not going to continue to to tell them they did a good job. There's always been bad Sonic games. You start with the Game Gear, then notice that the handhelds start to get good, then somehow the console versions start to get bad, then somehow there's a median now where it's either all good or all bad, but continuing on to Omega Labyrinth Z RPG banned in the Omega, UK. Why is that? Omega Labyrinth Z RPG banned in the UK. Okay, so once again, UK is all about thought police and all that stuff, so they have decided that because there are underage characters in this uh, that are quote-unquote sexualized or something to that effect, make sure that I'm okay. Promotion of the sexualization of children. Again, thought policing uh, that they're not going to allow this to be rated in, in the UK, which means it can't legally be sold in the UK. So you can probably still get it. You just can't get the, you won't be able to get a UK version of it, Yeah. Um, which PAL and NTSC is going to be a problem. So uh, yeah, no, just, most games nowadays are region free, despite what they say on the okay. back region is not the problem. It's the PAL and NTSC stuff that is the problem. Because, for instance, Japan is Region 2 DVD, so is the UK. But the UK is Region 2 PAL, and Japan is Region 2 NTSC. So, And then there's also CCAM, which is in France and Germany or whatever. So, uh, yeah. So I'm just saying that I don't know. I, I've, I know nothing about this game. I'm just... I'm just all every day about the UK's uh, thought crime brigade. Release news. All right. So I think Reese sent me this article. My anime list launches a digital manga store. So I will say I think this is the first time that my anime list has done something that is like uh, official, anime, anime. official. No, 
that Anime Planet didn't do before them. Because Anime Planet was the uh, the pioneer of the whole an online anime list thing. List. They they were the first one to to get a partnership with Crunchyroll. They were the first one to do all sorts of stuff with the you know like the um, ability to or whatever. All that uh, it looks like my anime list is beating them to a actual uh, store though, and it looks like Viz who. Has never done anything wrong ever, right? Uh, and uh, <laughs> oh, they're Kodan just lazy. Are, are um, partnering with them, so we'll see how that goes. Now, I will say that um, on one good thing. Now, personally, I still think that Anime Planet is significantly better than my anime list for a lot of reasons, um, but uh, my anime list is still, for whatever reason, more popular. I have a little thing to say about this after you're finished. All I want to know is, are they going to translate the manga into English, or is it all going to be a Romanji as a joke to everyone? No, no, it's English. So, can I say my thing on it? If I could finish real quick and just say that if Viz had to pick somebody to partner with, at least they picked the most popular one. That's all I'm going to say. Go ahead. Okay, so, I, all, I mean, I see what they're doing. Yeah, sure, it's nice, but it's... Almost like they gave us nothing because Viz already had its own digital, like you could buy their digital stuff on Kindle and on their store. This and Kodansha and, uh, you know Comics, they're they're distributing through Crunchyroll already. That's so. funny that I I read the title. online manga store no you're right actual digital manga store that's interesting so so basically what's happening is that viz and, and kodansha are um are creating a competition so to speak against crunchyroll by using my anime list to do that I mean, against crunchyroll kodansha is crun half of crunchyroll's catalog for manga. yeah kodansha well, is what... half of our catalog over here i i haven't I, I don't have an account on Crunchyroll, so I don't I don't actually use the service. I don't know. So anyway, now the the, the good that comes out of this, I say, is like now people when they're oh going God. through Mal, like marking off, oh, I've read this or I want to read this, it'll link you to, hey, you can buy this here on Mal because we, you know we got Viz and all that crap. So yeah, that's what else is good. Okay. So I think that's self-evident. Let's move on. So Augie had me share this. Uh, don't yeah. buy this, guys. This is not how much this is worth. And it's also not of stock. at all. <laughs> the most you should spend on that is $25. If you do well, not spend, if you spend over $25, you're not getting a deal. Do not spend yeah, that not. much. Go buy a car with that. It'll last longer. Okay. Anyway. Wait, 25 Right stuff to release Skip Beat. Oh, look, it's Skip Beat on Right Stuff. You can buy it now. This is a uh, according to the um, according to the Skip Beat Kickstarter. Uh, this version is not going to have reversible covers, so it's going to be different from the actual Kickstarter release. If you want that one and you didn't get it, uh, there is apparently a slacker backer thing, but they've yet to send out the dang. Uh, key to be able to log into the slacker backer in order to to buy it so and they don't actually have a lot left so i just want to bring that up moving on i'm just glad they're finally doing smart and doing a commercial release because it did very well for the kickstarter why not have a commercial release at that point they did with time of eve as well yeah all right i'm gonna buy this uh 
watch how orchestra performs in girls Unpin cinematic concert she releasing in japan a blu-ray of this concert experience of the uh philharmonic the japanese philharmonic orchestra um performing the music from it so that's pretty cool uh, moving on from there, this is we're into random merchandise. We couldn't guess. Battle over booze at Tokyo's Beyblade Bar this month again. Beyblade Bar, the yes, most, the most. Rip means so much. I more. just, I just imagine, uh, just imagine walking into a fancy bar like this, and everybody, everybody's sipping. You know, they're like they're swirling around the martini glass to keep it warm in their hand, and on their arm they've got the Yu-Gi-Oh like deck thing you know <laughs> and you just have these people in this fancy outfits in this fancy restaurant with fancy music uh that's just an instrumental version of beyblade songs and they're swirling you just have to watch Yu-Gi-Oh then because i'm pretty sure they have many scenes like that oh, yeah. <laughs> pegasus <laughs> anyway yeah, but basically. you get what i'm saying i just i think it's so funny that this this actual bar uh looks to be like a, a real sort of fancy place and and people are drinking and playing Beyblade in it. <laughs> I just, that, that cracks me up. <laughs> oh. It seems like, um, so we've got another, another uh, alcohol one here for tiger and bunny. It seems like what's happening is that in Japan, people who were the age uh, for the the target age for all these shows, they've just they're reaching the nice, age yeah. where they can start where they can start drinking in Japan, and so they're like, hey, let's uh, let's keep all these kids in their Arrested Development and give them alcohol that they can now drink for the show that they loved when they were seven. You know, <laughs> anyway. Uh, that crack. seems a bit like the Lupin the Third bra kind of thing. Except maybe uh, well, the label has I, the character on it. I, I think it's a little bit different with a property like Lupin, although I, I will revert. Now start back when you pronounce an R. <laughs> did, did my audio cut out? Yeah. yeah, start back when you started to pronounce an R. I have no idea what R I was pronouncing, but I'll just say that um, I'm reverting back to my original opinion on that, that when it came to a particular product, they just licensed out the, the Fujiko character. That had nothing to do with Lupin. It's just that Fujiko is a popular character, so they licensed out the ability to create Fujiko mannequins to, to house the brawl. That's all. That's the only thing about that. Anyway, now, um, Elias and Chise get perfectly paired honeymoon sake wine, or sake set. Um, I've read this was wine before. I don't know. It's weird. It looks kind of like was it wine and sake? Is that what it was? I, it's all alcohol. You I read it somewhere. It. I could have sworn. Yeah, Chise isn't yet of legal drinking age in Japan, but she's old enough to enjoy a beer in London if she wants. Okay, well that's interesting. Anyway, um, is she old enough to uh, have a honeymoon? Because <laughs> because that's what this is called, the honeymoon set. Uh, anyway, yeah. So that's that's the thing. Moving on. Uh, live your life as a shonen jump hero. So there's like a oh, shonen jump cool. board game, and you can play as Goku. Who's this character? Uh, the policeman that ran for a very long time. and volumes. Impronounceable. Okay. Uh, um, what about this one? It looks like they're nice of them to not put the. Oh, that maybe they're backwards. Is that third so, one seven deadly? Yeah, that's Ryosu. Ryosu is the blue one. Ryotsu Emma. Tanjiro. Okay, see, quick quiz for you. Which color is Luffy in this array? 
red. Good job. Good wow. job. You expect but me not to know what Luffy looks like? You never watched actually Monty's, in so. the Funimation <laughs> trailer. I mean, I don't know what the character looks like. In, in Funimation's trailer, the one time it's like follow Monkey D. Luffy or something yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, uh, pretty much. This is just Shonen a Shonen Jump version of the game of the board game Life. Yeah. Anyway, so. moving on. So uh, I will say that uh, I was quite disappointed with how they pronounced a lot of the names in the dub for Bubblegum Crisis. Toradora celebrates 10th anniversary with new wall tapestries. Um, it's already been that long, geez. Yikes. Well, you know, that's kind of crazy because I bought Toradora. I mean, it, obviously it's been less time since I've been married, uh, but I bought Toradora at Anime Expo and took it with me on my honeymoon um, the year I got married because I got married on July 4th. This has um, to be the monk anniversary cause. It hasn't been out for 10 years anime-wise. Yeah, especially over here. But um, but yeah, I'm just saying it's getting there. No, no, since the anime adaptation of Torador. But this is for the English, or not? Pardon, this is for the Japanese, not the English. Is what I'm saying. How old is this character that they're that I'm? She's like 16 or something. Banned oh, in the UK. Oh my god. <laughs> Own Saber's Excalibur as Fate Stain Knight. Heaven's feel anime. Fate stay knife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do I have something to say about this one? Go for They'll it. sell anything in Japan? <laughs> no, no. It's even simpler than that, AC. For once, for the Fates slash Day Night or whatever series you want to talk about, mm -hmm. promoting an item that's not a goddamn saber figure. <laughs> I'm starting to think that, that that's how they insulate their buildings now, is they just go out and buy saber sabers in bulk. Yeah, and apparently you eat cat food with it. Yeah, that's delicious. Sour. Moving on. Soup. Get organized with the latest Attack on Titan line from Super Groupies. So I just want to say, first of all, this is the worst photo shoot I think I've ever seen. Okay, well, here's the funny thing. Shaggy. Hold on. All of these outfits, maybe this one's passable. And this one's a little bit better than this one. But just, this look ridiculous. But here's the funny thing. The clothes they're wearing are not the Attack on Titan line. <laughs> Which ones are they, then? The, the phone case here. The purse, the flip-flop sandals. <laughs> oh, I guess that's the... just what they wore to the shoot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so these people. <laughs> One looks like I'm a not... pirate almost. You know, uh, I just, someday I hope to live in a world where, because you know that, you know that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, um, uh, the, the creator of that, uses fashion magazines from like the 70s. Oh, yeah, and he, he redraws the characters in those poses and stuff. And um, I want to, I, I think it's time for, at least for Japan, to revert back to the JoJo style of. Uh, of... I really like this. I, I scroll block back cutting up. and stuff. Okay, so what is this AC? You cut it out. 
Okay. Uki, it's Ukiyo-e block print cuts. Okay. I know what that is in it's Japanese. Kind of like, I just never saw it. It's, roll in the uh, the you uh, you place the paper over it from the cut, and then you place it onto the next color, which is another cut of a different shape, uh, and it's a very laborious process and very difficult to to do this detailed and beautifully i mean this is a lot of work um so i i'm i i would be less interested in actually owning the uh the print which they're only making like a, i don't know a thousand of they're run of a hundred costing fifty thousand yen plus tax uh i would be less interested in owning that and more interested in owning the line art block cut that's that is so cool looking Oh, yeah. uh, it's backwards, of course, obviously, um, from from the because the transfer flips it right. But just the amount of work and detail to get in there and do uh, kanji, doing it backwards. I mean, this is just incredible to look at. So I'm I'm pretty thrilled at the artistry behind this. By the way, something I was going to say about uh, gunsmith cats. Um, I'll save it. I'll save it for. We're almost done with the article. We'll save it for the end. Um, Tokyo Bay summons Hokusai and his daughter. Oh, it's an afterthought and daughter for fate slash uh, grand order event art event. All right. So I guess Hokusai is a character in fate grand order. I haven't watched uh, past the original 2006 fate say night. Um, or is his daughter is a character. And Hokusai is like a octopus that uh, that thing along with I haven't watched it, but I read they so Hokusai is artist than than I guess he is, but he's the the all the Ukiyo block prints of the background with those. Oh joy! I don't know. Seems weird, but uh, cool. Hey, look more, more alcohol. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I think block block printing, especially a Hokusai, who's probably the most known ukiyo-e block print. I think that it under underappreciated the amount of work and detail that goes into that kind of thing. So I just want to bring it up. And the reason I grabbed the uh, the car there is. I saw this article about the guy who took these model cars and painted them in the style of initial D initial D manga. And this is actually a, this is a photograph of the painted car on a, on a piece of paper here. Really Twitter. There we go. Um, so this is actually a photograph of the cars sitting on. Can I get to the one I want to show there? Like so you mean he painted the cars themselves so that it looks kind of cell shady? Yeah. And uh, the reason I brought that up is because I was curious. I, I, I am terrible at painting. I'm not nearly as good as this guy is. But uh, I've been thinking about painting the riding bean car in this style. And I was wondering if I if anybody would actually be interested in 
me doing a video on this um, or not. Like, do you think it would be worth it? Um, but if if I'm gonna wait until the Um, but I, I'm curious if anybody's actually interested in us in seeing that. Uh, and I probably, <laughs> I it, but you, should, gonna, you should do it like a it, vlog, this uh, is one of those something type video. It, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing to record. First of all, um, I'd have to like have the camera in front of me while painting. It, it, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm just saying if, I, I, I'm, I've been, it's in my head. I've been thinking about doing this. Anyway. Well, that's what I mean. Like a vlog, more casual, like in construction. Yeah. Type video. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Anyway, so uh, fans live their tokusatsu dreams at Common Rider World. So that's kind of interesting. There's like a um, you know like a Disneyland Universal Studio thing specifically devoted to Common Rider. And I always find this kind of funny. Japan is so low on space, but they have like theme parks and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? I always yeah, thought that was kind of I funny. Agree. It's always low on space. That's why they keep going to the same rock quarry to record the explosions <laughs> for the for the Power Rangers uh, Sentai shows. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's good. Um, anyway, so that is it for our articles. Uh, if you guys want any, if you want to go back and look through them, they're in the description. And now I can go through the chat, which has probably been neglected way too much. It's been neglected, but there's not much that much. Yeah. So, if there's anything you want us to uh, to go ahead and um, I do need make to make sure we read. Go ahead and I do need to it. make a correction for uh, Boogie Pop Phantom with uh, the Abe guy. The Abe guy was the director of it, not the creator. So he died, but the creator's still out making more light novels. Oh, so I'm wrong there. I guess that's a um, so better a couple- scenario. So first, first uh, I want to get back to what I was going to say about Gunsmith Cats because I, I brought that up and forgot and then brought it up and then forgot. Um, so you had asked me about, it's only three episodes. Is it really that good? Um, I've sort of discussed on the podcast before how there are a lot of things that I enjoy from sort of a creator perspective versus an audience perspective. And one of the things about, about Gunsmith Cats that I really enjoy um, is that, and this is something that is, Guarantee you this will. You guarantee us this will. Guarantee. Guarantee us this will. I'll say this much. Uh, Along with Mad Bull 34, Gunsmith Cats is another series that kind of captures the 90s uh, Chicago, Illinois area. Is he back? Earth to Brad. Yeah. Augie cut out the same way I was probably cutting out. Can well, I think he only so cut off on your end. Okay. So I guarantee that this is not going to translate into the reboot. Can you hear me now? Yes, I, I hear. Clearly. Yes? No? I hear you. Okay. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> so the thing is that they hand draw like sort of something we're going to talk about bubblegum crisis is how they actually draw frame by frame camera moves, right? Something they do in gunsmith cats really, really well uh, is they hand draw a very detailed car in the same way they did with riding bean, um, the Shelby um, Cobra, right? So these are 
aspects of it that I really enjoy. Like I really enjoy watching that. Panics the guns in in the show are. That's something that Kenichi Sonoda is incredibly detail oriented towards, and it's great to see it done correctly. Um, as somebody who has sort of an uh, experienced knowledge with the inner workings of firearm mechanics and whatnot, so I, I really I really enjoy the attention to detail and and it being uh, um, it being. Uh, accurately portrayed now i have and a I don't, question I don't, I don't think the car stuff will translate into the new one because i don't think they're going to do it by hand Go ahead. what is your question i was gonna say everyone always says stuff like uh oh this is hand drawn but i every time i hear that i think hand drawn as opposed to just drawn digitally which can give you essentially okay. the same thing considering nowadays they just digitally go over hand drawn things anyway or whatever let me I understand the camera movements thing because back then they didn't, they might have not had right. things like panning and stuff that you could just digitally do. But the hand drawn like detail for the guns thing, I'm thinking you can just achieve that with a tablet as well or something. Hand drawn means drawn by hand, whether it's on the cell or it's in the computer, it's hand drawn. This delineates the difference between actually drawing frame by frame everything versus cell shading a 3D model. So I'm saying that going forward in the reboot, they're not going to hand draw that car. They're going to cell shade it with a 3D model. I can pretty much guarantee it. Okay. And that's what I'm saying. So it's going to look different. Um, and I, I just don't think it's going to capture. I think Sonata's style um, is it's got an aesthetic that I don't think will be replicated. Even if you, even if the characters are all on model, I just don't think the modern techniques are going to translate well, but who knows? Goku looks great in the new Dragon Ball super teaser. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, yeah. Some, a lot of the modern anime like to integrate some CG though. There's a lot of, not necessarily very recent shows that like still, you know, they animate the cars in 2d and stuff. But yeah, I'm just yeah, uh, but I, I just I don't think that be, here's the difference. The cars, the specific cars that Sonoda draws in Gunsmith Cats and Riding Bean are some of the most detailed cars that exist in the world. There's in in the attention to detail on all the vents on the sides and the front and the grill, all that stuff is actually drawn. Whereas Cars that are, um, like, for instance, the AE86 in, in Initial D is a very boxy car, okay? Um, I had an animation teacher in school who told me that when he was um, working on a project, he had to draw, he had to animate a car one time, and he took a toy car, and he painted with whiteout the contour lines so that he could actually look at it and turn it in space and get accurate representations of the lines now that is uh, a good way to handle the the challenge um this was a, a western animator though and the thing he was drawing was probably um not for something as detailed as you know uh it was probably about as detailed as the ae86 would be let's say from initial d um but uh i'm i'm okay with people using 3d models as a reference to block out the shots in a previs form um, in fact, 
I've got something I want to show you guys. Um, I just saw this on Reddit today from Millennium Actress, and I saved it so I could bring it up on the podcast. As you By the way, something else I didn't bring up because I didn't think it was important enough. Um, Ponyo is coming to theaters again. Yeah. I don't, I don't really uh, care about tell Ponyo. One detail I want to bring up about Gunsmith Cats, because I I didn't know I was fading out out voice-wise, is uh, this is one of the shows, just like with Mad Bull 34, that they captured the Chicago... Oh, you said that. 80s. I think it was just on Brad, Brad's ends that it didn't go through. Okay, but okay. I didn't get to hear it, so he's, he's letting me oh, know. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, go ahead. So they, cap, they went, researched, drew different locations. They were there. And right. were able to animate it to that specific detail. Right. Um, another thing uh, similar to that is um, uh, recreation of Akihabara and Akiba's trip. Well, that, but it's not that hard to just go to another location in Japan. In in um, Little Snow Fairy Sugar, they went to this German village and they studied. Yeah, they actually study all stuff. And, and to, to your point about Mad Bull, they actually thank the 34th Precinct um, in in there uh, for all their help in, in capturing uh, sort of that likeness. So, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think they did a, a great job there. Um, but for me personally, uh, because I, I, I've i probably been to Chicago before, but um, I just like architecturally and cityscape wise, I didn't really sort of capture it the way that, you know, sort of the car designs and the, um, the handguns and the mechanics behind it and the accurate portrayal of things like running out of bullets and having the slide staying back on a semi-auto weapon, all that kind of stuff is just, I I like seeing it portrayed well, you know? So, um, the thing I want to show you guys real quick is, uh, let me go ahead and pull this out of full screen so I can, so there's a scene from, uh, millennium actress, uh, and, and just in case this isn't clear, back back in the day when they would hand draw, maybe, you know, I've got another one actually I can show you that will actually make this really clear about multi-planing, um, the way Disney used to do it. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Let me just search uh, Disney because I know I know it's, it's been making the rounds. Uh, multi-plane. Multi-plane camera. Let me show you guys. So this is how things were were done in the past. So they they would stamp down the, uh, you know, these are the cells for all the different animation frames, right? And they would stamp these down on top of... uh, with this thing on top to hold them down and they would take a photo of it. And this is the multi, this is the, how they're moving the, the camera pan. So they're moving it. Mickey stays in place, but the background is moving, right? So that's, that's that aspect. There's another one. I wonder if it's going to be in the same video. Yeah, it's this one. So this one is multi um, planing where this, right now this is a, uh, they're just zooming in, right? This is a truck mm-hmm. in, um, but here's a way where they've got it. They're splitting it into a multi-plane. And by moving things closer to the camera, it gives the impression that the camera is is zooming in on that middle ground one. I don't know if you guys can see my mouse, but right here. 
Mm -hmm. so, it's, so this is what you're focusing on. And since the moon is so far away, that's going to almost not get bigger at all. Right. So this is, this is how the, uh, the camera, this is how it ends up looking. Right. And I want to show you guys this, this is somebody. Um, so that is the technique used to animate this shot from millennium actress. Right. And I just want to show you the amount of detail in the camera movements in order to get this shot. Like it's actually, you, it doesn't, you can see that the box that they're showing you gets smaller and bigger. Um, that is the zoom in and zoom out. But the, in order to show it overall in this uh, frozen state, so to speak, where they track the camera, you have to see it in this way. But um, this is, this is a very creative way of handling it. And this is actually what I was thinking of earlier when I was talking about that samurai um, Mongol manga being turned into a, anime is that it's interesting to see the new camera technique abilities that are digitally assisted being used in stuff like this, the samurai era kind of stuff put into that newer technology use of, of being able to rotate cameras around in ways that you actually couldn't get. Like for instance, if I give you a quick example, um, there's a movie, you've probably seen it uh, on like a, just the gif of it, where they, they there's a shot where somebody is riding a motorcycle with the camera mounted on it, and they pass it, the, the camera is looking at a car, and as they get close to the car, the camera literally goes in the window of the car and out the other side, and in the car, there's a guy laying down. The, the camera comes up, he grabs the camera and passes it off to the next guy, and that's how they get this shot, you know? And wow. it's like, that's an insane tactic in order to get a live action shot and what i'm getting at here is that modern technology has allowed much more complicated camera work so when i was talking about filming things and doing it sort of a period piece there are just certain like for instance bullet time in the matrix you in a sci-fi movie like the matrix that comes out in 2001 sure totally works but you don't go and use that for some caveman movie you know what i mean like um apocalypto like mel gibson's movie apocalypto imagine imagine in the middle of that there's a spear thrown and then all of a sudden it does the matrix move and there's bullet like it just it doesn't fit right so there's there's certain camera techniques that are iconic to the period and when you film things in that period subconsciously you sort of place people there by using similar techniques and similar cameras uh like for instance black dynamite uh, is in the style of a 70s black exploitation film, and they use 70s cameras uh, in order to really give it that look, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm just saying it's, it's interesting to see them do it a different way. So what? What's the actor's name in Black Dynamite? Michael Jai White. Okay, you do know him and Go Nagai was in the same movie once, right? Michael Jai White is also Spawn in the movie Spawn. Okay. What movie was he in with Gona Guy? I believe it was uh, Toxic Avenger Part 3. He is also in... He was cut. He's in the trailer, but he was in... Uh, he was cut from Kill Bill Volume 2. Yeah. He's a good guy. I, I really like Michael Jai White. I think he should be in more movies. Uh, he's kind of like uh, Luke Luke Goss. Um, I don't know. He, you know, there's a bunch of characters... There's a bunch of actors. Like, for instance, there's that guy who plays the... Uh, I think he's the fish guy in Guillermo del Toro's um, Shape of Water, but I know he, one of the the guy the guy I'm thinking of is he's the sort of fish looking guy in Hellboy Two. 
Uh, and he he just plays all these characters that have a lot of prosthetics. He's kind of like Andy Serkis, in fact. In fact, something else I saw that I'll just give you a brief view of. Uh, this this is Andy Serkis. He's the guy who did the mocap stuff for Gollum. This is him rendered in Unreal Engine. Unreal Engine. Yeah, this isn't a this is not a a photograph of him, and you can kind of tell. Uh, they're they're missing things like the life in the eyes isn't really coming across. Uh, and but if you if you were to actually hear his performance, it would be a little bit more immersive. But you guys can't hear it. But anyway, I just it's interesting to see the direction CGI is going, and it's, it's also funny to see this. This is Unreal Engine. This is rendering in real time. This is a video game engine, and yet Battle Angel Alita looks like crap. <laughs> so we'll see. There's no excuse. Let me put it that way. There's no excuse on their part um, for things to look so bad. Uh, so we ready to uh, to move on? Do we have anything else we wanted to? I think I had something I wanted to say, but then I forgot. Oh yeah, I got. I remember Angel Beats. So the guitar scene where what's her face plays the guitar and stuff. I saw a, a thing of how it was made on YouTube, and essentially what they did is they recorded some real girls playing a real concert or whatever, and mm -hmm. so then they took some CG models and they, I guess you could say they moved the the positions to match the match. so they, yeah. they they 3d rotoscoped yeah and then they and then they uh frame by frame like traced those models but the thing is for having a perfect reference like that i feel like you should have much better animation you should have like essentially perfect animation but i don't remember awkward. the scene you're referring to from angel beats it's one that one girl played who I don't know. She was into music. She played that guitar concert thingamabob, and then she whatever. It doesn't ring a bell. I I didn't think Angel B. I think it's a very overrated show, personally. I agree. Yeah, but I'm just saying that I was really pissed at how not fantastic that scene looked for what they had as a reference. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I really had to say. There are some. I'm I'm not gonna be able to think of anything off the top of my head, but there are some anime where you can tell that they rotoscoped the movement, and it actually does look phenomenal for the yeah. Like uh, what is it? Mm, those Monogatari films that came out. I forget the names. There's some in uh, in Naruto too. Some fight scenes that were taken from Jackie Chan movies and whatnot. But um, I'm and gonna Cowboy go ahead Shiba. and uh, yeah, what well, are you up to? Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and um, read up on some of the some of the comments that. that uh, popped out at me. Uh, that mecha guy says he wasn't affected by last year's line con referring back to anime expo stuff. That's great. I don't, I'm, I was really surprised to see that people I knew who I thought would have known better were stuck in that line. Um, I know what happened with Dakota Broski is that he got to his, his hotel or whatever, and then waited in line forever only to find out he didn't have his ID on him and couldn't get his, Oh my uh, God. His, no, his, his badge uh, on day zero and then had, he didn't even get in until the, like the convention was effectively over on day one. Um, <laughs> uh, just focusing on some of the things here. So <laughs> funk gun says parenting done right. I'm assuming that was the reference to me saying my son watched the, uh, uh, the, uh, Last episode of Bubblegum Crisis. That mecha guy says, sucks I missed the Bubblegum Crisis Kickstarter Blu-ray release. It is for sale on eBay right now with all the other series that go along with it, AD Police and all that stuff. It's like 400 bucks, I think, just under that. But it's there, um, just so you yeah, know. In reference to the 
when the person posted you're a great parent that was making the bubblegum crisis characters out of legos no I'm, I'm pretty sure that that was a reference to to me letting him watch that episode <laughs> but because i didn't he, he does that on his own <laughs> he makes the characters on his own with the legos um and then Reese says Johnny number five is offended. Yes, I know that's a reference to Short Circuit. It's just not a movie that I grew up watching. Uh, Cutie Honey thirty says Doctor Evil. LOL. Um, Funk Gun wants to know if uh, if that guy did the the plane sounds for Miyazaki's um, movie about the the zero creator. What's the movie that The Wind Rises? Um, anyway. They're talking about awkward box sets, which reminds me, we haven't done this segment in a while because a certain someone mentioned the UK Pokemon Season 1 Blu-ray and didn't have it, but AC, what's the box set of the month you want to highlight? Don't ask me. Uh, hold on. I'm going to get through some more of these. Entered. Oh, by the way, something else I want to I want to bring up because uh, I'm reading Funk Gun's comments about uh, writing being and stuff. Uh, there's a scene in uh, the movie Wanted with um, James McAvoy that they they stole. I I guarantee you the idea for the scene came from Gunsmith Cats, and that's the scene where Angelina Jolie swerves the car, and he like goes like this and like jumps in and gets in the car with the, when the doors open. Uh, that scene in Gunsmith Cats, there's in the manga, there's a scene where they're about to hit a little girl. So they, she opens up the door, grabs the girl, passes her off to Minnie Mae, and then Minnie Mae puts her back on the spot, the same spot on the ground where they almost like obliterated her. They just grab her and move her through the car, similar to what I was talking about with the guy, the camera guy moving the camera um, out cool. the other window. Yeah. So I guarantee you, they they took that idea from that comic or from the manga. Um, Can I just say? Of all the names for both of those things, Riding Bean and uh, Gunsmith Cats, they just sound like, without context, they just sound weird. That's because you're a sheltered individual who's not open to other things. What are you talking about? I'm not saying that I hate these or anything by any means. Like, I'm interested in watching them. The character, the character's name is Bean Bandit, so... Um... I, I, I don't I don't necessarily say I disagree with you on writing Bean, but I, I think Gunsmith Cats is a great name because the characters I got maybe the characters aren't are they they are gunsmiths right? Yes. It's are they cats? Their, one, one are they cats them. handling guns? You are, that's the question. I'm not gonna have this conversation. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're just being so ridiculous. You're over literal about this to a degree that I could pull out thousands of anime titles and throw away this argument. And I just I'm not gonna have it. I don't want to. Run this They're gunsmiths thing. because one can create can create guns herself, and the other one specializes in explosives. Okay, so Funk Gun, this is actually I was going to bring this up. He said, "Are you thinking of the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya?" Because Correct. that guitar scene is rotoscope. That's what no, I was thinking. It's definitely we were talking about. Beats. Send me if you can later the one from Angel Beats because I know he, I know he's right about the one about. Um, Hari Suzumiya, because because that particular one um, is like a concert, and I I know for a fact they rotoscoped that one because of the way it looks. Um, that would have actually good, yeah. looked good though, because it's freaking key animation. I mean Kyoto, this one's PA work. 
yeah. Anyway, all right. So should we move on to Bubblegum Crisis, which I actually left in the uh, room? So I'm going to grab it. Show my Twitch. Can you return? Yeah, I just found it already. The. You mean the. Ursay Yasser one? Yasser. Glad I'm not screen sharing right now because uh, <laughs> J List is at the top of my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sent you the link. Yeah. I'll check it out later. Hold on. I'm going to screen share real quick. There you go. Okay, click on that. Wait, what the hell just happened? I'm trying to, I'm trying to walk out of the room. I sent you the wrong video because it switched over to My Little Witch Academia thing. Well, that's weird. That's not the right one, but if you go on to Discotech's webs, Discotech's uh, Twitter, they announced that people were asking them over and over again about... Uh, if they have the rest of Urasayatsura. Okay, we well, discussed, with that, we discussed that is, this last podcast. Yes, we and I added... This, we discussed this last podcast, just to bring everybody up to speed. Somebody had asked, asked them, are you going to get the rest of Urasayatsura? They said, we get this question all the time. We would like to. We're going to... Basically, we're going to see how Beautiful Dreamer does, sales-wise, before we... Uh, um, they said they're, they're always open to pursuing, you know, different titles, but they want to see sales-wise how much they make off of the movie so that they can judge how much, you know, they'll be able to make off of the show and if it will be worth the cost of the license. Yeah, correct. I made, a, made another twit post on there mentioning that, hey, hey I'll I'll love for... I would love to see this as a release, not having 50 plus episodes on my shelf, but also that dream of uh, getting Masani Koku as a re-release, which that has gotten like 27 likes and three reshares, I believe. So pretty high. If y'all want to continue liking that or liking the original post, by all means, please do. All right, so I'm, I'm going to... Should we move into uh, Bubblegum Crisis? Yes. Okay. Did you leave the room? I'm already back. I'm, you okay. can see me right in front of you. <laughs> um, so, uh, FDDM, did you get to watch it? Oh, my God. Last night I was busy with the freaking... My, my mom and my brother had this long conversation and all that stuff and whatever, and then I had to reply to that Amazon yeah. seller and stuff, and then... I, I have, like, so, no time. So, okay, that's fine. I just needed to know. Um, so the thing is, Augie watched this version. This is the original release right here. Yep. Oh, shiny and sparkly. I watched the remastered edition, and I got to say, this remastered edition looks like a VHS transfer, most of the discs. So we uh, pretty so, much watched the same quality then. Yeah. So I asked Augie what his looks like, and he said it looks like they filmed it off of a projector. <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty much. So FDD and M, who didn't watch it, would have been watching the Blu-ray, which probably would have looked fantastic. I have tested it actually before, like months ago, yeah. and 
It looks fantastic. Yeah, so that's that's a shame because I'm not opening mine. I want to keep it longevity sake. I want to keep it in its case for as long as possible. Um, but yeah, I watched the, the remastered one. I really enjoyed it. Um, by the way, <laughs> since it's here, Kenichi Sinora also did the character designs for uh, Gal Force. Force. So this is Gunsmith Cat's uh, character designer, Bubblegum Crisis, in this. And um, many of the Many of the people who worked on Bubblegum Crisis came off of uh, working on this show uh, when they moved into Bubblegum Crisis mode. And there's some interesting stuff that, that's going on. I'm actually curious. I should probably ask if anybody else has watched it. Uh, I mean, I know probably Cutie Honey 30 has seen it. Um, and I'm curious. Okay. Uh, have a good night, Reese. Good night, um, Reese. Right. He says he watched Bubblegum, Crisis, Bubblegum Crash ages ago. Music and songs are phenomenal. Yes, they were. Um, so... Uh, kind of an interesting story so first of all going into it i had no idea it was only eight episodes long um i i knew of the show like i knew it existed and in fact when i first got into 3d animation um somebody who was using the program i was using way back before i started learning maya i was using a program called animation master and uh in that forum, somebody was making a 3D version of Bubblegum Crisis for fun. Um, so I was sort of exposed to it long, long ago, uh, but I never actually sat down and watched it. And I, again, I wasn't, I was really shocked to find out it was only eight episodes. And even weirder than that, the way the directorial sort of factor was, was handled is that the first three episodes are directed by one guy, and then each episode after that is somebody else. And it's like they all went in different directions. They did all sorts of different weird things with it. So it was a, it was a very interesting ride. Um, and it's not super cohesive. Would you agree with that statement? Um, yes. Uh, for the original, it's each individual episodes. There are some episodes that focus more on one character, which is strange that Nene's was the last episode. But my Nene expectations going in. So that's okay. What? Nene was best girl, so that's okay. Yeah. Okay, it's um, the waifu culture now, it seems. No, like I said, it's only only stuff that uh, Kenichi Sonoda works on seem to uh, seem to scratch the itch of waifu. Uh, <laughs> that means waifuism. Yeah, it, mean, my, it, does, it does mean I'm biased. <laughs> so let me let me. For my expectations go ahead, going thought, into this, my expectations going into this, I was expecting. Do you have the link? Uh, Let me send you the link. What now? I'm going to send you the link. Make sure you have the access to your tweets. There you go. Send it through the chat. Redirect. And the first thing I see from that is the PP tweets. Yeah, scroll down. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to read it. Augie says, in these two weeks, we ha we are watching Bubblegum Crisis and Bubblegum Crash. What I know about the series is, is that it's inspired by Blade Runner, 80s uh, into 90s hairstyles, and rocking music. Continuing our predictions. You said, my prediction for original Bubblegum Crisis series is a lot of guns, lasers, and explosions, charming characters with sassy dialogue, reminders that I've watched... Um, Burn up excess, meaning I think you meant it reminds you, reminding you of things that you watched. 
uh, would be like Burn Up, Excess, Silent Mobius, and Appleseed. Uh, and then you went on to say, at least once, the bad guy will fall off to their death. And I was correct on that. Not only once. Yeah, I think in, that happened twice. <laughs> once in uh, Crash and once in Crisis. Yes, exactly. So I feel pretty good going into this. I didn't get the whole Appleseed feel, but I did get the other two feel from it. You got Silent Mobius feel? Oh, yeah. I got, yeah, I got both of them. No. So you got you got the silent Mobius feel from it. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I got the silent Mobius feel from it. Got a lot. Well, I got I kept being reminded of that show a lot during this. So my prediction was that nobody follows me on Twitter, and half the audience wouldn't understand the title of the podcast. Uh, nobody in the chat has has brought it up, from what I can tell. Um, but I I actually expected um, most of the people. Uh, who would be in the live portion would actually understand because they actually do a lot of them follow me on, on Twitter, but um, we'll get to, we'll get to the meaning of that later. Cause I, what ended up happening is that I watched, we had discussed, I think after the podcast or at the end of the last podcast um, behind the scenes, after we ended the broadcast, FDM and Augie and I had discussed whether or not this happens first or after uh, bubblegum crisis. So that they, was just from they, a confusion they, on my part. Yeah, there was there really were, no question. All right. So anyway, um, the consensus became, yeah, we're pretty sure this is first. So I started watching this, and I midway through the first episode, it was pretty clear that this was supposed to take place after, um, just because you know the way you introduce characters wasn't handled a way that felt logical. So I just finished up episode one, then I went back and watched uh, the show, and then I came back and watched this, which I had actually already watched this years ago anyway, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But um, anyway, the we'll get so. The, the reasoning behind the title of the, of the video uh, will come up when we get down to the tweets re regarding Bubblegum Crash. Anyway, um, so let's say character-wise, uh, going in, I asked you guys who you thought your favorite character was going to be. And I, wanted, I had asked because I wanted to know if it changed once you watched the show. So going left to right this is uh what did they call her lena like like i said i, I wasn't fond yeah, of how they chose to, to name half the characters L -E -N -N -A. yeah so i would have called it lena personally but so lena Celia back here almost completely oh no, no she's not obstructed that's just mirrored for me i thought this was her body for a second so lena Celia, uh pris and nene um so who who do you think uh going in did you think you were gonna like have the character you was your favorite character uh going in looking at the character designs i would assume that pris since she looks more stan she would be the main character of all this but really it's silly technically yeah so i that's it's funny you mentioned that because i was going to say that um when i was watching bubblegum crash at first it was really hard to tell who the main character is supposed to be but then when i went back and watched bubblegum crisis it was still really hard to know who the main character was supposed to be um, or who the leader, I think I said, who the leader yeah. is because Pris seems to be on just about all the artwork uh, front and center, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I guess they, they really do sort of treat, they give her the most screen time I'd say. Right. Um, and like, she's the only one featured on this cover. By the way, I made a comment later that her, uh, her color scheme is very clearly, um, that's that's Rekha, by the way. We'll talk about her yeah. later. Um, that her color scheme is very much uh, like very obviously the the inspiration for 
uh, Diva. I don't. I actually don't know how to pronounce the character's name. I think it's Diva. D dot V A from Overwatch. Is that how you pronounce it? I, I think it's Diva. It, so. Yeah. So anyway, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that this is uh, where the inspiration came from. And something that's kind of interesting that I was uh, reading about um, in the sort of bonus behind the scenes interviews is that uh, Kenichi Sonoda was tasked with creating suits that were very clearly feminine characters that covered up the entire body and the face. And one of the things that he mentioned that he did to give that look was to add the separation line here and, and here as bands uh, to give the impression of thigh highs. So I thought that was kind of an interesting, uh, I thought that was a kind of an interesting thing that they said. And also they mentioned that the title, the reason they called it bubblegum crisis had to do with Japan being in a bubble economy at the time. And that uh, Robert J. Woodhead had put sort of like an editor's note sort of into the, in the middle of the commentary saying uh, that he had been told when he asked at one point in the past that the title comes from um, the, the meaning of it is basically when you're blowing a bubble with bubble gum, uh, that there's that point where you've reached the point where it's going to pop. Uh, and that's the crisis is that, is that there's no going back, so to speak. Like it, it's, it's in the process of bursting and it's going to be kind of like all over your face. Um, so that's where that's, that's what he put in there is like a side note. I asked somebody in Japan about this. This is what they told me. Um, well, but, now the uh, title doesn't sound so weird. It does, yeah, it seems even more weird to me. But um, but yeah, so it, it was reference to the the bubble economy. That's sort of where they got the idea for the uh, for the title and everything. My favorite character uh, from the beginning was Nene, and turned out that this was the character I liked the most in the series. And it, it's weird because I didn't I didn't know this going in, but Nene was the AD police officer. And as you guys know, I'm a big fan of uh, You're Under Arrest. This is this was a terrible example. I should have grabbed something else. <laughs> you can't see much on there. Of your under arrest, I really like the. Uh, uh, I really like cop shows in general. I've made this abundantly clear, um, and I I really liked the the sort of. Um, I liked the that she was a cop, and the thing that I I liked the most about that is that she wasn't a on the streets shoot 'em up cop. She was a desk cop. And data analysts, and I, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of the story. Um, and again, we'll get into it when we get there. But you said Nene's episode was episode eight. That was the final episode. That was actually my yes. favorite episode for a lot of reasons. But we'll get to that when we get to that. So, do you want to move into uh, episode one stuff? Episode one. Right. Let's what's the initial stuff that I said that we you said. You said watching episode one, Bubblegum Crisis. When they showed a newspaper the first time, I swear I saw Kay and Yuri in the pictures. The characters are like a blend of Silent Mobius and Dirty Pair, and with this familiarity, I love it and enjoy the, this character dynamic. And then you went on to say, uh, oh, these might actually be out of order. They're out of order. <laughs> so I should read this one. Uh, so the sassy dialogue, cop drama narrative, dire situations, glamorous hairstyles, serious action, and explosions cling you to your seat. The show does show its age with Betamaxes and satellite attacks or bad guy assistant small hand. Oh, no, this is this is for the next small one. hands, which is uh... hold on. This is a reference to the next one. So the animation is hand cell like what is expected from the time period. Glorious painted cells with slight tiring animation errors, like when an 80 policeman shoots the window that doesn't break until the next scene 
or bad guy assistant small hand holding the wired phone's uh, baseball bat receiver. Then the sublet nods are appreciated like the production company's names uh, spelled in neon lights or Megazone 23 spelled out, which I actually took a picture of and I'll, I'll show that real quick. Assistant small hands is Mason. Right. So this is the, this is the reference to Megazone 23 um, in the show. And uh, to your point, I mentioned this. No, oh, the animation. I want to. I want to make a quick, a quick point about the animation errors. They got better. Um, oh, the yeah. first episode was was quite bad, and I mean, I don't want to say it was quite bad, but it, it it was noticeable. The a lot of the problems. Episode two, there were still some, but by episode three, I felt like there. I wasn't really seeing any. My episode two, I got used to it and kind of know what to expect. There, let's put it this way. Some of the perspective and how things were handled was wonky. There was some wonkiness to it uh, in the first episode that it, it really greatly improved um, by the end. Uh, and I was actually really sad by the final episode because this seems like a series they would have done so much more with. And it's bizarre. I mean, yes, there is Tokyo 2040 or whatever it's called. There is that other series, um, which I haven't gotten to yet. It's funny. I actually, I had planned on watching all of Bubblegum Crisis. Um, and I actually started literally the night of the last podcast. I, I started watching Bubblegum Crash, right? I, I was really trying to get through it. And then I've had about six hours or less of sleep every night since then. So that just didn't happen. <laughs> I, I've been, I, I've been, uh, as you guys know, I'm launching a business um, on the side. So that's just been brutal on me but uh yeah anyway it's it's been tricky so i didn't i didn't get through that but what i'm getting at is that bubblegum crisis is eight episodes bubblegum crash is three episodes right so it's about 11 right? right so there's parasite dolls ad police ad police files you know and there's all these other things that they made and i'm glad that they made them but it just seems bizarre that they focus so much on ad police but none of the characters that are really important to the bubblegum crisis, uh, the, you know, the night saber characters. Um, I think Leon is actually in one of the AD police uh, series, but uh, none of the other characters are, are really touched on or important to it. Um, I don't really remember parasite dolls at all, but uh, I, I'm just surprised that they didn't go farther with bubblegum crisis. And it seems like a show and it's kind of weird. I know we have this magic podcast, but it kind of seems like a show that you could do in modern times and it would actually hold up pretty well. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm kind of, I kind of want to see where they would go with it. I didn't mention this will be later on, but I didn't mention it's kind of weird that they jumped from one conclusion and into a new story. And you have this middle that's not even addressed that yeah. you think that would be resolved. Yeah, and, and there were some weird episodes. Like I I remember one, two, and three pretty well. Four, four and five and six are kind of a blur. I know there was one of them that had to do with vampires that came out of nowhere. Um, that was sort of a. Good. Yeah, so it just it got kind of weird. Um, if anything, the main the main crisis that the night savers are facing is the advancement of boomer technology. Boomers it was, are like it was the, specifically Genome, the, right. the corporation, that there was corruption in that corporation. Basically, this is kind of like, you could sort of parallel this with companies like Amazon 
or where um, or or even Apple right now. Apple is um, has actually, in order to compete with some of the geopolitical shifting that's happening in the world, especially in America right now, China has offered uh, to basically take away the corporate tax if the company is run by the Chinese government. So Apple's actually gone over there and given over all the cloud data keys to the Chinese government. Um, and so there's sort of this, this sort of scariness happening, which actually Japan probably suffers through a lot because this is a oh. plot of a lot of shows, uh, including Vexil, um, where Vexil, what's interesting about that is that they actually have um, a, a company that becomes synonymous with Japan as a whole in the process of the of the show where it, at a certain point they don't even distinguish a difference between each other you know what i mean like they just become apple because genome if you paid attention to the music videos which i'm still not sure if you watched or not i watched a couple of them but i um i was i was holding a baby during a lot of my my watching of this remember I, I as i said the sleeping wasn't going too well a lot of that was baby related and not right, necessarily right. work related but because it baby caused it i had less time for work so let me just explain a lot Hold of on, the before you explain watched, let me get my point first i watched the episodes in 10 minute increments anyway go ahead okay for if you pay attention to the music videos mm -hmm. especially the first part where it's mostly press songs Genome is the record label company for Pris's songs. Hmm. Oh, and so when you do a music video, it starts up and then you have in the, the lower corner, it says mm -hmm. the, you know, so, yeah, like so you're the, saying that they, it'll probably be over here on the final version of the video you guys can see. Um, so it'll say like the name of the song, the artist, the record label. That was probably a joke. That might've only, that might've actually been yeah, put in but, by Animago. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of interesting. Um, but uh, the thing that kind of bothered me is because I felt like Genome should have been Genome. Like it that seemed like yeah. that should have been the name of the company. And it just like there was a lot of things where I was. I, first of all, let me just say I loved the dub. I loved it. I loved the over the top uh, accents of the characters. Um, oh, there's yes. this Irish guy, th or no, I think the girl is a girl. It's an Irish, Irish, thick thick Irish uh, accent girl in episode seven. There's like a, a George Bush, Texas uh, oil tycoon guy. Um, I could have oh, in one episode. They had someone from the Simpsons come in and voice act. There was the Italian guy who, who ran the uh, coffee shop. We'll get to later. Oh, I loved it. I, I love the old uh, heavy, just like where the stereotype is so over the top that it is just humorous, you know, because it, it's like in reality, it's one of those things where, in reality, nobody really talks that talks like how the stereotype sounds. But the but the truth is that to anybody who isn't that person who has that accent, that is how you sound. Okay, that's the thing. Okay, it, yes, it's different. If you play them side by side, you could pick out the details. But the the point is, the caricature is how you sound to those people. And I think it's always funny when they embrace that. Uh, and they and it just it, it it flavors up the dub, you know, a lot. And I really I really enjoy that. When you say the outsider person really, he, you sound that way to the other person or whatever. Are you referring mm -hmm. to me, my my accent there? No, I'm, I'm talking about no. like I have a I have a friend who, uh, um, so I, I run a Minecraft server, um, like a, a private whitelisted Minecraft I was server. Just prodding at that earlier joke from when I started going to the podcast. Yeah, 
I know, I know. We we talked about, it, but I'm just saying that on uh, there's a something weirdly unique about my server is that almost every member is from a different country. You know, huh. like we have a we have a couple people from from America, but I mean, Scotland, Israel, Luxembourg, you know, just all these different places, Australia, all these different places. So we have all these different accents that I'm constantly hearing, and it's funny because the 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 topic comes up about um, like especially thick Scottish accents can't understand a word somebody's saying. You, know I mean? <laughs> you just can't understand a word. Um, uh, and, but the, the way they talk is very funny uh, uh, to hear for somebody who doesn't speak in the same dialect. And what I'm getting at is it's the idea that the joke made up stereotype fake accent doesn't actually sound like the real accent, but it, it, to the person it it captures the spirit of it so well that it works regardless mm. yeah so for the audience another way to look at it this this is an older dub this dub plays along with the voice casting just like how you hawk show played with the voice cast casting on release meaning you okay because anime ego dubbed all the songs yeah I found okay, that so we, interesting when I was testing it out a while ago. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed that they did that, and I hope that there is a OST somewhere that has the full length English dub of the songs. Uh, it has somewhere. to be. I enjoyed it. It, it, it seemed like a, a good a good reason to go to the trouble of doing it would be to be able to sell something like that. Oh yeah, I know that there's some people out there that if it's in Japanese, it stays in Japanese, but. Whatever. I like to see two different things. I find it more jarring when it's just randomly Japanese thing in the middle. Well, let me, let me, let, well, okay. So here's, here's something that's worth bringing up. Um, first of all, one of the, one of my favorite um, things, uh, DVD release wise, are the orange brick sets from Dragon Ball because you can play those in English or in Japanese and with the Bruce Faulkner soundtrack or the original Japanese music. So that's kind of a, a fun thing that you can actually, you can actually mix Japanese with Bruce Faulkner song, English with, oh, yeah. with Japanese song. And I, I really like that. So um, I, I agree with you that, that some people say if, it, if the song is in Japanese, it should stay in Japanese. And in some places that's true. Right. Um, but what is always awkward is when there's a show that's not really about singing and you're watching the dub all the way through to episode, let's say 24. And then in episode 25, one of the characters starts singing and she starts singing in Japanese. That's my end... brother's a mermaid right there. Yeah. So, so that's, that's sort of the point pros and cons, right? Um, you also, so, have, yeah. you also okay. have a similar feature like that. And, and, uh, start in the original star Trek releases. Hold up! You, you just said something that made me realize I didn't show all the all the stuff I got. Hold on. Dun, dun, dun. You, you, when you said when you said Star Star Trek or whatever, you made me think of something. So first of all, um, other pickups. I also picked up, and I'm gonna make sure I can. I'm just gonna put my finger. Pickups part two. Uh, the Sex Warrior pudding uh, one that Augie <laughs> didn't get. <laughs> this thing reeks of cigarette smoke, but it doesn't appear to have any actual uh, visual damage on it. Um, and the other thing, first of all, I re-bought I re uh, on Amazon Attack on Titan because uh, I had I had to uh, send my other one back to uh, to write stuff because of the, the damage and the underneath the shrink wrap. And apparently, uh, 
this was shipped in a like a paper envelope so uh, that of course didn't come here uh unscathed so there's like dents and crap on the top and uh also um i guess amazon didn't i bought it on amazon just doing the click to go through purchase and it was a third-party seller so i don't even know if i can send this back and get a oh my a, god no refund now the third thing though this is what i was this is what made me think of it um and i looked down to where i had placed it star driver blu-ray uh part two which one's the rare one you or tell rarer. me somebody else tell me i'm sure somebody in the comments is already checking. back to bubblegum crisis no, no no this is important i i ordered the dvd i wanted the dvd not the blu-ray they sent me the blu-ray so somebody let me know if this is actually okay it's part or, one yeah part yeah, two it's, it's reasonable yeah so i wanted the dvd and part one of the dvd that i ordered hasn't arrived yet so i don't know anyway uh back to bubblegum crisis all right so when i ended with episode one I'm, I wrote, I, Monster's ability I enjoyed is the hyper-regeneration and infectious way of it taking the host. The newspaper scene from the earlier tweet is about at the 19 minutes, 35 seconds area. Mm -hmm. And what, what needs to be asked is, does Bubblecom Crisis contain protoculture? Culture? It's funny you brought that up because they did they did mention new types in, uh, <laughs> in a later episode. Um, so let's see. Let me get through to. You said this time around, I've nailed the similars as predicted. We begin with a. Okay, so you, that's I'm reading these backwards. Uh, I this is what I had to say about the first episode. I said I pretty much like any show that has those hand drawn or hand animated dynamic camera moves, and Bubblegum Crisis has a lot of them, so I really loved it. It was very fun to watch. Um, and I also this is what I this is <laughs> it's funny. Like like I said, Nene was my favorite character going in, and it was solidified. Her literal first lines on the show are, "Wow, look at this! Isn't it radical?" And she's holding up. Um, translucent panties because <laughs> uh, <laughs> Celia, <laughs> Celia owns a lingerie shop. Um, and then it, it goes, uh, you went on to say, I liked the nice save line right after that. The line right after that, and it's funny because I didn't actually know the line because like I said, I watched, I had to watch it like 10 minute increments. So um, uh, I later came back and cut the, the line you're talking about is they're talking about the the value like they're basically there to talk to Celia about the job about the night saber job uh and it's going to be 20 million and she's like these bras cost 20 million nice save right that, that was the line correct yep that's the line because that that delayed a little bit so i thought you were talking about the line directly after it but yeah it's, it was further down it was like a like a minute past that anyway um so um Something else I want to bring up was that it, something that was a little bit weird is they don't ever tell. I mean, they they give you Cilia's origin story, but nobody else's, right? Mm, right. So it it's it feels kind of weird to ponder on how these characters know each other and how they all became a night saber. That sounds like it's reasonable. Yeah, that's what I got from the gist I that I it. watched. You know what I mean, Augie? I know what you mean. So, um, for instance, Nene, like maybe Pris and Cilia I could understand, but 
Nene's character, because they're they're constantly dogging on her, you know, uh, and it just it seems like the only reason that she's even part of their group is because she works for the AD police and they needed somebody on the inside of that organization for that. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. She has, she has the brain power to do the hacking and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It it felt weird. Uh, And Lena or Lena is a uh, aerobics instructor. I don't know. It just, it, it felt a little weird. I, I didn't question it, you know, while watching it, like it wasn't something that I was getting hung up on while trying to watch it and enjoy it. But right. I did think about it. I did wonder, like, a, like it would be nice to see a origin story thing. Although I will say that usually I end up when I I wish for that, and then when I see it, I wish I hadn't. I wish they hadn't tried to tell the story because they never do a good job. I kind of like how they gave us not the full view, but the slice of pie, pie for each character. Yeah, I'll admit some details were a little subtler than others, but. Like the it had it took me a while to remember that Lena was an aerobic stru- instructor. Mm-hmm. Well, the the only reason that I remember that is because uh, I watched Bubblegum Crash first, uh, and or that first episode, and she specifically talks about because she she goes from being an aerobics instructor to, to trading stocks on Wall Street kind of thing, and she specifically talks about how she's she loves that she no longer does the aerobic stuff. So it had been sort of the seed had been planted in the first installment uh, that I had watched, and then I, it was like it was something that I remembered th- from then on because of the weird way I watched it. All right, episode two. Here, here we get a better explanation of the Cynthia character from episode one, which was the young girl that they that was like, uh, was she a boomer? I can't remember. Uh, she she was a new she was an experiment. She's not a boomer, but she was a new type of human being. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and then. That that was kind of a boring episode. Uh, well, that that plot point of episode. So the thing is that the the episodes with a mech type of show, there's sort of like I don't want to call it a formula because especially during this time they they were still figuring things out. But oh, yeah. there's character time, specific plot time. And there's a little bit of overlap where character time goes into that. And then there's in the battle suit time. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. this show seemed like the driving force behind creating it was that they wanted to do the battle suit time. But what's interesting about this is that I much more enjoyed the character time than the battle suit time. For me, I enjoyed both. It, it's kind of like the like you're slicing up your bananas, you're slicing up your watermelon well, mix it together you got a pretty good fruit salad well here's here's what's interesting this is the reason why i liked episode eight so much or a, one of the many reasons i liked episode eight so much is that character time and battle suit time the separation blurred a little bit because they they started to become more they started to remain their own characters uh, you know the, the personality type sort of shown through while they were in the battle suits in that episode so right. I felt like I felt like in the first episode, especially as soon as they were in the battle suits, they might as well have just been anybody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they were voiced by the same people, but they were flying around and cutting things and shooting guns and everything. And it just yeah. it was such a such a break from what, what we see in the in the lingerie shop, talking, chatting it up, being 
young girls kind of thing that they did that that it just I don't want to say that it it separates and pulls you out of the story but again it's just it's character time to battle suit time and the battle suit time is like a lot of people and, and there's sort of a, a draw with this like it's kind of one of the reasons why you use female characters in Japan is because um like for let's say much younger kids uh depending on what age you're watching this is like you're really into the action scenes and then there's other shows where it's like you're more interested in the character development like for instance um i've had a very interesting experience watching different gundam titles because i'm a lot less interested in the actual mech stuff in a lot of them than i am in the actual behind the scenes sort of political sub drama going on you know and and sort of the art of war art of fighting without actually fighting sort of in what do you call those um, silent weapons for invisible wars or whatever the term is. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of more interested in, in that political intrigue in, in a lot of ways. So um, there's uh, no, just getting back to the point, fact. just getting back to the point. There's a lot of uh, um, specific choices used in creating a show. And again, the battle suit time felt very separated from the regular character stuff, but, as time went on and different directors took the helm, that seemed to become a little bit more, um, you, it sort of felt like they were the night sabers versus the night, which is obviously what they were versus the night sabers being a whole separate entity. You know what I right. mean? And part, part of that, I think is just them suiting up in the battlefield, you know, rather than at the, so kind of uh, like, uh, knowing that when you watch Batman, it isn't, it's Batman, but sometimes there's Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Well, yeah, that's that's a good example. Is, so you is rather like it like Spider-Man, where you know a portion of it's Petey Parker, the well, other portion is Spider-Man. That's a that's a really good way to look at it because um, when you watch, let's say that '90s Spider-Man cartoon, because so much of the behind the mask um, Spider-Man is thinking and sort of integrating thought patterns related to the fact that he's got a real life outside of being Spider-Man. Right. So, so right. much of that is him thinking about like, Oh no, I need to get back to Aunt May or blah, blah whatever it is. It really grounds the character or the, let's see, let's say the civilian identity with the superhero identity. That's Whereas a good with point. Batman, with Batman, I feel like, um, Bruce Wayne's I his day-to-day -day identity, they don't really go over it because it's kind of boring, you know, because most of what he does in his day-to-day -day identity is like, you know, playboy aspect and stock trading or, you know, that this kind of stuff like meetings and stuff. It's not as interesting as handling the complex characters uh, or let's say the complex relationships maybe that come with just the day-to-day -day life of Peter Parker. So that's actually a really good point. And one of the other things that's interesting about Batman, just as a, as a kind of a side note, is that when Batman's translated to live action and it's done in a sort of uh, with, you know, actors and stuff, it seems like uh, it's very hard to find actors that pull off both Bruce Wayne and Batman. It seems like they only can pull off one or the other. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. most of the time. Uh, Unless they're Adam West. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so, um, Going back to Bubblegum Crisis, yeah. the episodes I liked were the original. liked all of them, but the, but for me, I would have to go with two. I would have to go with, I believe, six and seven, since they kind of both go together. The whole, um, reason I like yeah. them, the whole reason I like them is because it is, for a brief moment, I like Pris. I like all four girls, but the previous ones, you had Pris kind of go in there going there with her tough cookie attitude and being the bad guy in the day saved. 
In these two episodes, we see the group come together, form a group dynamic in order to try to stop the evil Thort. I have an idea. Let's let's give out a quick because I think that a lot of this show is I think our conversation will be better if we are able to jump around a lot. So let's let's give a premise of what happened in each episode um, right. so that we can we can jump around a bit. So I'm just going to would it be safe to just read the uh, the synopsis of the episodes and, and use that as a way to sort of refresh our memories and delineate okay. them between. So uh, episode one is Tinsel City. Uh, in the dystopian world of 2032 Megatokyo, the, the Genome Corporation, using its powerful androids, the Boomers, has become the world's most powerful organization, far too powerful. But in the shadows of the city uh, lurk the night sabers. And then obviously, so, so basically just the intro video, right? The intro one where yeah. they sort of establish everything. Um, amoral genome executive Brian Mason obtains a satellite uh, weapons control system and installs it in a super boomer crafting the ultimate weapon. The battle gets very personal when Mason targets Lena's friend for termination. That's episode two. If um, I recall right, that's the, that's the bridge killing scene, correct? Yes. Yeah. That was, I really didn't expect her to actually die. That, that took me, me by either, surprise. But that was a, that was a pretty good shock and I can yeah. feel the rage Lena had at that point. Yeah. So the way that they animated it, like the staging process for sort of the director aspect, um, it feels like uh, Lena's going to get there just in time, and then she doesn't. No. She is. She's. She's. She's in there. She's there just in time to witness the death and the fall and the smack on the street uh, from the bridge. But she's not there just in time to prevent it. And that was that was really. I didn't expect it. I thought I. I didn't know if she was going to survive, but I really thought that Lena was at least going to get there a little bit sooner you know uh so episode three is the one titled blow up the battle between the night sabers and, and genome escalates when mason starts using boomers to encourage urban renewal this was a bizarre episode this is the one where they did the this is uh, sure let me let me just say this super corporations yep probably a lot of really shitty evil things happening behind the scenes um a uh, lot of corporations we could name today uh, real life ones that are doing things that would really, oh, that would really uh, make you upset and not, and you would boycott them for the rest of your life for sure. But they don't, <laughs> they don't send bulldozers and just give people who are at the apartment like two minutes notice to get out of the apartment with all their stuff in there. And evict them and then bulldoze the damn place. That doesn't happen. This was a weird caricature of evil corporations. Here um, we can see Mace. Here in this episode, we can see Mace and the small-handed assistant, which now has big hands now. Um, we see him just being a total ass to everyone, and his his uh, boomer a boomer protector, whatever bodyguard. Bodyguard. Looks a little bit like Paul Williams. Williams, which I thought was strange, but one of the things I kind of liked was Briss getting angry, took the metal rod and just tried to hit him. But mm -hmm. he, the he grabs like, the rod and like around her throat, yeah. Oh, and it's yeah. it was just one of those things where you're like, yes, obviously it's a boomer. <laughs> obviously, how is any how is she still surprised? <laughs> you know. Now the, now the biggest lesson for this is. If you have money, store it in a bank because you don't know when the government's going to come in, take your apartment away, and you're going to have to try to rush to get your money yeah. in a collapsing building. 
that there was so much um, needlessly tragic stuff in this show. Like, hey, where's your mom? Here, let me get you a burger. And then, then the mom's up. Yeah, it's like it's it's one of those like I've got two days left to retirement kind of kind of moments. And she like she's like, well, I've been saving up in my piggy bank. And it's like, let's be realistic, maybe three hundred bucks in that piggy bank, you know. And she runs back in the house and literally gets killed <laughs> trying to get her piggy bank. <laughs> this episode better illustrates press. As yeah, you well, mentioned, let's, let's get through the uh, let's get through the the um the uh, okay, sort of yeah. just the, the generic thing, and then we'll we'll go back and talk about it. So, episode four, uh, Revenge Road. That's the one where there's this mysterious black car, and they um, it's like running uh, motorcyclists. Like, I mean, there's a lot of really brutal motorcycle death scenes. Oh, yeah, just I, like I they were shockingly gruesome. Um, so there's there, that was episode for that. That was I have a great tweet for that one. Uh, that was episode four. Episode five. Um, five young women die attempting to escape from an orbital colony. This was a weird one. This one took place like in outer space at, at parts, and I, I didn't expect this one. Uh, and in the oh, resulting mayhem, a highly. That said, in orbital orbital colony. Colony. Okay. And the resulting mayhem, a highly advanced combat suit goes missing. Meanwhile, a vampire seems to be preying on the citizens of Mega Tokyo as the AD police and the night sabers converge upon the truth. The resulting conflict triggers a countdown of nuclear destruction. Uh, episode six is the night sabers have gone bad. Uh, they've attacked a genome warehouse, murdered the guards and stolen a valuable container of combat boomers. Framing the night sabers is just a small part of the twisted plans of the, of the mysterious Largo and their ultimate humiliating destruction is just a matter of elegant necessity. Episode seven is the one with Reika. The Mysterious Vision, a popular American singer, is ending a year-long sabbatical by launching a concert tour in Megatokia. Lena is uh, sure she's seen Vision someplace before, but can't remember where. Who is Vision, and what does she know about the deadly mecha that's been going on a rampage attacking genome facilities? And then episode eight is the one that's basically Die Hard meets Terminator, where uh, Nene um, helps... Uh, Lucy escaped from Nakatomi Plaza, aka the AD Police Building. So now that we're we're caught up on 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 the uh, episode, let's go back. Yeah, let's go back to uh, to episode. Are we on episode two or episode three? We were discussing uh, three. Okay, so oh. let me, I'm gonna pull that back out so I remember the name of it. Um, so episode three was blow up. That was the one. That's the one with the car. That's, no, 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 that's four. Episode three is the one with the apartment building. Uh, oh, yeah, so we were on four. Yeah, so episode four, there is a hilarious scene. In, okay, so like I said, a lot of brutal motorcycle deaths. There is a hilarious scene where out of nowhere, for some reason, Pris like, loses control of her motorcycle. And she gets thrown to the ground and she's like, like, oh, you know, all over the place, tumbling head over heels. And then all of a sudden the motorcycle wheel comes back and they, they show it hit her knee and like, and like tear up her leg and stuff. And it's all disgusting. And then, then the, the English dub for this is so funny because she's like, oh, and it's, it's literally that scene from family guy where Peter trips and hurts his knee. And it just goes on forever. Just like, oh, okay, oh, so oh. what? <laughs> So that's what you meant by that. Yeah, that's, what, that's what I meant by the the tweet. I just I tweeted out Pris in episode four, and I had that gif of of Peter. Yeah, that was so funny to me uh, okay, watching that. So, so to me, to me, the best way to describe this episode is 
so so what you do is you take Zach from the Writing Man short from Neo Tokyo anthology and have it face off with the bikers from Violence Jack. Also, real quick. Yeah, yes. I, I thought that was an accurate description. Back to episode three. Um, the, the, so the episode three is the one with the apartment collapse, but at the end of episode three, they're actually going at the genome facility. Right? right. And there's a scene where they're going up this like spiral ramp and the outside of it is overlooking the city and there's like a helicopter shooting at them and stuff. That scene felt so much like uh, the intro stage to Mega Man X that it was a little bit shocking. <laughs> and I had to look up when Bubblegum Crisis came out and when Mega Man X came out because it, it was so bizarre. It literally felt like the, the battle... Uh, was taking place on this stage. So I'll just say that. Some Anybody who watched it will understand the reference, but uh, so that was... Yeah, go ahead. We're back to episode four. Didn't four, yeah. Pop slash Doc kind of look like Doc Brown with a mustache? Uh, yeah. But the importance for episode four is, yes, it focuses on Pris again. However, we get to understand who and... Who are the people involved to repair the suits and where they meet up to suit up at? Yeah, that was that it was basically they were showing us the back cave. Where they're trying to show us who Q is. Sorry, I'm trying to get my stuff charged. Uh, James Bond, but I think it all all's the same. Why won't this I've, I've let my wife use my AirPods way too much. Uh they're um they're not what they used to be. <laughs> she she uses them all day, every day. Um, the shadow of their reasons. former selves. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get another pair. Yeah, you gotta buy a pink pair. Uh, they only make them in white. I, I've been I've been meaning to get a second one that's a different color, so they're easily differentiated. But they, I guess they don't make them in other colors yet. So anyway, um, yeah. So is that it for for episode four? I believe so. So episode five, which again was the. The Dobermans enter this one. This is the one with the vampires, yeah. The, the yep. ones. Um, so what do you have to say about that? I, I kind of vaguely remember episode six for some reason. Uh, five and six. Episode five, you mainly watch it for the for the action drama. There is an event that will lead from episode five to episode six. But uh I enjoyed it quite well. The vampire but, one, the episode five, felt like the. It felt out of place to the rest of the story, and again, they were they were all sort of directed by different people, so that's to be expected. But I'm just I saying. Can, to me, I'm kind of giving a bias to the age. I can kind of accept it because, well, one, it's an OVA, two, it's from the '80s, so yeah, you kind of suspect some sexual tension in some episodes. I might be giving it yeah. too much leniency, and but what was interesting is uh, the sexual tension was all lesbianic. Lesbianic. Yeah. Is that is that incorrect to say? I honestly don't know, but I think that's what I said that's... that all the all the sexual tension was lesbianic. Like it was it was more lesbian than it was straight man and woman. Um, um uh, were there any uh, men in the show? Yeah, Leon. Leon is constantly uh, hitting on Pris, uh, and to a degree, Nene. There's a really funny line in one of the episodes where, where um, 
He's like, so you, what are you doing after tonight? And she says, oh, my mom will get mad if I'm not home by a certain time. Like, she she sounds like she's 13, you know? And then she's like, say hi to mom for me. It's just like, it was a really bizarre exchange. But um, but Leon doesn't really have any romantic uh, involvement with any of them. However, Leon's partner is quite gay for Leon, right? So there's, there's kind of a bizarre thing where all the actual, all the actual, uh, uh, tension so to speak was coming from uh same homosexual sort of relationships rather than um heterosexual relationships and what i'm getting at is that that pris's friend um that turned out to also be a boomer or whatever um like remember nene described that friend to uh to cilia and Mm -hmm. she described her in kind of a lustful way don't you agree yeah. Like she was, she couldn't stop commenting on how beautiful she was, and and like it. it just, she it owns a lingerie store. She has to know what beauty is. I'm talking about Nene's description. Nene's Nene. She's like anyone else named Nene. Nene reminded me of Nina from uh, Harvest Moon. What'd you say? So Nene reminded me of Nina from Harvest Moon. Which Harvest Moon? It was like 50. Harvest Moon 64, one of the OG okay. ones. Before. They made them the after... back that old? Dude, there's the original ones for Super NES. Yep. I had no idea. Go to the program. My brother has the new ones. That's all I know, really. Well, I'll give your brother a blue feather, see how he feels. Oh, Nina was in the original one. Yeah, she wasn't. I, I, I was thinking of her, the way she looks in the, in the um, N64 one. Is there not any? What is it? Is it a wonderful? I forget. This is bizarre. Anyway, I'm thinking about the the 3D model one where she's got like big poofy pink hair. That's who uh, she Nene reminded me obviously because the pink hair and the name Nina and Nene. But I, I couldn't I couldn't stop thinking of the character from Harvest Moon uh, in uh, when I was watching it. So for Leon's partner, I will say this much. It's kind of strange seeing a full-size version of Lucky from Lucky Charms. <laughs> you know you're it's thinking, true. You're thinking of... Uh, and No, I guess you're right. Uh, it, was a, it was the woman character that had the, the Irish... Scottish accent, um, yeah. but yeah, no, he was he was a kind of a cool character though. Um, I kind of liked yeah. his, uh, his presence. Um, he cool. he provided something to the show that uh, could have easily been just a generic thing, and he kind of brought something to it that you didn't really get. Uh, you couldn't have gotten from just a you know a character that they spent two seconds thinking up just to move the plot along. You know, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I was, I was pleased. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, anyway, so uh, episode five? Should we, or are we on episode six now? Yeah, we're on episode six. That was... Yeah. Just to reiterate, that is the one... That's the one where, where they were framed. Yes. That one, I, I like, have no memory of it. I just... I, I, okay, it, so much of it was... So much of it was battle suit mode, you know? Whether it was yeah. the framing or whatever. I just like... Okay, so to refresh you, back when they had the vampiric scene, the yeah. lover that was there... Mm-hmm. Um, Chris had to kill the vampire. Right. Spoiler, but Chris had to kill the vampire. She saw that. Yeah. She wants revenge, so she's having to go through this other okay. bout to do this. Right, and it was Largo, not Genome, that was behind it and all that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, now, one thing I want to bring up real quick that really confused me. Episode four, the one with the, the black car. They yep. show us the black car obliterate those bikers. Right? And there's a really funny moment where Pris stops next to one. He's like, hey, you're okay, right? And I'm like, no, he's not okay. <laughs> he's not okay. You know? <laughs> but it's just really funny the way she's like, hey, you're okay, right? You know? Um, but, uh, but the thing is, they show us the guy driving that car. Then they show the bikers attack a guy that isn't that guy, right? He just happens to have the same car, correct? Yeah. Okay. What happened to the first guy? Oh, wait, no, no. That was a flashback to the guy being the victim that spawns the rage for revenge. Are you sure? Okay, because so here's what happens. This guy is riding in his black car with his girlfriend or whatever, or his sister, I don't know, whatever. I think right. she was his girlfriend. They stick a katana through the roof of his car and stab him in the shoulder. And then they show him in bed like he's recovering. But it looked like, it, at first I'm like, is that a different guy? You know, like even from that, like, are we looking at a third new guy? And then the girl goes up and he puts his arm around her. And I'm like, so you're not too injured and I'm like what's going on? It, it didn't follow very well and then the first thing if you're saying that was the same guy i just it's weird it's bizarre because yeah. it seemed to me it seemed to me like they were performing revenge on him with his black car but it was a it was actually incorrect and what's funny is that what's really weird is that in that beginning one um when they have the the black car obliterating all those bikers just like running them off the road and everything the ad police over the radio say things like you know the this is like respond to this basically and like oh you didn't hear about that in the meeting and leo's like no i was asleep and he's like it hasn't been anything serious you know and i'm like these we just watched these people get run off the road these people are not surviving this i mean it looks like they're going through a blender I mean, their their limbs are just ripping apart and stuff when they're when they're spiraling uh, at these high speeds, falling off their motorcycle, hitting the concrete. You know, so I don't know. It was it was really weird. Um, I didn't follow that one very well. It, was, um, it might have been different, but it was eye catching. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, so back to uh, episode six. Um, six. So that's the one with the uh, with the imposters, right? Yes. This is one of the episodes where where the gang has to come together in tag team to be beat mm -hmm. the foe. Something uh, that I liked about uh, this show as a whole is I always, I talk about on this channel a lot about how much I hate that stupid trope where the, where the heroes start fighting with each other and you're like, great 10 minutes of this BS before they come together at the end to defeat the enemy. Yeah, um, there really that. wasn't a lot of that. There really wasn't any of that in this show. Um, there were some spats, but not, they were like sort of uh, friendly teasing, not um, like that. That was such a great uh, moment where they're making fun of Nene for for gaining one centimeter worth of weight, uh, and then she goes home to eat the cake, and she it, it shows the cake on the plate, and then it shows the flashback to them making fun of her, and then when it and then when the flashback's over, the cake is already fully eaten. <laughs> well, to be that was fair, such a great moment. Uh, speeding ticket. Yeah, <laughs> I loved the way they handled the dynamic of the like show. Like I said, I expected some sass, and I got it. Yeah, oh, I loved it. I loved it. 
Uh, anyway, so um, episode seven is the one with um, with Reka. Um, this kind of to me felt like, and I this I I didn't tweet this because I didn't want people to start bothering me about the fact that after I stopped watching the show, this became like it's like a current thing. But uh, what I was gonna say is that it kind of felt like that one episode of Powerpuff Girls where there was the special like the fourth Powerpuff Girl that comes in yeah. for like an episode. And you kind of right. wish that that character would stay and be a recurring character. Kind of like when the Green Ranger joined the Power Rangers. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. Reka, I kind of wish that she had become one of the Night Sabers because I actually really liked that character and mm -hmm. what they did with her. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that whole arc. Um, and I thought that was going to be my favorite episode until episode eight started. <laughs> Oh, let's see. What did I write about Reka? I don't think I did write anything. I agree with her highlights. We started off with a pop idol singing about human emotions. A hick from Houston is uh, acting yeah. like he is a hick from Houston. That was the that was the guy who had the, the George Bushy kind of Texas accent. That was, again, yep. really fun. Um, our favorite tower is making mayhem while our girls uh, face on. One mecha looks like... <laughs> what is Clotitis it from Overlord. From Overlord. Cocytis? Yeah. Uh, I watched Overlord. Um, he also said... Oh, yeah. The highlight is seeing our night sabers undercover and in disguise. Yes, that that's was a right. In this episode, they had... And 42 gallons of gas only cost 20 minutes. On our favorite tower, which you've been saying. Mm -hmm. And one of the scientists that has a lot of knowledge of their recent prototype. Well, her... Her and her band of uh, band members are trying to assassinate this. Well, not assassinate. Try to kidnap this one guy to assassinate the head honcho. Yeah. So there's a scene with at the hotel where where they're in disguise. Try the Popeyes in disguise trying to get to the guy. Our main hero heroines are in disguise trying to make sure that they keep an eye on the guy. Then you have the guy's bodyguards along with it. It's almost set up kind of like a Lupin-esque episode, but not as silly. Keep going. I'm going to try to get my headphone to work. If anything, it kind of brings me back to the whole, it's going to remind me of Burn Up, which yeah. that, those things I haven't did. watched Burn Up yet. I, I'm eager to. I'm, I've been. It's another show like Bubblegum Crisis that I want to watch, but I just haven't. I, I actually have the entirety of the whole show. I just haven't gotten around to being able to sit you down. Better. That's an easy it. one to get all of. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I agree with that. Um, I, I really. How'd you feel about episode. the conclusion of that episode? That was the episode. I think it might have been episode eight where they did this, but I think that was the episode where they they did the old cliche uh, where the enemy has like a laser beam. And they like tear off the arm that's firing the laser and use it to cut the enemy in half, kind of thing. Yeah, that yeah that's episode. the action scene. But I'm talking about the last scene. Um, the last scene is the one where they arrested the Texas guy. Yep. What about it? Like, what are you getting at? Uh, well, how'd you like that scene? How'd you like how Leon handled that situation? It was okay. I mean, uh, I. It's hard to end. Hard to to end. It's to hard end to end off. things. Like it's hard to when you're concluding a story, especially when you have an episodic series. It's hard to conclude. Like you have 
as, when you're writing a story, especially when you're making it up as you go, the way that Hayao Miyazaki kind of does, um, it's hard to end the the you know the rising action, climax, falling action, and then here's the end. You know, it's it's really hard to do that well. Like you can tell, some people just can't get it down, and their stuff feels like it drags on or doesn't end or ends abruptly or you know. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It worked. It, it worked. I, I again though. I wish that Reka had been a more. Re- I wish that she had shown up earlier and been the fifth nightsaber. Right. Um. So would this worked better with you if they did an episode zinger at the end? I don't know. I I I didn't have a problem with it. I don't know why you're even bringing him. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, on to episode eight. Best episode. Episode eight. Nina's F. Nene's episode. So let's take uh, take our common enemy and put them in a situation very similar to Magic Machine eighty eight M eighty eight Black Magic eighty eight Black Magic eighty eight M sixty six Black Magic M sixty six is that what it's yes. called? Yes, that's a great that's a great one. We should do that one sometime. Um, I when I'm watching it, here's the lens I saw it through: elevator shafts. This was Die Hard. Let me just put it. I'm going to put it that way. It was Die Hard. It was great. It was phenomenal. I loved it. Um, Nene and uh, Lucy, who is the the person who took a photo of Pris, uh, and Pris destroyed her camera in the previous episode, I think. Um, or or I guess, no, I guess that was episode eight, but it, it doesn't matter. Anyway, this character is trying to out the Nightsabers, and uh, she realizes that Nene is one of them, but she's not quite sure because the way the camera quality wasn't perfect because she had to zoom in really far on the photo she took um and uh they get basically so for some reason like all the other ad police are out it's just nene and, and her right and right. nene um at first it starts out where it's it's die hard where it's like okay hostage sort of situation nene is john mcclain and she's going to rescue. And then it becomes oh. this whole different thing where Nene gets to the mainframe and starts doing that, you know, go left. All right. Use the door on your right. You know, and, and it becomes the, like a whole different dynamic, but it was really fun to watch. Uh, for me, for me, when I saw the character with the camera, she looked very similar to Serena slash Usagi from Sailor Moon, Moon, the original, the season one, where she was, she goes into a news to a uh, what do you call it broadcast station and disguise as a reporter. To me, those two look very similar, but at the same she, time, I think Usagi still has. I mean, because Lucy had short hair and Usagi's yeah. got the long pigtails. That's Usagi true, but she used her Serena. disguise pen and transformed that way. Okay, but I just. I, to me, the, Lucy's character reminded me. She seemed like um, a background character that I had seen in in Writing Bean a little bit. Like oh. I felt, I felt like I had seen that. I felt, I'm not sure where, but I felt like s- at least somebody from this is in Gunsmith Cats. Maybe the the black police captain guy. I'm not sure who it was, but somebody I feel like I saw before uh, in a different show. So I'm I'm eager to rewatch Gunsmith Cats and Writing Bean and see where where that thought process goes. I did. I found it kind of funny that yes, the reporter is the police chief's daughter, but it has to be Nene of all people to have to babysit her the whole time. Yeah. Which again was 
a funny a funny choice. I thought uh, we've already talked about the the uh, what do you call it the speeding ticket scene and how they picked on her weight. Mm-hmm. Then you have the paperwork montage scene. <laughs> that sounds I exciting. I've never seen so much uh, enlightenment for seeing someone to get done with their paperwork for the day. Yeah. That random so the, scene of Leon just scaring Nene. Yeah. The the thing is that... Uh, I got an ear in my ear pods. Um, yeah, that was, a, <laughs> that was a great scene. So, so Lucy is tailing Nene because she is pretty sure that she's a nightsaber. And she's trying to expose the nightsabers. And that was actually a really interesting thing that they did with the story is that they sort of play out this dynamic that although we see the this from the perspective of the nightsabers, um, other characters in the show who are paying attention uh, may actually not know that the nightsabers... It's like kind of like um, the idea that... So Batman fights crime in, in the Batman universe, but there's sort of a perspective on maybe he's not actually the good guy. You know what I mean? Um, and that's kind of how they handle it is that the night sabers are, are um, they're mercenaries is what they are. They, they work for the people who pay top dollar. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. uh, that's not always, that's not always, or not even usually the good guy who's paying top dollar for mercenaries. You know what I mean? So that was a, a very interesting thing that, that you may not have considered, which is another reason I really liked episode eight is that they painted things in sort of a different perspective. Um, and uh, they sort of, you that sort of evolved as it goes on and, and again as i said the it blurs the character versus the battle suits it blurs in this one because nene is in her battle suit while helping uh lucy to escape and then when lucy finally gets to the room where nene is she sees her is like oh it is her uh, she is the the, the night saber you know uh, and it was just a also, also, just going back to the diehard thing there's a bunch of scenes where the cops are outside of the the tower, you know, the Nakatomi building, so to speak. And there are a bunch of shots of them, you know, talking into like the megaphone type radio thing. And it looks like it's straight out of Die Hard. So I love it. it. (laughs) One of the twists I liked in this episode is, and yes, it does originate from the Genom building. However, this time it's not the corporation who's doing this. It's a, uh, it's a, let's see. Low, what do you call it? An entry employee who knows a lot, wants to prove himself, but can't get anywhere within the company. So he decides to take all these prototypes since they're inefficient, get some real estate, makes his own. I joked when, when my wife and I were watching that episode that he was uh, the Grinch. He's like, no, 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 these are defective. I got to take them back to my shop to fix them up. You know, go back to bed, little Sally. You know, <laughs> yeah. So um, I kind of, I didn't, I, I should have. You're right. That's that's what was going on. But I actually perceived it differently because I kind of, I kind of, again, watching things and sort of. 10 minute or so increments. I kind of disassociated that beginning part with the scene we were just talking about. And I was thinking about him kind of the way that, um, uh, like let's say school shooters or sort of the, the bomber in uh, Texas recently, uh, the, the sort of mindset behind, um, immortalizing your name, you know, like, even though you're doing something that nobody likes, you know what I mean? Like the guy who killed John Lennon or whatever, you know, it's like you do it for fame and it's like, yeah, you're doing it 
you know, you're doing something that pretty much everybody hates you for, but, uh, and it's funny because you, uh, who even remembers the name of the guy who shot John Lennon? You know what I mean? I like, know. it's just a, it's just a thing where you, you sort of, nobody thinks about like, do you remember the names of the kids at Columbine? No, you know, you got to look it up. You, you just remember the incident, you know? So it, it kind of felt like that was a, a motivating factor. He kind of, he kind of says that that everybody I'll be famous kind of thing for, for all this stuff. Right. When he, when he starts well, hijacking he, the building, he wants to be famous so he can sell better weapons than where he used to work at. Yeah. And, but it, it's funny because it's, it, it seems like, I don't know. It's just, it's just bizarre. And one of the things that, that we sort of skipped over before was um, what was the name of the guy? I think it was Mason. Um, yeah. I was really surprised when they killed Mason early on in the show. Oh yeah, like that. I was like, huh. You know? Yeah. So that was uh, that was kind of intriguing that they that they went that route. Anyway. So Hurricane Live. Yeah. Anything to say about that? Nope. I don't think I watched that one. That's the music video. Yeah, that's the music video. Uh, let's I, see. I think I. I watched. I can tell you which music video I did watch. The Holiday in Bali live action special with the original Night Saber voice actors. 13 music videos. Oh, wait, no, that's no, I didn't watch that. Sorry, that was that was the overall stuff. I, I that's not what disc one had. <laughs> disc one, six music videos. The Tokyo 30 2032. There's a hurricane tonight. Then I also watched There's a Hurricane Tonight live. Uh, Mad Machine, Wild and Scared. Touchdown to Tomorrow, which was live, and also the non-live Touchdown to Tomorrow version. So that's what I watched out of the Hurricane Live um, set, which had um, beyond that, there was also Victory, which I haven't watched, Crisis Run and with Anger, Devil and Angels Kiss, Say Yes, Soldier of Roses, Rock Me, and Jumping Heart. I didn't watch those ones. And because I'm a trooper, I watched all of it. So uh, the best way to describe the live action parts is it's like a pink ranger jamboree. Best best ranger. Um, for episode one, the touch to tomorrow is the only one that has newer animation footage. The rest is just like in theme clips of the show put together. Um, one of the things that was kind of missing from this is like a little watermark of the MTV logo, like at the corner of it. Yeah. I but just there's noticed not that... much to say. If you enjoy the enjoy the music and want to see like a early version of an AMV, go for it. Disc, uh, disc one says DVD multiplay on it. Do yes. any of you say that? Let's see. Do one all eight. or none of yours say that? DVD singular play. Only uh, one says that. Yeah, just yeah, one. Mine looks exactly like that. What? One sealed. What? One is sealed. One is still sealed on yours. No, I opened mine. That's how I watched it. Yeah, I have I have two that are sealed on mine. So I'm. Just, you said one is sealed. I'm like, no, two of them are sealed. Two are sealed. I, I didn't watch this one. I watched this one. So. Anyway, um, all right. So I guess that's pretty much it for. Oh no, we got to go through bubblegum crash. Yeah, it would be Which terrible. Luckily, actually... So now's the time. It. Now's the time to reveal that why we called it "Eat at Piss." Which that that tweet got removed because I had it in here ten times because Twitter is just terrible. With that. 
So how do you want to go about this? Should we go, should we treat this like a movie and talk about it at once or divide it up into three? I don't remember. Well, we got to divide it into three because episode two is very different from the rest of them. I have a question. So the first bubblegum crisis, they're double length episodes, 48 minutes. All of them are 45 to 50 minutes. There's one that's like 26. No, 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 no. Most of them were 30 to 35 minutes. One of them was only 26. They were oh, not. They were. I think episode one might have been 45 minutes, but the rest of them were actually way shorter than I thought they were going to be. Because you had you had brought that up, Augie, on Twitter, and I was looking at that, and I was actually looking for um, the length, lengthwise, how long things were, and I, it did not end up being at all what what you had led me. Fun time so, for my stuff said that they might have. Maybe, maybe because of the maybe because of the music videos, but the actual episodes themselves were actually much shorter than I thought they were going to be, um, by like five ten minutes. So, okay, because I watched everything full opening, full closing. Yep, so did I. I'm just saying and that when bubble I, when I crash is when regular I hit, episodes. They're about the same. Um, when I hit the button on the on the remote to see the the length. It was only like, you know, Bubblegum Crash is about 44 minutes, 45 minutes uh, each. But for Crisis, they were, a lot of them were like, you know, 31, 31 minutes. So, uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and illuminate the audience to what's going on here. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 this was a coffee shop that they showed numerous times in the, in the Bubblegum Crash, literally titled Piss. And inside the coffee shop, just in case you thought it was a weird typo here, say, inside say be gay. Inside what? the coffee, no, it's it's got uh, this. Yeah, this is written in Japanese. Um, oh, never mind. In in that's that is kind of funny. It does look like a G A Y. Yeah. <laughs> um, but inside the shop, they would also show which down I guess at the bottom floor is where it was actually taking place. You would see like the the out like the exit door like one of the sort of smaller exit side doors to the shop and it said piss on on written across the window too of the of the door that you could be open down there so that's why this is titled eat at piss um if you guys were curious uh, should have said drink at piss i i thought about that but i i figured that this i just didn't think that it would translate well and it wasn't just a it wasn't just a coffee shop if you actually see the way that it's animated it's very clearly a place where you could also get food but it's just that the characters were getting coffee each time so it's a cafe yeah it's a cafe piss cafe anyway um all right so now that we've gotten through that i can go ahead and uh we can start talking about this so i i kind of i've kind of forgotten what happens in episode three of this this uh oh no that's oh that was the one that was the one where um where cilia is talking to this guy who's like it's like that old ai is going to destroy people so earth can go back to yeah that was a crappy episode i was bored i i want to call this bubblegum crap because it it wasn't nearly episode three i thought episode three was pretty entertaining this wasn't nearly as good as uh is crisis to me i'll admit it kind of has more of a Charlie's Angel feel. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of Charlie's Angels. And you, you, you got to keep in mind, keep this in mind. I am not a sci-fi fan. Okay, there are very few I'm sci-fi right. series that I actually really like, and this I like, but not because of the sci-fi aspect. You know, like I said, 
I like the characters. I don't necessarily like the battle suits. You know, that that's just I'm not I'm not like uh, excited by the whole technology aspect of things. You know, oh they're hacking and they're doing it. like that doesn't. I'm like okay, well, I don't care. You know what I mean? It's just like it's not something that that I really enjoy. I like the you know the gun running, uh, car chases, kind of like that's the sort of thing that I like. That's one of the reasons why I really like cop series. You know, they had the shootouts and, and the strategic location. There actually was something in one of the episodes we didn't talk about where they did the paintball. Oh, that was pretty funny. Oh, um, yeah. They were doing their training. I think that's the same one with the. Uh, where we got introduced to where they get the repair stuff. Yeah. And it was really funny to see that uh, Celia just up and sacrificed Nene. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Every time. It was so funny. Um yeah, but that that actually that sequence there reminded me. There's a show that I really would. I I started watching it and I haven't finished it. Uh, it's like I I need to come back and rewatch it from the beginning. Is called Survival Games Club. What? Survival Games Club. Yeah, Surv Survival Games Club is a really fun show um, that is all about airsoft. Um, but they have like the moments in like sort of the imagination of it, where like they take it really seriously. It is a really fun fun show to watch. Um, so that, that, that kind of reminded that, um, but, uh, but yeah, just, just bubblegum, uh, bubblegum crash bubble starts like a few years after bubblegum yeah. crisis. Also, I'm just going to point out something that really bothered me about the artwork here is that they didn't cut out the negative space where her hand is touching her foot. What are you talking about? Mine doesn't have that. What? Let me see yours. Right here. What? <laughs> what is your barcode number? Hmm. Uh, top one or bottom one? The barcode, not not the the no, bottom one. Bottom. Is one. it seven seven three seven one eight seven zero zero three five zero nine? Yes. And on the spine, does it say AV two zero one dash zero six five? AV two zero one dash zero six five. So I must have gotten uh, an early printing of it, and then they noticed their mistake and fixed the document and started printing them the way yours looks. Because I bought this in, I bought this at like Barnes and Noble, um, or like I, you know, I bought it in a brick and mortar store years and years and years and years ago. Huh. I bought well, one that's, last. That's broadcast. an interesting thing. <laughs> yeah. All huh. right. So I wonder if anybody else has it. If you guys can. Uh, can uh, tell me if yours is like that. Um, tweet your picks to at the anime collector. Oh, wait, it's tweet, safer. No, it's cipher MC, but tweet, tweet them using hashtag OCA podcast. Uh, anyway, um, illegal army, illegal army. Yeah. I, that was the first episode. That's this was a Kano. lot of cannon flutter. Something I didn't actually mention uh, about episode three. Um, that was my favorite episode when I when it first opened. That opening sequence is so awesome. Uh, they had so much fun in, in episode three of Bubblegum Crisis, where they have this like, I don't maybe montage isn't the right way to describe it, but they just have like the the eighty police going into action and just it sets such a great tone um, for the episode. And they've got like this awesome scene where the AD police are parachuting in the mech suits out of helicopters in the middle of downtown. And it was so awesome. Even if the AD police shortly later got eviscerated by the robot, but it, it was really, it set such an awesome tone for that episode. Um, and uh, this one illegal army is, is similar, but not as well done where in they show the AD police and, 
they are so full of themselves at the AD police, even though it seems like, I mean, it's the only thing the audience sees, but it seems like the only thing that they're actually tasked with doing is piloting these little mech suits to go after boomers. And none of the boomers they fight are actually like, they don't even dent them. You know, all the boomers eviscerate the AD police. It just seems like such, they need to have an, uh, an even more advanced police department specifically to battle the stinking boomers. So for me, for the AD police mechs, they kind of look like something from Armored Core. But for uh, episode one, it's to introduce that some time has passed. What are people up to now? You see Pris, Pris dealing with silly, stylish, 90s, futuristic man who's pretty much a toss-away character, and sh as she's trying to climb her way to the idol thing. You see, as mentioned before, Lena going into stocks and trade. Nene is always going to beat Nene, and they haven't seen Sylvia for a while. Sylvia. Sylvia. Um, so the main conflict is you have these, these ex-soldiers. One looks like Kano, suspiciously. Trying to go go through infiltrate and grab and grab uh, newer technology, I believe, to destroy destroy the cops and gain control of the city, pretty much. Something else we didn't talk about real quick that just came to mind was the um, the upgraded suits and the by the end. Oh, the bubble crisis. To watch. Well, something that was interesting about that um, that I thought was interesting is that um, Nene's suit is pink from the waist down and blue from the waist up. Um, and her finalized suit was, was full pink. I thought that was interesting. Anyway, um, can I ask you a quick question? Can I see the back of your thing again? Do you have a white spot up here too? Here is mine again. No, so they didn't fix the white spot up there, but they fixed it where the where the big one was. So if bubblegum crisis is based on that uh, analogy of the bubblegum bubble popping, what is bubblegum crash? What is the meaning behind that? When it pops? Yes. Yeah, it's probably the crashing economy. Okay. So is this in were, like a worse in, state? They than were the in first the bubble one? economy and then and now it's the aftermath. Uh, so to speak, I, it, it's not really. I think it's just the title. I think it's just the titling yeah. of it to be was meant to be referring to what Japan was going through during the generation of the characters. So this is this is an interesting concept because I never would have guessed going into this that Bubblegum Crisis wasn't based on like a manga series. You know, I'm like a, I'm kind of weirded out that you didn't know that because every panel I've been to that wants to highlight some sort of. Uh, Cyberpunk always mentions that fact. Okay, well, I don't. I don't go to panels. Again, I go to cons exclusively for the exhibit hall. So, sadly, I'm stuck with local cons that don't have good exhibit halls. Well, here's Luckily, the thing: there's AWA. This is, this is the catch twenty two of conventions: is that the exhibit hall, for the most part, is easy to get into. So, even when it's over overcrowded, at least you can get in. Smaller cons don't get the best panels bigger cons do but you can't get right. into the panels at bigger cons unless you've got the like premiere fan pass now that lets you cut in line you know yeah so we'll see 
Oh yeah, how did you feel about the different news announcers in Bubblegum Crash? Like one's an obvious nod to that Max Headroom, weird. which was more annoying than stylish. Yeah, that that was it was annoying. I mean, it wasn't like it didn't grate on your nerves so much that you couldn't continue to watch it, but it it was it was a stylistic choice that didn't feel necessary or even artistically merited, you know, like it just, uh, it, it felt like they were thinking it was going to be something that people would latch onto and it just wasn't. Um, but, uh, episode two with Adama to move on to that. Mm. You guys can chat mm. about short circuit some more. Let's see anything else that, I think Adama oh, yeah, was so... clearly a reference to Adam. It was meant to reference Adam. Well, probably. So how the episode begins is there's thugs chasing after this robot trying to get to Geo City. Two of them, two of the thugs, one looked like Guile from Street Fighter, and the other one kind of looks like a nod from uh, Tartan from G.I. Joe. But as he's yeah. escaping the bad guys, he... He accidentally ends up with Pris, which, for some strange reason, she has a racism against boomers. <laughs> some which, strange. You mean a, a prejudice against killing machines? Um, so the thing is that first of all, um, you skipped over the part where Adama gets sold to the uh, to the junk shop guy. Yeah. Um, the guys who sell him. Uh, you want to talk about that one guy's haircut? <laughs> Do you remember what he looked like? Silly. He had a bald head with a bandana on and a couple of like Tommy Pickles or Doug style. Like just, it, it was like Charlie Brown kind of hair, you know, just like a little, a long scraggly hair coming out. It, that was just the weirdest design. I feel like I've seen in a long time. Like I couldn't tell, was he a burn victim? You know, <laughs> it's really bizarre character design on, on their, on their part. Um, and then the character of Adama, um, who is basically just a robot. He kind of looks like Rob the robot from uh, the old um, NES days. So just like uh, Johnny Five. (laughs) Okay. Um, They put him in an outfit. I know, Johnny Five from Short Circuit, enough. (laughs) They put him in an outfit with like the striped sleeves and stuff. And just the character felt like, this is one of the reasons why I didn't really care for the episode. I didn't really like Bubblegum Crash compared to Bubblegum Crisis. Is he felt like those old movies that came out in the 80s and 90s where it's like, Clint Eastwood starring opposite a chimpanzee, you know, and it just, it felt like when Dunstan checks in was like, there's the chimp craze in Hollywood that I, I just, I never got attached to that where they, where they made the, the monkey, the main character, you know, and it just, that's what it felt like they were kind of doing where, uh, and there's a lot of like obvious eighties tropes that they executed really well in Bubblegum oh, yeah. crisis, you know, um, where it's like, okay, this is a very eighties thing. It's like, they're handling it well. You know, Bubblegum Crash, that felt like the, the sort of uh, sidekicky, you know, Jar Jar Binks chimpanzee type oh, character. And it just didn't, it didn't, he, he's a little bit less, he's more tolerable than Binks, right? But it just, it felt like, uh, okay, here's the character, here's what he does, and all right, I'm ready for the show to continue. And it's like, oh, no, no, we're going to stick with this character the entire episode. Like, oh, God. You know, kind of, that's, that's sort of how it felt to me. 
Well, the good news is, is I remember the city that he needs to go to. The bad news is he said it over 30 times. That's probably the main reason why he didn't like them. Yeah, going to Geo City, and I, yeah, all I could think about was those old websites with the with the animated fire. <laughs> um, so what I found, what I liked about the episode is Pris having to work with something that she didn't want to, but having to use a group dynamic to get through the situations, kind of like a weird escort mission. Hang on, there's a there's this thing called. Uh... The GeoCities, Izer. You can. What is you can that? I'm not, I didn't get online make, until 2004. What? You can make any website look like GeoCities. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna apply it to Anime News Network. How's it look? Sure. It's it's loading. Hold on. This looks terrible. <laughs> Hold on. Let me try right stuff. It's rightstuff.anime.com? Yes. Uh, no, rightstuff.anime.com. Right stuff right stuff anime. No doubt. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this takes me back. <laughs> well, you got to share the class. <laughs> this is exactly what it was like browsing the internet back in the day. It's all, it's the all terrible... Facebook. The terrible, like, space. yeah, like the gif of a rose with blood dripping off the the backgrounds that don't quite tile correctly. Uh, the animated 3D woman. <laughs> this is, yeah, the, the spinning, the gif of spinning oh 3D objects for no reason. The counter. <laughs> this was on every website back in the day. It's like, there's how many people are coming to my site south out of control. It's total, it's just total BS. I gotta, I gotta do another one. Um, Ooh. Uh, that's pretty YouTube. much day for this episode. Um, oh, well, there's the bad guy. The bad guy show. Anyway, so they were going to Geo. Oh, here's the dancing baby. Yeah, they were going to Geo City, which is. <sighs> Which GeoCities is the was the internet uh, website making service back in the day. So the whole reason why he went to GeoCity was a doctor who made him got killed, and he has the information to put this person to justice. Not only that, but the doctor who made him was the partner of Celia's dad. Yep. And there was a third partner who was the one who killed him. Yeah. Pretty much. It's kind of self-explanatory when you put all the cards in play. Yeah. Um, Cilia, i just say this, Cilia's character kind of felt like she was the teen mom of one of the other characters. Pretty much. Because she seems like... Then again, she is like, uh, what, 28? Yeah, I don't want to use the word MILF, but it, I just kind of felt like... <laughs> she just felt MILF. like a much she older is. character. Uh, <laughs> she felt like a much older character... Um, Compared to everybody else, like it, it just it was. No, she would be the right age. It was yeah. a weird dynamic. It was just a weird dynamic. Also, her brother, who was um, lecherously always trying to look at her, change. Mm. Well, forgive the brother. He was in a crisis. He was like what, ten, twelve? Ten? I don't think so. No. How old were the characters? In, in I mean, Nene was working as a police officer. She had to be at least eighteen, right? 
Nana is older than she wasn't fourteen. Chris Chris was the youngest one. Chris was nineteen. That's that's Nana was like twenty. Chris has been smoking. Uh, Lena was was twelve. Twenty two, twenty four. I don't know, but uh, um, that's that's kind of goes back to what I mean about it's like weird. I want to see sort of the origin stories, how they all got together and became friends, and then joined the Night Sabers kind of thing. Just feels so weird because they 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 don't seem like a group that would be friends outside of uh, outside of being the Night Sabers. You know what I mean? It seems like their worlds are so different. I can see those three get along quite well. Well, but what I'm saying is that the the age and the world that they sort of occupy is so out there that it just doesn't seem like you would even interact enough to become friends with somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Funk Gun asks, is it incredibly slow loading too? I'm assuming that's referring to the uh, the GeoCities thing. It's, like, it's actually pretty fast. So <laughs> it's not exactly accurate to how it was browsing the internet in the, in the 90s. But, it's not uh, authentic. Yeah, it's not not super authentic, but it, it gives you the part that's fun and fun to reminisce and, and enjoy, like the counters and stuff. But um, when I first I first tried to go to Anime News Network with that thing, and it didn't bring up any images. All the images were the little can't load thing, and I think that was the joke. But uh, but I, I had to find a different one to show oh, you guys because no. that's another thing that happened in the '90s. I remember right clicking, reload image, reload image, reload image, and just doing that for like an hour, and then finally the image would load up. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, so. Celia's Mac, uh, Celia's brother's name is Mackie. Mackie, yeah. Uh, and and Funk Gun had mentioned that Mackie got mech time in episode eight, uh, where he was he was at he was beside Nene, uh, which it was yeah. really it was cool to see them bring Nene her suit, and then Mackie was there helping to hack the system and everything. Uh, that was a fun episode. Oh yeah, uh, it was in that episode where where I figured that he. He and Nene might pair up together, even though there's a Leon in there, there to entangle the web. It was in Crash, where it kind of hinted that the two might become a couple, maybe, or might be interested in each other, since they kind of briefly flirted, flirted back and forth. Or maybe I just uh, want to see ships go. Yeah. Well, uh, after after the uh, the sneak up boo moment, I don't know. <laughs> That's a that's a make or break move in a relationship. <laughs> You're talking about Nene and Leon, right? No, I was talking about Nene and Mackie. Oh, and Mackie. Um, yeah. I didn't really, I didn't really pick up on that vibe. Oh, <laughs> uh, when we get to the end of episode three, I'll tell you what I, who I think will end up with Leon. Yeah, the oh. the uh, Lucky Charms guy. <laughs> oh my god! No, I'm more complicated <laughs> than that. Um. Uh, so that's pretty much it for episode two of crash i would think um so i'll say that regarding the character design um i really liked uh i i it was super appropriate to the time frame and stuff i really liked uh lena's um haircut design the way it looked when it was animated uh that was a really nice touch uh to to how the show was skipping episode three aren't you no, I'm just saying okay. I, I wanted to bring it up so I didn't forget to bring it up later. Yeah, to Go me, ahead. for Lena's design, if you can show it, it kind of reminds me of like a Nabiki this Tendo. Is a bad, this is a bad image of her, but uh, let me see if I can, see if I can find Let's a better see. one. What, what image now, do I have? You have to see it. You have to see it in motion, like the way that the way that they showed like her head, like turning and stuff, like oh, did really. 
Well, here's the image I have, and I don't think that helps. No, that's that's one of the same images I have. Oh, let me see. Um, Poor Chris. She's she's in a rocker girl outfit, so it doesn't really show that well. <clears throat> There's also this one. No, it's the same image. <laughs> anyway, there, there, there must not be a lot of uh, images to go around for the show. Because <laughs> um, one of the things they said, by the way, can I see the disc you have for uh, Bubblegum Crash? Yeah. Can I just see what the disc looks like? There it is. Ooh. Okay, so it is. it does look similar to mine. You don't have the liner notes, though. No. And yeah, that's strange, because this was sealed. Yeah. But yeah. again, you have a later print, because yours has that, that problem on the back fixed. So maybe they didn't do liner notes the whole time. Yeah, probably. Then again, why would you need <laughs> linear notes for a DVD at this point? I don't know, just because... Usually cause that's like a translation card for VHS. I, I think that... I wonder if the reason... I don't know. It's kind of weird. I wonder if they made these because they expected you to take them out and put them in like a filing box and like, oh yeah, bubblegum crash, you know, because <laughs> they've got the tabs. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, let's see. Let me go through my... Like a Rolodex of uh, a liner <laughs> notes. <laughs> oh, that's what those things are called. A Rolodex. Really dating myself here with the old Rolodex talk. Maybe I should uh, turn my pager on silent too while I'm at it. Anyway, um, is your phone Nokia? <laughs> hey, those phones. The, you know, I'm I'm actually considering getting out of the smartphone world and going back to the old flip phones uh, or a Nokia that'll never break. Random times. Yeah, that's probably one of the major contributors to why I want to do that. No, um, I'm I'm that's actually fun. really. I'm actually really concerned about the the 5G implementation uh, coming soon, but uh, we'll see where that goes. Oh. I'm kind of sensitive to EMF uh, waves. Thing 5G uses milliwaves instead of microwaves, and I'm I'm a little concerned. But that's just well, I don't want to go into that. I didn't know anyway, if you're sensitive. I because when you get away from it, you you feel better. Uh, there's a place I think it's in Georgia. Forget where it is. There's a town where it's like there's some military thing there where you can't have any radio transmitting technology, no Wi-Fi, nothing. And if you ever visit that place, um, it's bizarre how peaceful it feels. Um, there is a my mom uh, told me about this documentary she watched one time where there was a town, I think it was in Alaska, where they had to shut off uh, in order to repair all the power lines. Um and they shut off all the power lines, uh, and they actually went out and filmed wildlife at the moment where they turned them back on. And there were all these bears that they were filming. And as soon as the moment they switched those switches back on and had, had them transmitting power and everything again, all the bears got up on their hind legs and roared into the sky. So you tell me. I mean, it's, it's, it's affecting living beings in some way and i'm just a little bit more sensitive to it than i think a lot of people are it, uh, it's like a uh, it's like living in a fog um to, to put it simply and i feel okay. like I feel I just, that, that toy company made the fog action figure there's nothing I mean, like a they the like mist? box cotton oh fog. the one from was that from uh lost what was that from the fog. The fog. Is there a movie called The Fog? Yeah. 
Don't you sure you're not thinking of The Mist? It's probably The Mist. Oh, there's a movie called The Fog. Huh. With its, flo- its fog-slinging action. The Mist is great. That's the one with um, Thomas Jane. There's a Stephen King one where they get trapped in the yeah, supermarket. The anyway, back to... Uh, and the back to, back to the bubblegum crash. Well, what's sad about The Mist being just this thing of cotton in a box? There's three versions of it. <laughs> Different colors. No, different, different volumes. Oh, let me. Uh, yeah, Final form. Here it is. So okay, so this I thought I was I'd seen this before. I thought this was a joke. Uh, no, me, uh, sold it. Yeah, let me uh, go ahead and sold it in. Uh, uh, I can't. Okay, at least can stop. God, God rest its soul. I'm going to screen share so everybody knows what we're talking about. Cause this has got to be really annoying that uh, we're talking about something and we keep, we keep talking about this thing instead of going back to bubble uh, crash. This is, this is an action figure he's talking about, or it's like it's torn apart. Um, uh, cotton balls <laughs> stuck in a plastic thing and sold to people. All right. So back to crash, you're mentioning the different designs. And we started with a simple one, Lena. Which yeah. Tomboy it's li- <laughs> Some Fog. Okay, anyway. <laughs> this was titled. Oh gosh. I like to see somebody who bought all those and combined them into the Master Fog. <laughs> anyway, so um <laughs> uh yeah, so so the final episode um was kind of a snooze fest for me because it just I I, I, I I'm really I I felt yeah. the to me it was intense the whole time because you have Boomers reprogramming boomers. You have this drilling truck trying to drive itself into this atom, into the nuclear. Like I said, it's a sci-fi plot point that I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of just, I just, I can't, I don't get on board with it as easily. For me, the only sci-fi movie that I would say I really like is the Terminator. It's the only one. Um, Terminator, and I wouldn't even consider this sci-fi. I consider it sci- sci-fantasy. Uh, Chronicles of Riddick. You know, it's like the only two that I actually really legitimately enjoy. And Alien, uh, specifically Aliens, Alien 2. Um, but I think that the storytelling aspect of that is why I like it rather than the sci-fi aspect. You know what I mean? In, in yeah. fact, that's true with all, all the ones I talked about. It's like, I don't I don't like... There no, are people who love sci-fi. Okay, but I'm just saying, there are people who love sci-fi and anything that's sci-fi, they get really like lasers and stuff. They're just totally... For me, it's like... Um, it's not it's not the draw for me. So the plot point here in in the third episode was a very sort of sci-fi kind of thing and I'm just like right. I'm uh, I was bored of it. I I, I much prefer uh, the on the ground man versus man kind of uh struggle right. for life or well, or for even me, the robot uh, Technically I'm not really exposed to sci-fi that well. I know more fantasy fantasy. Okay. But looking at this <laughs> from a drama aspect this was pretty intense for me. Okay. I just, I got a part, part of it for me was again, I was holding a baby through a lot of watching it. And at this point it was constantly, uh, there's, there's a scene where Celia goes through this weird out of body type experience where all of a sudden she's naked. I like the universal twist that she went through. You're missing the point. What I'm saying is that my son's watching this with me and it's kind of, it's kind of like getting his attention and like, no, you can't watch it. Don't watch, you know, kind of parenting aspect of it that sort of took over a lot of, a lot of uh, the, the, 
part of what maybe I should be immersed in the story, but I'm in parenting mode kind of thing. So uh, I'll just in things with you when you because they need the- to be they need to be finished today for the podcast tonight. Okay. <laughs> And I, I have, I have two kids, and it's a difficult thing wrangling, having to, having to watch um, the kids so that my wife can make lunch, you know, and then they can eat, and then I can go to bed, and then I can get up to do the podcast at night, you know. So it's, it's a whole big thing, all right. It's. Can I talk? Yes, please. Okay. Are you sure? Yes. All right. <laughs> tell me, tell me how much you love episode three. All right, so um, you have the truck drilling into the nuclear facility. You have Leon and his Lucky Charms assistant trying to get the get the manager for the nuclear place. That's the wrong term, but the person in charge to try to handle the situation and power off everything. And the two are in like debating the whole time. Then the knights come in to try to stop the major threat or the bigger, the bigger uh, cause of commotion. So they go to it. It's revealed that a character from before, Lando, is still alive. Lando was uh, supposed to be Largo? considered the, what? Largo. Largo. Largo was considered to be dead, but apparently he's still alive. And even though he said he was alive. Also, along these other episodes, prior to the third one, there's like a brief instance where it's hinting to this final conclusion. So, oh, okay. fi- hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, real quick. Um, so, I'm I'm looking up a picture of I'm trying to find a picture of the uh, of the the Lucky Charms guy just so that we can establish it. And I, I remembered the reason I thought Bubblegum Crisis was based on a manga is because they went on to produce one called Bubblegum Crisis Grand Mall. So there actually right. is a, a manga series uh, afterward. And also I found some pictures that demonstrate uh, Lena's hair a little bit better than, but, but we'll get to that after you're done. Also, apparently Nene is not in 2040. So that show can't possibly be any good. Huh. It's different. She, she so, doesn't, she's not the same character. Anyway, go maybe, ahead. Maybe they replaced so, her with that other girl that you want to become a knight, whatever. Break up? We don't know. I mean, we need to watch it. No, it looks like it looks like Lena and and Le- Lena and Nene both look like they were replaced um, by characters that are new characters. Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue so on. going back. Uh, so the whole so throughout episode one of Bubblegum Crisis to the to this point of Crash, I have not read the in between manga, which makes sense. Um, for Celia. Or say, say her name again. Celia. Celia. There's been this mis- this huge mystery of her being able to telecommunicate with other boomers. It sort of gets revealed at this point as we found out that Largo turns out to be Mason all along. Mm-hmm. And then they both mindly can go through this universal twist of self-discovery and pretty much... Mason wanting his way to take over the world using her as the key, which she breaks away from. And then, then after she breaks away from that, everyone starts being the bad guy and stops the whole situation. And Leon is relaxed. I finally found a picture of, uh, of the, 
the guy. Oh my god! I think I just found a picture of the. Oh no, no, this is Blender. I thought. Oh well, here. Okay, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you guys a series of images real quick. First of all, Augie, I think you're gonna like this one. Dang it! I gotta go out of full screen again. Um, come on. Screen share. That. Is this the scramble uh, one, or are some of these characters from Gal Force? Are these all Bubblegum Crisis? There's Celia, there's Pris, there's Nene. Looks like they're all from Bubblegum Matthew. Crisis. Yeah, it looks like they are, but so is this Nene again and again and again? Well, there's Lena. Yeah, here, here's Celia more than once, and there's Reka. So where's the? Here's Leon. See Pris like five times. Yeah, here's Pris again. Um, and then here's Cynthia, I think her name was. And then there's yeah, the here's the little boy and the mom who got crushed in the apartment. Uh, here's the police guy. Um, so where's the where's Lucky Charms? <laughs> anyway, um, hold up. Oh wait, go back, go back. Okay, Lucky Charms. Look at the lower left. You have oh, here, here. Chris. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, this one. I don't know why this one is giving me this. Let's see if I can. I don't know which image I clicked on. I think this is probably one of the images of uh, Lena that I was gonna. Yeah, like her. Her. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's. Um, let me. That's not okay. So this is what I was talking about. Her. Her hair was animated. It. It felt. It. It really worked. Something about it really worked in the show. Kind of reminds uh, me of um, Battle Doll Alita. Battle Angel Alita? Yeah. Whose name is Galley. All right, Gungum. Gungum. With the so bow see Chris. This is the, the Lucky Charm guy, except he's not wearing the earring. What? What? Hmm. Oh, I was naming what? the characters again. All right. So let's see. There's Reka. Choose the character I want to see. And then here's the... Uh, well, here's... That was Blender. I thought this was the, the one I remembered seeing, but it's not um, from back in the day. And where is... I clicked on a picture here. So here's the... So we've got... Um, I don't know. Maybe they're all new. This is definitely Pris's outfit. Yeah. But Lena's outfit's different. Uh, or Lena's character is different. This is Nene's outfit, but this character is different. And this would be... Cilia. I thought at first that it was Cilia and Pris, but obviously that's not it. Um, so this character, so they're all different in 2040, is what I'm getting at. Okay. So that's that's a shame because the best characters are all gone. And now, um, well, can get back to episode three. Yes. So after the big bout, the guys arrested. They all say goodbye to. Uh, Give their goodbyes to Celia because she's going to join her brother in Germany. Right. No, that was a weird. That was a weird plot point. Uh, they stop. They kind of interrupt the show for a moment to uh, to have him say, "Hey, can you? Can I ask you a question? Please come to Germany." Like, okay. He's like, "Let's get this done quick for Celia." I was like, oh. "No, she's like going to come back after a month." Yeah, it's it was weird. It was just a weird derailment of the show that seemed out of place and it kind of seemed like they were trying to set up a sequel almost 
they no, didn't have they maybe, would maybe grand i don't know it was weird so maybe that's why uh maybe that's why silly is not in 2040 but uh you're, you're forgetting the best part everyone's hungry and then all three and all three that were left spot Leon. That's their meal ticket. Mm-hmm. Which which leads me to believe at the end of this that Leon ends with how it ends, Leon ends up with Pris, Lena, Nene, and uh, uh Lucky Charms. Maybe <laughs> he paid for everyone's meal. Anyway, so um, uh, do you have anything else you want to say about Bubblegum Crisis? Or you're, uh, Bubblegum I guess Crisis. we could say, did you did you enjoy it? I mean, I did enjoy Bubblegum Crisis. I did enjoy Crash as well. I can see Crash being di- different. It's obvious Crash has a different atmosphere than Crisis. However, yeah. since the pace is consistent and there's always something going on, and it doesn't feel like a dead to me, it doesn't feel like there's a dead moment. I'd recommend this. Okay. And both of them. I will say this. If you think about Bubblegum Crash as a continuation of Bubblegum Crisis, that is to say that Bubblegum Crisis is not actually eight episodes, it's 11 episodes, I'll say that overall, yeah, Bubblegum Crisis is worth seeing, but it peaks early. It peaks before the end. Now, keep in that's, mind... That's, my, that's what I'll say about it. Like, I wouldn't say, oh, don't bother watching Crash. I just didn't think it was as good. Um, now, keep in mind, originally, Bubblegum Crisis was supposed to be 15 episodes each, an hour long each. But okay. then they kind of drafted and proposed what we got got right now. Yeah. So, so what's left in this series? So we have 80 police files, 80 okay. police, parasite dolls, and uh, Bubblegum Crisis 2040. And technically, there's scrambled wars, but that's only VHS that's only. Yeah. That's VHS only. So there's AD police. This is actually AD police files. Files one through right. three. Then there's AD police. The show. Is this Leon? It's not Leon. Right? I don't know. That's not his uh, Lucky Charms guy. No, um, not and, then, Charms guy. and then there's uh, Parasite Dolls, which feels real out of place. They feel real me. out of place, but apparently that's supposed to take after Crash. Okay, so I should start putting these in my collection in a different way. Um, <clears throat> and then there's Bubblegum Crisis Tokyo 2040, which again, we were just talking about. It's got different characters in it. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, so by the way, this takes the original show takes place in 2032, I think? Yep. Yeah, so, so there's that. Uh, now, Going forward, we have planned out the next couple podcasts, um, watch clubs already. So I want to go over some of those with you guys because uh, we've got April, which is going to have two podcasts in it. And then after that, we've got um, May, which actually has three podcasts in it. I think that every year we're going to have at least one month that ends up having three, uh, the way that sort of things work out. Um, and uh May is Maid's May. So we're going to do Maid theme show. So April uh, for the first podcast is going to be sort of our April Fool's podcast. We're going to do uh, Photon the Idiot Adventures, which recently got re-released by um, Discotech. 
And then Augie and I are going to do something else that Augie is pushing me to watch called Sergeant Kabuki Man. Yes, Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. This is a trauma film that originally Namco, the video game company, was trying to create a mascot character for their theme park. They approached Troma for this since they liked Toxic Avenger, and they asked them to come up with a character. They came up with Sergeant Kabuki Man and funded the film. Later on in the film's production, they decided not to use the character as a mascot, but allowed them to continue to make this movie. Okay. Also to note, uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD apparently got a was played on G4 at one point. Okay. As well. So, so Augie and I are going to watch, we're going to watch that in addition to Photon, the idiot adventures. Uh, And we'll talk about that at at the end of the podcast. So we'll do Photon, the idiot adventures first. Um, So you guys are welcome to join in too, but because it's not technically anime, we didn't want to make this like a main focus of the podcast. Uh, And again, this is just sort of, hmm? there is something else since it's a trauma film. If you go to uh, their their uh, YouTube page, mm-hmm. you can watch the majority watch of their movies for free. Yeah, so hmm. um, so that's worth noting as well. But uh, again, that's just like kind of sort of a side thing. Now, the next podcast in April, um, we're going to watch Razafon uh, and the movie. So that was actually suggested by that Mecha guy for um, Mecha March. But we decided to do Gunbuster and bubblegum crisis but because the second one in april is sort of a free like dealer's choice free for all we can do whatever we want we decided that uh we're going to go ahead and do that one then going into maids may the first uh podcast in may we're going to watch uh mayo cheeky as as you i I assume incorrectly are pronouncing this because it would be mayo correct it would be mayo cheeky if anything Um, i looked it up you can read stuff all day Okay. Ma. I know. Yo. Chi. Key. All right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> then the second week, we're going to be watching, uh, or the second podcast, rather, in May, we're going to watching. We're going to be watching Ladies versus Butler, uh, and then the third podcast in May, we're going to watch Miss Kobayashi's Maid Dragon. So I wanted to give you guys a heads up on that uh, because Miss Kobayashi's Maid Dragon is going to come out in April uh, on DVD, and I wanted to give you some time to uh, to be able to acquire it and be able to watch it um, in time for that final podcast in May. And then, did we have one? Oh, something else we haven't we we should start discussing this. We haven't come up with a theme for June. We can do no theme and just have it be a free for all because it's nice to have breaks where we can do things that aren't specifically themed. Um, we considered Jose June or Judo. There's June. like barely any Jose yeah, shows. I'm with, I'm with that. I'm All with, right. Um, I'm, I'm just verbalizing it. So everybody's on the same page. Oh, I'm not offended or anything. I'm just saying. So I was thinking we could do Judo June and just kind of have that be all martial arts. Um, so I'm curious what you guys think. Like, would you guys like to do that? Uh, I would love to do Yawara, a fashionable Judo girl. But the problem is that they didn't release the whole show. So this is all we've got is this. How many episodes five, is that again, that collection? Uh, all the way up to 40 plus extras. Um, but no. Yeah, that's a bit. You know what? 
Anime, if you're watching, you still own this? Could we do a, could we do a Kickstarter on this guy to get it fully dubbed and uh, released over here? That'd be really nice. Um, a quick note for Yuara. Apparently, when Rama was airing, that show was its rival at the time. And this is from the creator of Master Keaton and Monster. Just throwing that out there. And 20th Century uh, Boys. All right. Why am I blanking on his name again? Naoki Urasawa. Oh, yes. Um, anyway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I guess that's basically it. So, I want to know if, if, if you guys are interested in us doing martial arts... We, we, had, we had also thought about doing Martial Arts March and, and splitting up Mecha March into one week would be Mecha March and the other week would be Martial Arts March. Um, and then we thought, well, we could ditch that and do Judo June. I'm just curious what you guys think, if, if, if you think that would be worth it. And just, just so that we can verbalize it for anybody who's not a part of the OCA podcast group on Facebook, which is linked in the description. And I, I you know, if you enjoyed the, uh, the podcast, I invite everybody to, uh, um, to actually, you know, go over there and, uh, and take part in our community discussions and suggest topics and stuff that way. Uh, but we are going to be doing, let's see. So June, July, I was thinking we would do Samurai July. Um, Samurai July. And then we could also do Shoujo I July, but I, I think, uh, I think Samurai July would work. Uh, better also AI uh, July, but I don't think there's a lot of shows that deal with um artificial intelligence oh there's plenty uh, I, of shows that I, deal I, there's with artificial plenty but i feel like i feel like we would run out uh relatively quickly quickly going forward for things that would actually be something you'd want to do right uh then august we don't have anything from there and then september we considered doing psycho september for like a psych stuff with psychological elements then going into october we'd have sort of the halloween horror shows uh and then um December, the first podcast would be whatever we want, and the second podcast is sort of the Santa slash Christmas theme. And then just to just to round it out back to where we're at, um, January is going to be um, sort of dealer's choice. And then February, as we did this year, uh, first month, uh, first podcast of the month is the Valentine's Day, so sort of a romance one. Second one is fan service February, and then March is, of course, Mecca March. Um, so anyway, if you guys have any ideas and you want to share those with us, please let us know. Uh, that'll be beneficial going forward. Um, I personally, I would like to do judo June. I think that that would be a great thing to just sort of get through some more of the um, of the martial arts shows that are in my collection, and you know, be able to even just talk about uh, things like that. So I think that I think that would be fun. Do you guys have anything? Yep. The Samurai July, for some reason, when I think Samurai anime, I completely blank. I know there's got to be like a ton, but for some reason, Samurai I only X, think Peacemaker, Kuragane, Tsuki Ran, Tsuki Kage Ran. What's that other one uh, with the uh, Samurai Deeper uh, Kyo? Uh, yeah, so there's there's plenty. We got plenty we could do. There's the Samurai. That's one. Um, which I would, yeah, Samurai Seven. I, I'd rather do shorter because um, July yeah, is also July. Yeah. <laughs> July. Well, I mean, we could do Trust and Betrayal and Reflection, which are the Samurai X uh, titles. Um, but the thing is that uh, I'd like to do shorter simply because July is also when Anime Expo is. So I'm going to be a little bit like timing wise is going to be a little bit hard uh, for me to to be able to devote a lot of time for stuff. So speaking um, of short um, in yeah. December, I think there was a note saying something like something Christmas related. What about my yeah. Santa? That's really short. <laughs> 
Yeah, we, well, we could do Itsudate My Santa um, or Santa Company. Uh, last year we did Karos uh, because it takes place around Christmas, and I just wanted to, us to watch it. Um, so just to just to bring uh, make sure that it's really clear, so you can set it in your calendar if you want. The next podcast is going to be on April fifth. Uh, we're going to be watching Photon: The Idiot Adventures. After that, the next one after that will be April nineteenth. That's where we're going to be watching uh, Razafon. So that's so keep in mind, of course, you're going to be watching these things, and you'll be ready to to watch the podcast and discuss them on the fifth, and then Razafon on the nineteenth. The, the next one after that is May third, uh, where we're watching uh, Mario Chiki. The one after that is May seventeenth, where we're watching Ladies versus Butler, uh, Butlers, I should say. And the one after that is May thirty first, where we're watching Miss Kobayashi's Maid Dragon. Um, yeah. Wow, I've been saying it the wrong way all the time. You're right, Mr. Kobayashi Dragon Maid. Um, anyway, uh, and then I don't have any of them listed after that, but I might want to go ahead and, and do that. Also, are we we're coming up on ha uh, a year worth of uh podcasts? What, what is this? This is episode 22. So when we get to episode 26, which will be let's see if it's even gonna be listed here. So uh, 23 is going to be this one, 24, 25. So the one where we watch Ladies versus Butlers is going to be, um, that's going to mark us having the podcast going for a full year. Um, and by the way, something else I want to bring up, um, my son's birthday is in April. So um, I'm going to take my, my kids and my wife down to uh, my in-laws house at the beginning of April, or rather at the end of uh, March, uh, into the beginning of April for, um, for Easter. And then they're going to stay in California. I'm going to come back here and work uh, until the end of April. And then I'm going to go back and pick them up um, after uh, you know, I'll experience my son's birthday there and then bring them back, back here. Um, so, that means this is a sort of a behind the scenes update from the anime collector sort of thing. Um, I'm going to have time to finally finish the, uh, the grab bag video from, from this last anime expo. And just a heads up, I'm still going to do the actual giveaway eventually, but I'm probably going to stop doing that series after next year. Um, just because it is, it is eating up too much time. And the thing is that usually my wife and kids staying in California during the summer months because it's too hot for them in Arizona. Um, and this is, of course, this will be the first summer where I have two kids. So it's going to, things are going to shift up a little bit. Um, and uh, this year um, there was something different regarding the grab bag where I actually recorded a bunch of videos at anime expo. So that time frame when I normally would have worked on and got the grab bag series done was eaten up by producing the um, first impressions videos for uh, clear card prologue, um, the Lupin um, Italian game. Um, uh, what is that movie? Resident Evil Vendetta and yep. uh, the other one, Tokyo Ghoul. So that kind of ate up a lot of a lot of the time that I was working on um, stuff at uh, while my family was in California. So I'm I'm not quite done with uh, the grab bag video, no. and there is also. A ridiculously difficult scene to to censor in that uh, in that one that I'm almost done with, so uh, should have no trouble by the end of April uh, being done with that. So that's that's where that video has been, just to keep you posted on it. We had a brief change in the the suggestion list. Someone added the two titles. I just mm -hmm. want to hear. I just want to know if you confirm if those two titles are considered on the list. 
Um, Nuku Nuku <laughs> and Zagai. Mask of Zagai. No, I want. I, I'm gonna. Since you're being difficult about this, I'm gonna continue to be difficult about this. I'm not being but difficult. Ask for three. One of the three simple things. Either put those two on the on the list. First of all, right. I'm not. I'm not convinced that you originally said one of the three things. I mean, it should be recorded in the. Uh, yeah. Um, in the, the archive thing, so one, it, it not could, all three. It could look up. Uh, it could be something we could look up, but I'm just saying that I, I don't recall you actually saying one out of the three. I thought it was all three and no, they're kind of, they're three. kind of some two out of the three, if I recall are um, quite uh, ridiculous in terms of, um, in terms of, uh, you know, like I, they're just, they're not going to happen kind of thing. Um, so, so the, the behind the scenes, just so for anybody who's, who's unaware of what we're talking about, Augie doesn't want to watch Steinsgate. He just will it not doesn't. watch it. Um, and uh, What's that? the terms he what? set up some rather ridiculous terms that uh, we can't add Steinsgate to the watch list unless and the, the three terms which now he's claiming were only one of them needed to be fulfilled were yeah. that we either um, add Mask of Zagai and um, all purpose cultural cat girl Nuku Nuku uh, to the watch list or, or there, I forget one of them, but the other one was that I needed to use my uh, my artistic animation degree and and help some guy on YouTube who apparently is making um, a fan made Ronma cartoon that I'm supposed to be Ron involved in. Half the Declaration of Motherhood. Yeah, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> the um, one is a first impressions video of uh, cosplay oh, fish battle cosplay zone. Yeah, with my wife was the the stipulation, and the thing is that um, that doesn't uh, the format of of that show. I have to go to a premiere to make that show, or the only time we've ever broken away from that format was uh, the Netflix um, Death Note, which was in the same sort of theme because it was like it was fresh and new kind of in the theaters except that it was streaming online instead kind of like it was a new release so to speak um so i can't i'm not do, none of those can happen <laughs> i'm not doing any of those and and i'm just and because he's being difficult regarding steinsgate i'm going to be difficult continue to be difficult about mask of zagai which i don't want to sit through again and all-purpose cultural cat girl nuku nuku which was fun to watch once i don't need to see again <laughs> but i'm seeing something interesting something here. positive about nuku nuku <laughs> So why do you not want to watch Steinsgate that violently? Oh, the, fan, the local fan base are horrible around here. What's going on with this? Somebody's somebody's drawing it. <laughs> this is interesting. Huh. So I guess this is supposed to be Nene in the twenty forty version. Like, throw up. At least she's on the on the cover of the. This is the character that's on the cover of the Paul Champagne art box. Yeah. But I'm disappointed because these are my two favorite characters, and these are the ones that they like. And they look out. different. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> well, of course, because you're so uh, closely associated with the original. Though well, to be I, fair, you haven't actually watched the 2040 yet, so I'll, who knows? I'll sit down. I wish I, I kind of wish I had watched it first. Um, first, the, 20, the 2041, yeah. I think I actually put it in at one time and, and started watching it and was bored. I, there's a lot of shows that don't grip me. Um, Darker than black. I started to watch and I just like, I could not get into it. Um, well, but a lot of it, one that you would like, 
Uh, well, a lot of it, again, is sort of the mental state that I'm in. And remember I was discussing sort of the EMF radiation, the, the yeah. sensitivity to it. I, ever since smartphones were invented, have there has been like one show that I distinctly remember being able to sit down and watch from beginning to end and be really enthralled in the show and not feel like my, my mind is elsewhere. And that one show was erased. Okay. Every other show that I've watched, um, I may be able to experience 60 to 70% of it and be involved. Um, that's, that's a pretty high margin considering, you know, depending on the show, but most other shows just, I'm not, I'm not able to get, uh, focused on it. And I just, I, it's, I think a lot of it is EMF sensitivity from just how much bombardment I'm getting on a daily basis of, you know, cell towers and all that stuff. It just drives, it's driving me nuts. You know, I, I need what I need. I need to, I need to take a moment, like take a month off, go camping for a month and just get away from, from it for a while and sort of clean out my, my brain. Uh, I don't know. It's just, that's just how it feels. Uh, at least it feels like, like there's a, a sickness being caused like a radiation sickness or something. I don't know. It, it's weird. It's a, just, a, it's a brainwave thing that I'm feel like I'm hypersensitive to. Last thing I watched was Trinity seven. I bashed that out and like binged all of it. No problem. I guess. I watched a lot of Dragon Ball Super this week. I'll say that much. And if, I mean, we're sort of towards the end of the podcast, so I feel like I can bring this up. If you guys uh, have not watched Dragon Ball Super, I, I invite you to just go ahead and uh, duck out of the rest of this video. But Talk about um, no, <laughs> but uh, I, I, next at another time. Another time? We're, it's we. I'm gonna wrap it up in like two seconds. I just okay. I just want to say that um, uh, I'm. I mean, again, this would, this would be something that would explode into a much bigger conversation i don't really want to get into but i am enjoying dragon ball super i'm watching it dubbed so i'm sort of i'm caught up to where um toonami is at right now by the way it appears that toonami is is using the non-blu-ray version of the show because the animation oh, yeah. a lot of those episodes is really bad but um even though i believe the blu-rays already are out past this point in japan so they should have access to that animation uh quality but um I'm at the point where they have brought in Goku Black and they, Whis and Beerus have gone to visit the Supreme Kai from Universe 10. And um, when watching, I sort of marathon through up to that point, um, at the end of season three, where Goku is fighting Hit, I feel like there was a really dark humor joke that they had an opportunity uh to do that they uh uh that they ended up i mean i i can see why they didn't do it but there's there's a really funny joke i thought they could have done that would have been really uh, a, a change of pace for the show and that is that um at, obviously when you're watching that arc beerus brought in monaka just to trick goku into thinking that there was somebody stronger than him and of course goku's such an idiot that he believes it um, but, uh, I thought it would have been really funny if at the end of that tournament saga, when Goku, I, what I thought going into it, I thought for sure Goku was going to step down, even though he could have beaten hit just cause he wanted to see Monaka fight. Uh, that's not exactly what happened, but effectively the same thing happens. He steps down to let Monaka fight. And what ends up happening is that, uh, Monaka runs and punches hit hit realizes how weak he is and pauses for a minute and then goes like, and he like flies backwards and, and makes a show of it. And it's just ridiculous. Right. Um, Cause he wants to lose in that, in that tournament um, at, at the end. Um, 
And I thought it would have been really funny because the, the rules of the tournament are that you can't kill uh, your opponent. So I thought it would have been really funny if Goku had made Monaka go and Monaka's power level is like four, you know, uh, and have hit just obliterate him. I thought that would have been such a funny joke to have hit not realize because they're, they're talking up this character like he's even stronger than Goku and have hit go at him full force and just obliterate him and kill him and then hit loses by default for breaking the rule. I thought that I don't think they can really weird. make a death a joke though. However, speaking of which, uh, I have heard there's a, an amazing reference in Dragon Ball Super where they're playing a baseball game or whatever and then Yamcha just yeah, like yeah, yeah. he gets whatever it ends, then it has his death position when he was killed by the <laughs> Cybermen. The Cybermen. See, that's kind of funny is that they always talk about like there's all these memes on, on the internet about like my face when I learned go that Krillin has died against Krillin's died only twice in the whole show. You know, there's all these things like Yamcha's Yamcha only died that one. Oh no, he died twice. He died then and also in the Android time. saga. Krillin died three times. When did Krillin die the third time? Majin Buu. They eradicate all he, the human life. Did he get absorbed or did he die? He died. I don't remember. Uh, Majin Buu are real fuzzy for me. I only watched it once. Um, but uh, but I'm just saying, like, it's not as like it doesn't happen as often as you think. If you actually sit down and watch the whole the whole show, um, yeah. same with Yamcha. But but the thing is that um, so there's there's that thing, and that could have been that could have been a really funny way to do it. And then they could have just wished him back with the. Uh, with the like go it would have been it could have been funny for goku to wish him back using the the first of all it was obvious from the beginning that the planet they were fighting on was the next the last dragon right. ball of the planet that was so obvious going in um i uh, i i kind of wish they had even like misdirected us and done something else because it was just so obvious uh but it, it, they could have brought my point is they could have brought monaka back immediately after killing him um but uh also, the planet side, the universe size dragon looked really ugly. <laughs> uh, but the other thing that I thought would have been would have been really brilliant, and I haven't gotten to the point where this may actually be confirmed, um, is that when Trunks comes back from the future to get reinforcements to defeat Goku Black, and I think it would be really interesting. And again, maybe they actually do this. I, I'm not caught up all the way. Um, where Goku actually becomes goku black after visiting the the supreme kai um i thought it would have been really interesting to have that happen because then trunks goes back in time then he gets relieved when he sees super saiyan god super saiyan the super saiyan blue um transformation he's like okay my the future is saved it's, it's gonna work out but it would be really interesting to see that that him going to the past creates goku black and now instead of having Goku and Vegeta there to fight Goku Black, they don't actually have Goku because Goku actually becomes Go I thought that would have been a really interesting way to have it. Um, and that might actually be where they go. But it doesn't, I'm getting doesn't so lost with all the different... Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> appear that that's where they're going with it. Um, and it also would have been interesting... When, when you first see Goku Black and they like reveal him, I mean, because they, they show him in the opening song before they actually show him. They show him sort of in the shadows and the smoke. When they first show him, I thought, why didn't they make that Goten? Because he's got the long sleeves. You know, that could have been another thing they could have done with it. But anyway, um, but I, especially considering regarding the idea of Vegeta fighting Goku Black without the help of Goku and having it be Vegeta versus Goku, that makes sense to me. Due to the fact that they just did the the, the little one-off arc where Vegeta got absorbed by that magical water thing that made the purple Vegeta that Goku had to fight, so that that that's kind of where I'm 
seeing that go. And also, I find it kind of weird. First season is episodes 1 through 14. The Blu-ray release from Funimation is episodes 1 through 13. So the next episode is, is the first... The last episode is the first episode on the second uh, disc, or the second box. That's pretty episode. funny. Right? Then it does that again. And then... So... so Golden Frieza arc is about the same length, and then it does it again for season three, right? Then for season four, it goes on from like episode um, thirty-five to seventy-seven. Then the final arc is literally like seventy-seven to one thirty-one. So that'll be interesting to see how how they handle that. It's just bizarre how the final arc is just it's freaking that entire thing, and it seems like isn't that another tournament arc? I don't know. I'm interested. It to is, see I think. Like, Ooh, that's gonna be that's gonna be brutal to get through. Although it's funny, well, this is, it's set up differently. Yeah, it's set up differently. I'll just say that um, it's funny because the tournament arcs in Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z are fun, but they also lead into more complicated things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like the tournament arc, the tournament arc in Dragon Ball is a lot of fun because they do like the part where they move so fast they can't see, so they do the reenactment where they like lift up Goku in the kicking position to like walk. Around. I just love how how funny they made that. And then uh, Jackie Chun uh, character, they had, they had a lot of fun with that. Also, him fighting Tien, where where Goku, <laughs> Goku and Tien are both falling outside of the ring, and then that truck goes by and hits Goku and makes him hit the ground first. A lot of great stuff from the old Dragon Ball um, tournament arcs. And then in Dragon Ball Z, love the tournament arc they have where where Vegeta obliterates the power machine. (laughs) Oh, great. Great show. Anyway, um, that's it. Um, Thank you for indulging my thoughts on on Dragon Ball Super. Um, If you guys want to share your thoughts with me in the comments of this video after we end it so that they can you know, go into the actual comments where I'll see them and not stuck in the chat, which probably won't archive over after the video ends. Um, that'd be great just to just to see what your thoughts are on my predictions or my ideas. Like, do you think it would have been funny to see Monaka just get obliterated and that's how they end up uh, um, winning the tournament? That I just thought that would have been so funny. But anyway, that's it. So uh, we'll see you guys on what day was it? April 5th, I think. April 5th. April. That's, April, yep. On April 5th, we'll, and again, we'll be watching Photon, The Idiot Adventures, which is how many episodes? Like three, five? Three. Three. So not that long. We're giving, giving you guys a short one this week, uh, this this two-week period, uh, and we'll see you then. All right? Again, All right. like the video, please, because that really helps us out. So we'll, we'll see you on the 5th. And my mouse died, so I can't stop the broadcast there. I can't do it. I can't do it. Where's my mouse? There it goes. All right. I'll see you guys then. Bye. Bye.